Hi, and welcome to the Lost Lowdown with your hosts, Claude and Justin. Today's podcast will be about episode 223, the uh, long-awaited season finale. Um, the episode was titled Live Together, Die Alone, because as we all know, we all die alone or something. That's I don't what know. we do, and that's what Jack uh, said. That's what Jack said, and I don't know what that statement means, but maybe we'll talk about that today. Uh, I know what it means, but I don't what it, I don't know what it means in terms of the show. But uh, well, hey, why don't we talk about what it means real quick, since that's the title of the show? Okay. Because I don't know where it, what it's from. I googled it, and of course, every Google reference comes up uh, tied to loss. So. Um, what does that mean? I don't. I don't get it. Well, the con- <laughs> the context in which it comes up, I believe, if I remember correctly, is uh, Michael thanking Jack for, you know, getting the team together and coming along to help him uh, rescue Walt. Mm-hmm. And he just goes, "Hey, live together, die alone." And I thought it was really weird that he said that because the gist of the phrase doesn't seem like it means what he's trying to say. Yeah. Part. Like, like, the emphasis, when you say live together, die alone, the emphasis is on die alone. Like, when you die, there's no one around to comfort you or whatever. And it just seemed like an odd thing to say in response to someone thanking you for helping them. Like, yeah, yeah well, we die alone, so who cares? I don't know. It's, uh, whatever. Yeah, it seems like should, it should have been like live together, go after your boy together, you know, like like there, we, we're bonded, you know, sort of, sort of in one in, in, instance, and so therefore we're going to help you in this instance. But yeah, I, that's why I didn't get what the phrase was supposed to mean because it just it, he, he used it so strangely. It played like the obligatory titular line utterance. You know that part when they just have to say the the titular line and, and yeah. it, just, it didn't quite fit and they were like ah whatever throw it in there. <laughs> All right. So but so what what does it actually mean though? Is it from something? Oh, I don't know. Don't you, said, that. you said you knew what it meant. No, I know what it means. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it means what it sounds like it means. You know, you, you live in a, in a group with people, you interact, social interaction. That's the reality oh. of life for people in civilization. But when you die, you're just by yourself. It's a, it's a solitary activity. I mean, but, I mean, is it, is it from, a, you know, a book, a play? Is it just a know. common, maybe it's just a common sort of phrase or something? It, it could be from, I'm not literate enough to know where that might come from. And I didn't do any research, so uh, sorry, guys, I don't know. That's cool. But there's plenty of things to talk about besides uh, whether or not you know what the phrase means. So right. um, we'll talk about the, the so many interesting things in this two-part action-packed season finale that uh, that J.J. proclaimed was the best season finale ever in the history of all time. Right. Um, which, of course, uh, I'd like to go ahead and say I think he was over-hyping it. Uh, just a wee bit. Just a yeah. wee bit. It was a pretty um, good season finale, but come on. Pretty good, but uh, episode 29 is when Peaks beats it. Sorry. Anyway. Dugpa. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, oh, and I wanted to say, um, uh, oh, shit, I forgot. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, I have something to say. Maybe I'll say it later. Uh, I hope you have more than one thing to say. So let's dive into 
let's dive into discussing the episode. We're going to, as I said, eschew the usual uh, opening podcast banter because we feel there's plenty to discuss from the episode, and really, who cares about uh, lost news and all that, you know, stuff uh, right now? So, I think we'll Agreed. just launch into talking about the episode, and that will occupy us pretty much the whole way. We have a little bit of semi-spoiler material at the end, but since there haven't been any episodes shot, how much of a spoiler it is is sort of, you know, I don't know, questionable. So there's barely any spoiler material here, so you can probably listen to the whole thing, however long it is. So, all right, first topic. Um, So at the beginning of the episode... Uh, we pick up where the previous episode left off. There's a sailboat that arrives in the middle of the funeral, and everybody turns in a shock. Ooh, a sailboat, right? Um, of course, no one, no one thinks, oh, maybe we'll, you know, sail that off the island or anything. They just sort of see it's a sailboat and move on with their lives. And, well, uh, we uh, we have our a few characters sort of they sort of swim out there, uh, and uh, of course, as nobody was surprised, it was uh, Desmond in the boat. Can I just jump in and uh, interject here and say that um, I was one of the people who guessed it was Desmond. Although I think it was our last podcast when we were discussing, you know, we we sort of said, oh, maybe it's Desmond, but then we came up with, you know, the that the idea that his boat had been destroyed and well if that was his boat a if that was his boat how would it get fixed and b you know i was thinking if he's racing on well he's got some sort of other type of boat or i don't know what i expect i didn't expect a little sailboat but uh right. i leave it to the writers of lost to uh sort of fix all those little you know patch those holes up as it were and say oh wow this is his boat because of this and this and this that we find out right. in the episode they did explain why his boat wasn't wrecked and why he had a sailboat and blah, 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 sort of. Yeah, more on that later. Yeah. Uh, so when the, when they first get on the boat, <clears throat> he just starts taking shots blindly uh, out the uh, the hatch, I guess it is. Um, Not another hatch, please. Sorry. And I thought that was very odd. First of all, that he just, like, take blind shots. Like, just, I guess, automatically assuming who's ever on the boat is there to get well, him or whatever. I, I think what what I assumed happened was, I mean, also the reason he was in the bottom of the, in the in the cabin there drinking was because he saw the island and he knew that was, you know, the island. And, uh, you know, he realized, oh, crap, you know, I'm not going to get saved. I can't get out of this hell. So anyway, when he gets close to the island and people board the ship, he knows that they're, you know, maybe he thinks they're the ho- the hostiles. I almost said hosties. Um, but um, less threatening. Yeah. Well, hosties, like hostile losties. I don't know. Anyway. Oh. Um, maybe he thinks they're the hostiles. Or, but he knows that it's someone from the island that, that's boarding his boat. He's, you know, because uh, he, saw, he saw the island, you know, presumably before he went down into the cabin to drink himself into a drunk stupor. Right. So, I mean, you know, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Why Why do that? Uh, I think he was just, it was sort of an act of desperation. I, but as soon as they open the door and he seizes them, like, he just stops shooting, like, oh, it's you guys. Like, he didn't think of that when he was just taking random shots. Well, hey, well, maybe maybe that's what, maybe he thought it was the, the hostels. 
Well, I can, but yeah, but if there's a chance that it's, I mean, do you just take blind shots? It just seemed ridiculous. And then, like, the, the lost people, like, see him, like, oh, Desmond's back. Welcome back. Even though he was just shooting at them. Like, it was very odd how he, they didn't sort of consider him any sort of threat or it was, he was just. Well, he, he, you know, he didn't know who he was shooting at, so it's not like he was shooting at them purposefully. And, I mean, once he saw who, who it was, he didn't, like, continue to try to kill them. So yeah, I, I don't think they took it. They didn't, they didn't take it personally. You know, it's okay. Sometimes you get shot at, and, you know, it's not about you. It's just uh, wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> All right. So, so I guess what we're supposed to believe and and this sort of dovetails with discussing his backstory, which we also need to do. Please. But the thing he says when he first comes back is that, you know, he went and got his boat. You know, remember he left back in the way the beginning of season two. I think it was episode three or something. The t- by the time they finally resolved that initial scene in the hatch, which took forever, uh, he pretty much took off almost immediately, and I guess we're supposed to assume he went straight to his boat and then started sailing away. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not exactly true, I don't believe. I was thinking about the timeline, and he said he had been sailing for like two and a half weeks. Um, does that fit in the timeline between that episode and uh, – because presumably – I mean, two and a half weeks is uh, – you know, 14 and 30, uh, 17 days, and was that, I mean, that was more than 17 episodes ago. Well, barely, though. And he barely. floating in episode 222, so we don't know how long he's been floating there, so, like, it's close enough, I think. Okay, I'll buy, I'll, I'll buy, he, yeah, I mean, I'll buy that. I'll buy he went straight to his boat. Yeah. It's pretty close, um, Okay. I guess there's a little leeway if they want to say later, ooh, we actually did this too, but mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's it's close enough that we're supposed to assume that. Um, and and so I guess he I guess he just didn't I don't know I guess he was crazy or whatever, and he just didn't want to take anybody with him or mention that he had a boat or whatever, uh, you know. <laughs> well, I got a whole theory on what that was about. All right, good. And and really, like I said, this. Is sort of related to his backstory, and so I. But I. But initially, he gives this story of he basically tried to sail away and uh, found himself back at the island when he should have been. I, I think he said at Fiji. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I guess my first question is: uh, Do you buy that? Do I buy that he what? Do I buy what? That he was sailing in the direction of Fiji, that he was, you know, correctly sailing yes. in that direction. I buy that. And that I, buy that for a, I buy that for a lot of reasons. Namely because, um, well, see, there's a lot of confusion. I, I mean, I'm very confused about the whole this whole sort of thing with Desmond, Kelvin, the button, and all that. There's a whole stream of confusion going on there. Exactly. Right. Who was doing what and why, and why did certain people say certain things, and then their actions didn't, you know, correlate to that. But I, I do believe him when he said he was busy sailing. I mean, because the first thing when he found them, oh, well, when they found him, he gets on the beach. He's sitting there drinking, doing nothing. He's He had totally res, uh, resigned his life away 
he uh, I don't think he had any other ulterior motive to to any other reason to, to any reason at all to lie to them about what he had been doing in the interim. Um, so yeah, I believe him that that he you know when he thought the world was going to end, a uh, while well, I should say quote world was going to end. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, so, and he ran away, he went to his boat, and he was he was trying to get off the island. Now, I guess the real question would be, well, I guess that's not really the question. I was going to say the real question would be, why didn't he try to leave the island sooner? But it goes back to my theory about what's really going on here, which is, uh, can we get into that? Are we are we ready to get into the theory behind the button and, uh, and the uh, Kelvin situation? I, I was going to say, I want to I postpone that. Hopefully I'll remember my big theory, but, I mean, I will. I mean, yeah, I hope you do. Well, if you don't forget it, go ahead and say it. Um, okay, I'll just say, I'll just say that, um, okay, no, we'll, we'll bring it up. We'll bring it up. We'll bring right, it up. As long as you remember it, I mean, I don't want to lose it. No, 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 I won't, I won't. It, it will, believe me, it'll come back up. But let's just say for now that I, the reason that, you know, like if, if anyone wants to ask, okay, well, why didn't he leave sooner, I think I have an answer for that. And uh, so okay. so I think he was telling the truth. Why didn't he leave sooner? Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I mean, to me, there's, a, there's an obvious answer to that, but, well, no, there isn't. Anyway, okay. So, uh, so yeah, my big question is, it's obviously possible to get to the island from the outside world. That's been established. It's happened yes. multiple times yes. with a bunch of different situations. So he claims it's impossible to leave. Uh, we do have a situation with Michael at the end, which is another big topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, I guess uh, one sort of question that we're not ready to deal with is, <laughs> is, is it impossible to leave the island or, or is it like basically impossible to leave the island or the, but there's this one exit or what, is, is that really the case? You know, that's a good question and I know we're jumping around because I'm referencing what Henry said at the end, or should I say Finry. Um, I, like yeah. to say Hen- I like to say Henry, though, because I don't like I Henry. do, too. I don't like the name Fenry. It sounds yeah. bad. It's silly. Anyway, um, he says, you know, uh, if you take this specific heading, you'll get, you'll get rescued. My big question was, that's all good, but rescued by whom? <laughs> like, I was like, wondering that. You know, rescued by the Coast Guard? Rescued by, you know, uh, Dharma police? You know what I mean? Like, who, who's going to rescue me? More people like you? Right. I mean, you know, and I'm 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 sort of thinking that uh, that heading will take them to that was referenced uh, in the Pearl orientation video. Um, that's what I think that heading is going to take them to. I don't think it's going to take them, you know, because it, it's what I mean. Can you trust Henry? I'm sorry, people. Can you trust him in anything? And even though he seems to be a man of his word, because he said, "Well, you held up your end of the bargain. I'll do the same." You know, he said rescued. Rescued is a very general general term. He didn't say you'll get back home to America or to L.A. or you'll right. get to Fiji or Tahiti or wherever. He just said rescued. Yeah. And I think basically – well, I want to believe that Walt is too valuable for them to just let go. Yeah. Um, I have a whole host of quotes from, from Henry because when Henry appeared and started saying stuff, I, I started thinking, oh, my God, this is valuable information – and then I started thinking, like, God, of all the stuff Henry's told us already, like, how much of it has come to anything? Like, that's yeah. another topic. But then again, he is in his element with the upper hand. 
in that situation. I feel like he's less likely to lie in that situation than he was when he was held captive. True, true. Um, so, so I almost believe a lot more a lot of the stuff he was saying as opposed to some of the stuff he said in the past. Like, for instance, uh, you know, we came here to get – or I came here to get Locke or – uh, I didn't press the button, which now we know was not true, by the way. Wait, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? Remember he, he told Locke that he did not press the button when the uh-huh. lockdown happened? Yes. Obviously not true. I actually don't. I actually, I've got something to add to that. I think uh, I got a really big confusing question about that. Can I, can I mention that? I'll, I'll just bring it up now because I don't know if I will remember it. But I'm not sure that Henry was actually lying when he said he didn't press the button. Because in this episode, we got to see another lockdown. You know, basically, uh, um, Desmond, I I call him D in my notes. Um, Desmond, you know, uh, locks locks the hatch down so that he and Locke, so basically the Echo can't press the button. If you notice, during the lockdown, the computer room itself is locked down. So... I don't understand how uh, Henry would have been able to get to the computer if if all the doors were locked down. Oh, through the ventilation ducts. That's all. It just goes right in there. If oh. Out, he could have sent Charlie through there. Yeah. Oh, God. So is that what, it, is that what it's supposed to be? I guess he – because, see, I just assume – I didn't really – okay. So basically we're supposed to believe he went in the ventilation duct into the computer room. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking it sent him sort of just over where that blast door was, the blast door map door. It just got him past that obstacle. And I was thinking he had another obstacle getting into the computer room. But I, So I guess he it took him all the way into the computer room. I think that's what we're supposed to believe. But if you, if you remember how the doors were in the past, I, I don't know if they're being perfectly consistent with what we see here. Yeah. Um, like the computer room looked different to me than it has in the past. Uh, There's some weirdness going on. I don't know if they just shot it differently or whatever, but it just didn't have the same layout that I remembered from before. So I, it's possible that there there's a problem there where he really shouldn't have been able to get in there with what they show here. But yeah. I think we're supposed to believe that he took the ducks, you know, there. I mean, if he didn't press it, it, it should. what should have happened is what's happened every other time it's not been pressed, and it didn't happen. True, true. Hmm. Okay. I'll so I consider that evidence. But that was the whole thing I was going to bring up later. I mean, we have to talk about the button more extensively. So, uh, okay. So, so, so wait. The, the, I'm sorry. The big question was about the boat. And, uh, oh, can you get to the island or not? Or if, what was it? Can, can you leave? leave? the real question. Um, I'm going to say no. I mean, Desmond couldn't leave. I don't think he has any reason to lie to these people. Um, so, I don't think, uh, I mean, I I would say you can't leave, but maybe it's, you know, it's nothing supernatural, maybe it's just the way the currents are around that island, maybe, you know, if you had, like, a, a a real motorboat, you could, but he had a sailboat, so he couldn't, so I don't know, I'm just going to say the, sort of, my general answer is no, you can't, you can't leave, but I think you can get to the barracks, (laughs) All right. So where are the barracks? They're, um, I think the barracks are very close, but why can't you see them on the horizon? Don't ask me. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. There's, there's some weirdness. Maybe the barracks are underwater. I remember a long time ago reading uh, people's theories that there, there's an underwater hatch or something like that and all this weird stuff. So maybe the barracks are um, 
underwater somewhere. But we'll see, maybe. Right, right. Um, all right. All right, so I say we move on to a, a, a semi-decent topic, which is uh, Desmond's back backstory. Oh, I'm sorry. Can we? I had a question about what we were talking about. Speaking of, and and I believe the islands. Um, do you? You know, Desmond brings up. Desmond says there is no outside world. It's only the ocean and the island. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is a related topic. I mean, is do you think there's an outside world? Absolutely. I consider. I consider. I was going to say this later. I consider that ending to be confirmation that there is an outside world. Oh, I forgot about the ending. Yeah. Okay, cool. Me too. I think, well, I could go into it later, but I think basically what we're looking at is some there's some sort of separation between the island and the outside world, and there's some way to get between the two. I don't know what that relationship is, but I think they definitely there definitely is an outside world, which is to say Earth, you know, the place we're used to living in. And then you have this island that you can get to from Earth, and it behaves like Earth and all of its laws, sort of. And uh, so uh, I'm not sure exactly how they fit together, but I, I think the fact uh, of the world existing outside the island, I think that's pretty much uh, assured by that ending. All right. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. So right, are you ready to uh, – Okay. So you want to talk about Desmond's backstory? Desmond's backstory. Okay. All right, so so basically uh, a minor thing. So we know the the first thing we get here is I guess he was in the military in Scotland, mm-hmm. and he was he uh, committed some sort of uh, military crime where he didn't follow orders, I guess, and so he went to military prison, and then uh, of course he is let out and dishonorably discharged, and that's basically the beginning of his story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to mention a small thing uh, that we learned during that part, which is that his full name is Desmond David Hume. Yes. And uh, for those of you uh, philosophy fans, uh, maybe you've heard of David Hume. He's uh, He was a famous uh, philosopher in the 1700s. Uh, he wrote about a lot of topics. Uh, I believe he was uh, sort of an atheist or a borderline atheist. Um, I read some of his things about uh, art, and uh, this is a case of the writers making another philosopher reference to go along with uh, John Locke and uh, Rousseau, whose first Mm -hmm. name I don't know. It's not Danielle because it's a man. But uh, uh, that's just a throwaway comment. I don't really know how much... You know, sometimes I feel like like they're not necessarily experts. Like they just throw these names in because they think it's cool to do or whatever. I yeah. I don't know how much their views really matter in terms of the show. I I would have to say not that much, but I think it's an interesting little you know fast fact. Yeah, definitely. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> so he gets out of there, and who's waiting for him? Uh. In a. Uh, is it a limo or just a nice car? I don't remember. I think it was just a nice car. Yeah, okay. I thought I was thinking it didn't look like a limo. Is uh, the the infamous Charles Widmore. So we've been hearing a lot about Widmore. And now we get to meet Widmore. 
and uh, we find out that uh, Woodmore is pretty boring. You know, I think um, I think Woodmore's company is a little more interesting than he is, uh, which I think is usually the case for most uh, CEOs. Um, but um, yeah, uh, the whole the whole little uh, uh, plot line of, of Desmond and Penny uh, and 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 the father is so Shakespeare. I mean, man. It was good, you know, 500 years ago or whatever. Right. Oh, Daddy, why can't I be with Desmond? Yeah, he's not good enough. He's not a Capulet. Yeah. You know, like, jeez. I never, I don't even know what his objection was. I guess he just, you know, whatever crime he did, like, or he wasn't rich enough. or They didn't really explain what exactly it was he didn't like about Desmond. I, I, had, I had the feeling that it was it was more of a status thing, and then the secondary reason was the, the, the prison sentence or whatever. You know, like, uh, but it, it's so, I don't know, it's so strange. These, these, I mean, I guess it happens, but, like, for that to be the most, for that to be the, you know, introduction to Whitmore and, you know, stay away from my daughter, like, I thought that was really crappy. Awful. Like, that's just the shittiest, like, um, daddy, let me see my, it's just, I mm-hmm. hate that. The, that storyline is so, like, pathetic, and that's how we're going to be, it's like, I, it's, I'm so disappointed that that's Desmond's backstory. I mean, Now, I, how much money did he offer Desmond? Oh, the exact amount? I don't remember. Wasn't it, like, $42,000 or $40,000? <sighs> I don't remember. Sorry. Because I thought it it was weird because I, I thought it was a sort of, you know, it was a big sum of money for any normal individual, but I thought it was sort of small compared, you know, because he's, he's Widmore. Right. You know, I feel like he would have, he would have you know, given him more money to stay away from his daughter if he wanted it that badly. But um, I, I, have, I want to talk about, if I can, I mean, it comes in and out of the, the story, the episode, but the book, I, I think that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's sort of a small, minor thing. The Dickens. The Dickens book. I love the idea of, of Desmond, you know, has read every Dickens book, and he's a big fan, and, you know, this is the only book he hasn't read, and so he's going to wait till the, well, sort of, you know, as long as he can before he reads it, which is a strange, very interesting thing to do. I thought uh, that was a bad idea, because if you haven't read it yet, like, what if that's the worst one? I mean, doesn't that suck, like... Right before you die, you read the worst Dickens book ever. Like, yeah. Well, it seemed to me that that he he sort of. I mean, I'm sure he has his favorites, um, and I sort of assumed he had saved that one because either because he, you know, he, you know, it's like, well, how could that? Why would that be the last one he read? Either that was, that's supposed to be the best, or, or you know, or I don't know if it's the, you know, I don't know where that book comes in Dickens' career. You know, maybe there's some some reason why he saved it. You know, I, I don't think it was just sort of random that he, oh, well, I read everything but this one, so this one will be the one. I feel like he sort of had one saved, you know. But I don't know. That's just my guess. Right. But, yeah, I'm, it could be, it, he could still, even if it's supposed to be Dickens' best or, you know, his Dickens' first or whatever the, the significance of that book is, um, it still could be, you know, Desmond's least favorite of it. And uh, But, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I think he, he would like it anyway, you know. Yeah, I guess. Because he says, you know, I've read every glorious word or whatever he says. I mean, like, come on. Like, there's got to be one word or two that ain't that good. I know. God. We can't be perfect in every way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make it. I mean, the book seems like, it seems like an interesting detail that turned into a plot device. Yeah. And, 
We had, uh, you know, Penny's little note, which is mm-hmm. boring, too. That was really bad. You know, I was hoping the note was from Calvin, uh, but it wasn't. Um, but, yeah, that was really bad. Like, as long as you have love, you have lo- hope or something. Like, come on. You know, but what, what I thought was weird, the, I thought it was weird. I guess it's just sort of a little strangeness in terms of, uh, like, okay, you, okay, you're, you're Desmond, you're in the army, you commit some sort of crime or whatever, or you didn't follow orders, and you get sent to prison, okay? What, in what situation would you be sent to prison with this book? You know what I mean? Like, why would he, why would he have that book waiting for him when he gets out? To me, that's sort of, I mean, I guess, I, I've never been to prison, so I don't know, but I know that's sort of a jail thing to do when, like, you know, you get arrested by the cops in the middle of the street, and they take you and lock you up, Whatever you have on you at the time, you know, you get afterwards when you get out. Um, but it's like when you're sent to prison, it seems like you wouldn't be sent with a book and all that other stuff. You know, well, obviously, you know. prison, so. Oh, is that, oh so they, they make a house call and they go pick up your favorite reading material. And, uh, yeah. I just thought it was weird that, you know, he was sent to prison forever long and, and somehow he was, you know, picked up or booked or whatever with this book on him. I mean, that's the only explanation that why he would have this book waiting for him when he got out, you know. So I don't know. I thought that was weird. And then there's some whole other things. And then it's like, okay, when did when did Penny put the letter in the book? I mean, obviously before he went to prison, right? She said it was like right as he was going away. So I assume like he was, you know, convicted in some court of, of the crime. He knew he was going away. And like mm-hmm. she flipped it in, you know, shortly before he left. So I guess, like, he bought – it's really ridiculous. I guess he brought the book with him, and then as soon as he got there, they took it away. Like, I don't – it doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, really. it doesn't make any sense. And it's like, how would she be able to, to, to slip the note in the book? Like, at what point? Like, when he's – I mean, he's being convicted. Where's the book? Is the book at his house, or is the book with him in the prison? I mean, like, you know, when, when would she be able to slip that note? I mean, it's just, this is so trivial. I was just wondering, like, when would she be able to slip that note in there? And how, how did he, throughout all that time, it never fell out like it did this episode. Right. Oh, God. You know? Well, anyway, uh, let's just say that the whole notebook thing was a big crap load. and That's the magic of television. It, you know. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> this is television. <laughs> oh, God. That's not okay. what Hugh McIntyre said. I know. Hugh McIntyre, I... I would like to apologize for um, for um, questioning your um, existence, um, as I did in the previous podcast. I saw you, what was it, Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah. And um, obviously you're alive because I saw you on TV, and anything you see on TV is real. So um, thank you to you for uh, proving me wrong. Uh, okay, so the next question I have um, about Desmond's Backstory. I mean, first of all, let's deal with Libby's cameo. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know what? I think Libby's a mind reader because I don't know how she knew how much that coffee cost. The clerk didn't say four dollars. <laughs> she just tossed it down. She just tossed it down. I four dollars. I know it. I just know because I'm the L. I know. I'm the L. I'm the L to the I to the B to the B to the Y. Um. No, I love it. I love her fake hair, her little wig, and you know what, man? She looks scary in that scene. She yeah. just scared me. Her eyes, and she's got great eyes, but they they're either scary or like interesting. And this time they were just scary as shit. Yeah, 
And uh, yeah, but anyway, someone from some other movie. This is a really bad, stupid thing to say, but I just I remember some movie where someone had that. Oh God, shut up! I, let me drop that now because that's Please. going nowhere. That's going uh, nowhere fast. I, I, have, like, I have nothing to add. People can't even say like, oh yeah, yeah, like something from somewhere. It's so vague. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so what? I mean, it, her, her cameo there is pretty much contrived and ridiculous, and... I don't think so. The scene... Okay. <laughs> fine. Tell, tell me why it's not contrived. Okay, no, go ahead and finish your little setup of this scene. Go ahead. I just, I have a theory that I hope no one in the entire world has ever thought about, but I'm sure there's like 15,000 people on Lost Forum that already thought of this, but um, I have a theory. I have a theory. I have a theory too, but my theory is boring. Oh, <laughs> so so I so basically what happened? You know, Desmond's in a, in a random coffee shop, I guess. Like we're supposed to assume that he took the money, like the way they end that scene uh, with him and Widmore. No, like, are we? I don't think. So. No, we're not. He's Justin. Well, what are you talking about? What what makes you think he took the money? Give me one reason. He said you can take the money. Or you can have the daughter. And he didn't get the daughter, so I assume that he just took the money and ran. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He didn't either. Because if he took the 40 grand from Widmore, why would he need 40 grand from Libby? He asked Libby, I need this money because I want to buy this boat. And she gives him, you know, obviously she doesn't give him the money. She gives him the boat. Take the fucking money. Dude, it was, about, it was about honor. He basically, I mean, we didn't see this scene, but from what I got from it, he was like, screw you, Widmore. I'm not going to take your money. I'm going to prove that I can I can have your daughter on my own, on my honor or whatever. And that's why he wanted to enter the race. That was the whole reason. If he if he took the money from from uh, from Widmore, he would have been able to buy the bubble. We wouldn't need the scene with Libby. You're, you're right, but but if he didn't take the money, then why didn't he get the daughter? I don't because understand. because it wasn't he wanted for whatever strange crazy reason. I think it's a British thing. Uh, or maybe just the European thing in general. He he he's concerned with honor, and he wants. I think he just wants some sort of approval from Widmore. I mean, yeah, he could go and say, "Hey, Penny, you know, um, your dad didn't give you my letters. I do love you, and you love me. And even though you're getting married, you should dump that guy and let's be together, despite what your father thinks." He, for whatever reason, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to even say, that "Hey, it fucking worked." It would have worked, but it's not as dramatic. I mean, that's that's the only reason I have, you know. He wants to say, okay, Widmore, you're going to put, sponsor this race around the world. Well, I'm going to basically, it's, it's almost this idea of, of winning on Widmore's terms, you know, which, you know, which is weird because I don't think winning this race is going to change. You know, that's not a real symbol of honor to me, um, you know, winning a race around the world. I mean, yeah, it's sort of interesting and brave and courageous what you have to go through to sort of win something like that in faith. But um, to me, that's not what, I don't think Widmore is going to care either way. Like, he's. Like, oh, you won my race. You have bested me again, Desmond. Like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, life is about making mistakes, and I think Desmond obviously committed a big one by entering this race, which got him on the island. But Yeah. Um, now, so, no, he did not He did not take Woodmore's money. I don't think, this, I don't think okay. we're supposed to believe that. Yeah, I guess you're right, but I'm just I'm really baffled why he chose the course of action. Okay, fine, the honor thing, whatever. I agree with you about the race I was going to bring up. Like, entering the race, I really don't think is doing what he thinks it's doing. No. But whatever. We'll move on. We're talking about Libby. 
So he meets uh, Libby in this coffee shop, basically because he doesn't have any money to pay for his coffee, and she just throws down money. And then they strike up a conversation mm-hmm. where he mentions that he needs $40,000 or whatever, and then she's just instantly like, oh, maybe I'll give you 40000 And he's like, well, I need it for a boat. And she's like, oh, well, I have a boat. Yeah. And, and I'll just give it to you, even though I just met you like five seconds ago. Like, I must be really crazy. I guess Libby really is crazy to just give well, away her shit to I, some random guy. I'm, like, I, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate maybe, but, oh, well, not really, because I, 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 I thought that scene halfway worked. It was a little sappy, but I think it worked. I mean, I think, I mean, did, did, did she say, I don't remember if she said this or if I thought she should. It'd be crappy either way. Did she say win the race for love? He did. I was just going to bring up, oh. that was one of my least favorite lines on Lost oh. ever. I, like. yeah, no, I, I thought that made sense. You know, I thought, you know, she has this dead husband, and, and it, it was his dream to sort of sail, and, she, you know, she's not going to use it. And here's this guy who wants to prove his love for this woman. I can see, you know, sort of a woman in general, but, you know, Libby in particular, being taken by that and saying, you know what? I have no use for this boat. Not only would it make my husband happy, it's a great idea, and it would help this stranger who's trying to do something, you know, sort of noble and whatever. And um, so I think it works. Uh, you could be a con artist. I mean, you know what? And that's the thing. He could be a con artist, and she still would have fell for it. I mean, that, that con artists do that. But, um, I, I mean, I buy it. I buy that, that Libby would have done that, even though it's sort of, you know, logically, you know, unsound, but... Um, I didn't have a problem with that, you know. Uh, I love how the boat was named Elizabeth. Oh, and it's like, Elizabeth? What's, what name is short for Elizabeth? Libby. Um, but, uh, so can I bring up my, my big theory about Libby that I thought about in this scene? Yes, but one, minute, one moment. Okay. I just want to throw out, regarding that, that line, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to win this race, Elizabeth, for love. I I I <laughs> almost shuddered with disgust when I watched Aww. that part, and I just want to point out how bad. Like, even if that's the meaning or the subtext of the scene, actually having a character say that is so awful. Like, I ugh. I just yeah. I just want to point out how bad I think that is. All right, you know, I would I would have wrote those lines, and I would have hated writing those lines. But um, I yeah. Anyway. So I thought it was very interesting um, that uh, and maybe, you know, I didn't do my research, so maybe I'm completely wrong, but um, I thought it was very interesting that Libby's husband was named David. And as we all know, uh, whenever you hear a character's name, well, not whenever, but, you know, sometimes, like with the Elizabeth Libby thing, you know, we saw the boat, it said Elizabeth, and of course we didn't, you know, I guess there were obviously some people would have got the connection to Libby, but that would have been a long shot anyway, unless you sort of knew the spoiler about the boat in this scene anyway. Anyway, what I mean is they, they have these things where they'll say a person's name and then they have some other connection to the names. So I was thinking about that. She said her husband's name was David. What's another, you know, what's another name for David? Dave. Hmm. Who was Dave? Dave was Hurley's friend in the mental institution where Libby was. Mm-hmm. So I concocted this half-brain theory that maybe Libby was in the mental institution. Uh, well, she said her, her husband was sick and died, you know. So I'm thinking, I haven't pieced it all together, but I'm thinking maybe she was, she, either Dave, like, 
David died. You know, basically I'm thinking this David was, you know, her husband. Dave Hurley's friend, the imaginary person, was her, is her husband, right? Okay. Um, and I'm trying to see how that, how if I can piece those things together. And I'm thinking maybe she went to the mental institution because she, you know, maybe she heard Dave was still alive, or you know, she. Because to me, it seemed like a reconnaissance mission. She, you know, she did look undercover because she didn't, you know, no, we didn't really think she was crazy. I mean, now, you know, either she was crazy or she's not crazy, and she was sort of in there undercover. And I always sort of thought she was undercover. So it was to beyond me, like bad. Like she was like. Like, most of the patients there were, like, she was just, like, sort of, like, almost, like, drooling and not even aware of, like, the world around her. True, true. But to me, you know, I sort of thought about that look that she gives in that scene. Because to me it seemed like, okay, picture this. Picture this real quick. I'll try to make this brief. She, Dave either dies or disappears or something. I don't know. Maybe he dies and then she sort of hears he's alive or for whatever reason, she thinks her husband is in this mental institution. And maybe the only way she can get in there is to pretend to be a patient. Um, so she gets in there, and she's sort of there for I don't know how long or whatever. And finally, she sees this Dave that she heard, you know, that she thinks is her husband, that she heard is in the mental institution. And in that scene is when she realizes this Dave was this imaginary friend of this crazy fat man. And that's how I reconciled that look she gave was sort of a look of, like, desperation, and she was like, oh, crap, this isn't, you know, my husband is really dead or he's whatever. And, you know, as proof by the fact that, you know, this crazy guy is talking to an imaginary version of who I thought I was here to find. Uh, so that's how I reconciled that look is that she was sort of – because she seemed like she was didn't, – didn't she – wasn't she looking towards Hurley? You know, with that at that at the end of that scene, yeah. So it seemed like she was. So it seemed like she was like, "Oh shit!" Like this Dave I was looking for, my husband is this imaginary guy. I mean, not that he's this imaginary guy, but you know, he turns out to be this imaginary guy because he doesn't exist. He's only in the figment, a figment of the imagination of, of Hurley, and so therefore, my husband is, is either really dead or he's somewhere else that I can't find. So that was my idea about you know, connecting Dave and David and uh, why she could have been in the mental institution. Maybe she was either looking for her husband or, you know. So, and, and it could be that uh, that I was thinking maybe Dave really did exist. Maybe her husband really did go into a mental institution. Maybe Hurley did really befriend him. And after Dave died, you know, from his illness or whatever, because he was, you know, he was bald and he sort of looked sickly anyway. Um, you know, maybe he was bald and crazy, you know, sick. I mean, Switch and crazy and ball too, but um, you know it could be that maybe Dave, you know Dave is Libby's husband, and you know, and Hurley's friend. He was a real person, but after he died, Hurley just sort of made him become an imaginary person. You know, maybe Hurley didn't take the loss very well or something like that. You know what I mean? Okay, which would help to explain why Hurley had such a hard time. You know. Uh, dealing with the fact that Dave wasn't real because, you know, at one point he was real. All right. You know. Well, if Dave was real, then you have the problem of explaining all the stuff that happened in the episode, Dave, that indicated that he was. No, see, that's the thing. I don't think I, – I think the Dave that we saw was the fake Dave. I mean, it, I mean, there's sort of different scenarios of how my theory could work. But if you, if you go with Dave was real and he was, you know, in a middle institution with Hurley 
and, you know, they were friends, and then he died. I think all the stuff we saw was after he had died, and sort of okay. he became Hurley's, this sort of weird version of Hurley's, you know, psyche. And Hurley just, like, forgot that he died. Yeah, like, you know, it was sort of one of those mental block things where, you know, his best friend in the mental institution died. He's just going to, his mind sort of doesn't accept that, and he, he, he his mind continues to think this guy is real. Okay. Um, now, and I think, and I think that, and then Libby comes into the picture, you know, trying to find her husband or whatever reason she's there for. And sort of in that scene, in the end of that episode, she sees that that okay, the Dave that I think I thought my husband that existed is is this fat guy talking to, and he's obviously not there. This, this Dave, my husband, does not exist anymore. He's dead or gone or whatever. Um, so I don't know. That's a theory that uh, you and uh, our, our listeners can put in your in your feather. I mean, in your hat like a feather, and uh, think about it. And uh, in a couple years, maybe we'll get some more evidence, or, or it'll be disproven. It, I want to throw out another another thing at your theory. Okay. Um, so so are you saying that Hurley? Okay. God, I'm really trying to wrap my mind around this. You're saying that Hurley. Okay. Uh, if if he really was there and Hurley blocked it out and he really was Libby's husband, okay, that's an area I can almost buy. But otherwise, like, it would be so bizarre if Hurley came up with an imaginary friend who just happened to be uh, Libby's husband and she can see him too, even though he's Hurley's imaginary friend. Well, no, I don't think she can see him at all. I thought no, she I think could see him. No, I didn't say that. I, no, I didn't imply it. No, I was saying that when – no, 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 I don't think she can see him. I think the fact that, you know, Hurley is sitting there talking to, you know, quote, Dave, the, this imaginary man, she's looking at this, and that's when she realizes that Dave does not exist anymore. I was saying that she – you know, there's a couple – like I said, there's a couple scenarios where my theory could, could pan out. And, you know, the first one is, you know – Libby's husband dies, or either either he, he, he literally dies and there's a funeral and all that shit, or he sort of, you know, becomes a recluse because he's sick and she doesn't know where he is or something. And she hears somehow that he's in this mental institution. So she goes in there to try to see if it's really true, you know. And she realizes it's not true that her husband is really dead when she sees Hurley talking to this imaginary man. You know, it's the, it's the, it's, it's basically like, you know, um, I don't know Libby's last name, I forget, but you know, Mr. Dave, you know, Daveman, whatever his name is, you know, she hears that this man with her husband's name is in a mental institution, right? And she goes to find out if this is really her husband, and she sees that it's obviously not because this person that's supposed to be her husband is imaginary. So that's the that's the first scenario, which I don't think really works. That's the other scenario. Yeah, the other scenario is that her husband, you know, that Dave, you know, did, you know, that Hurley's friend Dave is her husband and does did exist at one point. For whatever reason, he was in a mental institution at one point. And she went in, you know, she went in there, and I don't know why, maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know why she went in there. Anyway, she went undercover as a crazy person to see her husband again. And uh, by this point, he was really dead. Okay. So, um, um, let me throw out my theory, okay. which is pretty boring and short. Here's my theory. Uh-oh. I've heard from a few people, and I, I looked at the tape, I did the replay, I'm not sure if I believe this, but I've heard from a few, well, 
All right, I'll just say where I heard it. I heard it on Lost Cast. Oh, and, yeah, please. Uh, and on the board that Libby actually said, if you read her lips, that she actually said Stephen when she supposedly said David. Really? And I looked, and mm, it, it kind of looks like she does an ST sound. It kind of looks like her lips move that way, sort of. But I can also buy that it's David. I'm not sure I believe that. But here's what I think. If, you know, either way, even if they, it was Stephen and they overdubbed it to be David or it was David all along, my theory is they, they just threw in that name to try to fuel speculation, but it's not going to come to anything. Mm-hmm. That's you my know, theory. You, you mean fuel speculation that, it's, that David is Dave? Yeah. I, you know, I just feel like they would have said Dave if they wanted to do that. Why not? Why not? Why wouldn't they just say Dave? And that'll really feel speculation. I mean, that'll that'll make it you know one step closer. You know, uh, um, I feel like I feel like I mean I don't I think know they if they wanted out. it to be ambiguous. I didn't think they wanted to come out and say this is it. But well, then I mean, Dave is a common name. I mean, it's not going to say it's not like she said you know he was bald, five seven, you know whatever. You know, I think I think they could have got the same result and made it you know. By saying Dave, if that's what they wanted. Well, fair enough, but it's an artistic choice. I mean, I think they decide. I think the reason they decided to use that is it's simply to 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 make us speculate. But that her, I bet her husband, if she's even mentioned again, I bet he has no relation to the Dave that's Charlie's imaginary friend. I I want to believe that there's a connection because I don't think her. I mean, her story can't be done, and I think there's more going on there. And I think having her husband. Having one of the last things she say, you know, is mentioning her husband, Dave, or I should say David, having that be the Dave that we know connects, you know, her, you know, you know opens the door to her to her backstory, you know, connected to Hurley and Hurley's friend. So um, I'm, I think, I mean, I'm not, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know if it, if it is going to pan out, but I, I think that, that that's a good way to bring up her backstory because obviously it's not done. Obviously... I mean, they should explain why she was there to, to some degree. They just sort of have to. I mean, at some point. Uh, but I think they will. Um, I don't know. I do. I don't. I mean, you're 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 just sort of naturally skeptical about like everything. Um, what I mean, have there been other instances where they just like say stuff just to make us speculate something, and then we find out it's totally not true, and it was just like. You know, it was only there to throw us off the track. Well, when you put me on the spot like that, I can't think of anything. But you know what I mean? I mean, there's, research, I there's, a, there's, there's, I mean, I know that, there, you know, there's a point to where you want your audience to think a certain thing, and it's sort of a misdirection thing, you know, with like Henry Gale, and is he, is he not, he's telling us this, we know this, you know, I understand stuff like that, but to, to, to throw you off the track on something that's very seemingly insignificant, at least in terms of this episode, uh, you know, with the name, with with just say just that name, so that like fifteen people or whatever, you know, could say, "Ooh, I wonder if that's Dave." You know, I, that's so minor that I, I don't, I, I just don't believe they would do that. That is so minor. Wow. Um, Let me mention on that subject, uh, we have uh, this bird that flies. This weird when when Jack and Sawyer. I'm scared and already. And Michael, what? I said I'm scared already. That bird scared the shit out of me. That was not a normal bird. They're on their excursion. Yeah, we have this weird bird that flies up, 
and it makes this sound. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Hurley says, did that bird just say my name? And that was a direct reference to that bird actually appeared previously in season one, in the season one finale. And there was a lot of the Internet discussion, at least, about whether or not the bird said Hurley. Uh-huh. And so, like, like it really matters. But that little scene was a direct, I think, obviously, a direct reference to that whole, like, fan discussion. And so I think they're not above putting in a little, like, thing, you know. Well, I, I mean, referencing, true. Referencing, I, I mean, that, but that's a different scenario. Referencing something the fans think is one thing. I mean, The Simpsons do, does that all the time, you know. Um, but putting something in just for misdirection, something minor, you know, I think is is a different. I don't think that really illustrates that they that they that they would do that. But no, I agree. I mean, yeah, that is something minor. They that obviously they didn't need to put in there. I don't even know why that bird's in, in the scene. Uh, I don't even get it. The bird was scary. I think there's a lot of questions about the bird. Um, I think they might be in prehistoric times. That bird was huge. Um, yeah. It did look prehistoric as well, definitely. But um, anyway, uh, we'll see. I mean, you have your theory. I have mine. We will um, see. We'll see. I, I just like to think. I just think it would be interesting if that's her, uh, if that's her husband because um, it seems like something they would do. Seems like something they would do. But anyway, because of my argument, I think I think they will explain why Libby was in the institution. I don't think they're going to leave that hanging. Um, I just I don't I just don't think. Oh, there has also been a fair amount of speculation that David is actually David Widmore, who is the head of the American branch of Widmore, and we know that from um, Bad Twins. Mm-hmm. So a lot of nah. people speculated that was him. Nah. <laughs> I, I, I don't necessarily believe that, but I just wanted to throw that out. Yeah. You know, to me, the reason I think, because they, you know, they drop hints like this all the time, with little names and little things like that. And there's another situation where, I will, I guess we'll get to, but anyway, when, uh, when, when, when the, when I call them the fellowship, you know, Kate, Sawyer, Jack. And Hurley and Michael, when they're going to rescue Walt, I don't know. It's like the fellowship. Yeah, I guess Michael like, is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Frodo? No, no. Michael is the betrayer guy. He's the, what's his name from the end of the, oh, God, never mind. I don't know. I don't know either. Somebody out there that's listening, the end of the first Lord of the Rings, the guy who, like, tries to take the ring and. Oh, oh, the, the blonde guy or whatever. Brethelmere or something. I don't know. Yeah, they all have those fucking ridiculous names. Anyway, he's that guy. I suck. Go ahead. <laughs> For that. Anyway, <laughs> I was just say I was just going to, what was I going to say now? Holy shit. I don't remember. The well, fellowship were were you call them the fellowship? They were yeah. Oh no 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 no. When they when they stumble upon the little tubes that can't come from the uh, the pneumatic, uh, gonna say in terms of name dropping. Uh, I mean my, now my, now I'm running out of steam with my point. Anyway, I was just gonna say that you know Kate opens one of the little the little notebooks and it says like you know, um, oh what does it say now? I don't remember. Like SR, it, it was like it was initials. SR goes to the bathroom or something. Oh, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking that R, you know, the R and SR is Rosinski. 
Um, so, I mean, we'll see if that if they get back to that at all. But um, they they do they drop names like that. They do little connections like that. Uh, you know. So I, I I don't think it's it's crazy to think that Dave could be uh, could be David. But anyway, let's move on. I don't think it's crazy. I just don't think it's going to be true. Why not though? Well, I I guess I guess I can't give a concrete reason why I don't. I just I guess I have this intuition that that's not going to be the case. I All right. It, it doesn't necessarily come from evidence. It's just how I feel they're gonna the story's gonna go. I you know I can't justify more than that. All right. Um, it's the same thing I had with one group of others. I mean, I just had this feeling that that's where they're going. Well, but you had evidence with that. I mean, you 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 pointed to things and. Anyway, anyway. I did, and I can point to things, I guess, sort of, with Libby, too, but it's not nothing concrete, it's nothing conclusive. Okay, then let's so, move on. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, there's our Libby theories, and I'm sure we'll find out in Season 3 how they how they pan out. Um, hopefully, God, if they don't get to Libby until Season 4, like, no one's really going to care by then. Oh, God. So, uh, okay, um... So she gives him her boat, and uh, and he enters the race to best Charles Widmore uh, somehow. Um, and, and we do have this little scene uh, with him and Penny at the stadium where Jack was running. Ooh. I love it. As Jack walks by in the background, and, ooh, we all remember that. And so, anyway, uh, he... Uh, he, she, she comes up and she's like, "Why didn't you write to me?" Ugh. And then he uh, just sort of pauses for a while. No, wait, wait, please, please, just. Why didn't you write to me? Long pause, long pause, long pause. So we didn't get married. <laughs> like, it's like, like why didn't he answer? Tell her, ample chance to tell her, ample chance to tell her, and he doesn't take it. No, for no reason, no. <sighs> At no explainable reason. There's no reason why he couldn't say, you know, maybe I was trying to wrap my head around that. hurts her. Maybe because he's he's waiting, you know, maybe because obviously the reason he's cheating at the last was the father, so maybe he didn't want to be like, well, you didn't. I did write you, and you didn't get my letters because your father's trying to keep us away from each other. And I, I think that would open – it seems like he's trying to sort of hide – certain things with that. I don't I don't know why though. I mean he does tell her about the race, um, and that, you know, why he's doing the race, but it just I don't know. I the only thing I can think is he didn't want to blame the father at this particular point. Uh he but I don't know. That's really not a great reason. No, that's an awful reason. Why would he protect like that guy basically screwed him over. Why does he feel a need to protect him? Like it makes no sense. Five I, letters. Honor. But honor compels you to lie for someone who screws you over. Like I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why is that honorable? Like, like, like if someone steals something from you, or like, you know, uh, you're just supposed to like lie for them now. Like it's ridiculous. Like I, I can't. I don't understand how that's honor. Maybe it's just because I'm not British. I don't know. You know what? The Europeans go a whole different way, man. I guess they do. So anyway, we have that little scene. Who cares? And so then he's in um, he's in the boat, and then we get the coming of Desmond to the island. Yes. 
we finally see the fateful uh, day slash night that was described by uh, him when he first appeared. Mm-hmm. So he he's in this violent storm, and then he wakes up on a beach, and then we see someone who is Kelvin in a sort of uh, uh, protective suit, uh, dragging him to the hatch, just as he described pretty much, uh, dragging him to the hatch, and, uh, and so, so then he's in the hatch, and we finally get to see Kelvin, mm-hmm. who we've heard so much about, and Kelvin turns out to be, was anybody surprised Kevin, Kelvin has appeared before? Kelvin turns out to be the guy in Iraq, the military yes. guy who, uh, who, uh, uh, did whatever when Saeed was torturing people for the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember, like, because there, there was also Kay's dad in that scene, and I don't remember what their respective jobs were, but... You know, I I didn't have it, I didn't have access to that episode. I think it was episode 214, uh, one of them. Uh, it was. Where, yes, and uh, I, I was trying to go back and look at that. Ba- I mean, basically, I really want to go back at that now, because, you know, in uh, Calvin references that job you know he says he was in the military and he was like but people followed my orders like as if you know he was sort of regretful of, of what he did in, in the military right. uh but didn't he sort of help like let Saeed go I mean he was there when they, they were letting Saeed go and he, yeah. I mean, he 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 gave some sort of minor speech um I don't remember what he said though you're right he did yeah when they dropped him off and, and according to the writers, they, they listed his name back then as Joe Inman. Yeah. They, they did that, according to the official podcast. So this is true. They did that just to not reveal that that was Kelvin. So his name is not Joe, but that's the name they used back then. You know, I, I thought it was weird that they wouldn't just, just, like, I mean, have his name be, like, Kelvin Joe Inman or Joe Kelvin Inman. I mean, like, is it, is it that crazy? Yeah, well, they, they yeah, they – what they said was, like, they never say his name in the episode, but for whatever reason, like, it was TV Guide or something, had to have character names, so they gave him that. And why not, uh, yeah, I mean, they really could have just did, like, Officer Inman or Sergeant exactly. Inman. Exactly, that would have been fine. I, their solution was ridiculous. There, that is sort of ridiculous. But that's what they did. And if you want to hear him talk about that, go listen. I mean, what is TV what is TV Guide going to do if you don't give someone a full name? Absolutely not. Apparently they have a lot of power in the industry. I don't know. You, I mean, you won't get lifted. And, and, I mean, I guess they'll be like, hey, we're not going to tell people you're on TV. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. TV Guide maybe, maybe we shouldn't talk about that. I think TV Guide's listening. So, all right. So, Calvin is that guy. Um, my first question uh, uh, about this scenario is, how did Kelvin, well, I guess the same question has to be asked of Desmond. How do Kelvin and Desmond maintain 108 by themselves? What do you mean? How do they continue to push the button every 108 minutes? What do you mean how? It just seems very demanding. It seems like you'd never, you could never. Speak. Well, they said, like they, like they said, they would take shifts. You know, so it would they would take a certain uh, certain number of hour shifts, and one it was their job to do it for eight hours or six hours or whatever, while the other person rested or did whatever, and then they would switch. No, but you misunderstand. I'm talking about when they were by themselves. 
Like, before Desmond got there, Kelman was by Oh, you mean, how did either one of them do it alone? I think you mean when they were together. Um, no, that was the thing. They, it, it was very demanding, but they somehow did it. Like, that just seems like they could never sleep for more than, like, 107 minutes, I guess. Yeah. And, and that would require them to go sleep, like, immediately after they press the button and wake up, like, right just in time to press it. Yeah. Well, no, of course they would, I mean, they would, they would hopefully, you know, I mean, not hopefully, but obviously I think the, 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 the alarm would wake them up, so they, you know, the four-minute alarm or whatever it is, so they wouldn't hopefully. sleep down to the last minute. But as um, deprived as they were, I mean, God, after a while, I'd just be like, Yeah. Whatever. Oh, but, oh, oh, here's another thing. Uh, if, if, if I have my timeline correct, there was only about three days between when Calvin died and, and the losses got into the hatch. It was only like three days. Oh, okay. So maybe yeah. Desmond didn't have to do it for that long. But Calvin, who knows how long he was there. Between who the knows what's, you know, there's a lot going on with Calvin that, that well, that's worth talking about. His character, his character flip-flops more than John Kerry on political <laughs> issues. Ooh. No, um... There's some weirdness going on. I would like That's to say, a really you know, dated joke there. I know. No one, uh, I, I, you know, I don't mean to be conceited or whatever egocentric, but I do always like to point out when I guess something and it turns out to be right or something like that because it's hard to, to guess anything that pans out in this show. You know what I mean? So I just like to point out when uh, that um, I, I we mentioned, I guess, in podcast one or two early on that. Um, this idea that, you know, if, if there was only one person out of the two team members in the Swan Hatch who knew what was going on, and we, we said one because someone needs to go out into the world to get the, pa- to get the supplies from the pallet and do whatever else, I said, I said that, you know, in order for them to maintain the charade that there is an illness, if, you know, if, if there is not, in fact, an illness, if there's a charade needed to be maintained, which we see that there is, um, they would have to wear hazmat suits, you know, these bio suits, as they went out into the world, into the island. And lo and behold, in this episode, we finally see the hazmat suit that I said they would have to have if they needed to, to you know, continue with this, uh, this um, whatever it is, this manipulation. Operation. Um, yeah. So it, it was weird that, you know, I mean, not, I guess not weird considering loss, but, you know, out of – you know, two seasons, we never saw that little closet that has the the, the, the hazmat uniforms. But now we, we saw that, indeed, when, when Calvin went out into the world, he put on the suit to make it seem like there was an illness to be protected from. So I just like to point out I was right, and um, that's all I want to say. And I also think, like, on a related note, the question of how did the supply drop work, like, they didn't show it, but... Based on this, I have to assume that basically, you know, uh, it's not related to the lockdown. Not related to lockdown. I think we're kind of clear on that now. And basically one of them, they just put on the suit and go out and get the stuff and come back. I mean, it was the same same way he left to go fix the boat or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it would be the yeah. same. Like, I think I think that before, I think that when it was Kelvin and Rosinski, I think they both went out. Uh, and you know, because there was there was multiple suits, so I feel like maybe they both went out. But for whatever reason, he didn't want Desmond going out. Um, and you know, I guess the big question with that whole sort of plot line is, was Desmond being manipulated? You know, I mean, to a certain degree, he was. I mean, at well, the yeah. end, at the end, he tells him he was being manipulated. 
But it really goes back and forth. I mean, okay, when when Kelvin, you know, when Kelvin drags uh, Desmond into the into the ash, he says, okay, he sets up this idea. We got to push this button. You know, oh, I'm just saving the world. Um, you got to push this button, or else the world's gonna end. And there's an illness. Um, there's an illness out in the world, or on the island at least. Um, oh, a side note, Devin, Devin, Desmond never sort of asks, like, how all the stuff got there, at least from what we saw, obviously. He never said, you know, what's Dharma Initiative, or why is this hatch here, or Anyway, so he sets up the idea there's an illness, and we got to press this button. And then you get that weird scene. Uh, okay, now I'm going to start spazzing out here. Um the next thing you see is that uh, that part when Kevin Kelvin was drunk or whatever, and he wants to end it all, quote, end it all or whatever. He wants to put the key into the fail safe, and which would, I guess, apparently destroy the station, which you would think would destroy the world or something, or would at least, you know, prevent the station from preventing the world from being destroyed, right? Well, that's a, yeah. Okay. And my... So, so my question is, you know, if, if all it takes is the turn of that key to, you know, stop everything, why, why, why didn't they do that? You know. And, but anyway, so he goes back and but forth. We don't really know exactly what that key does. Sure. I mean, I don't even understand why there's a failsafe at all. I don't even understand what, what. I mean, what does the failsafe do? I mean, it seems to blow the station up. I have um, a whole bunch. Well, I. Uh, I have a whole bunch of stuff about the failsafe. Okay, so we'll talk about that. But I anyway, I thought it was. Later. It, it seemed like. On. It seemed like basically my point is it seemed like Calvin was doing the same thing to Desmond that Desmond sort of did to Locke. It was basically like, hey, new guy, there's an illness and there you got to press this button. Okay, I'm leaving. You know, right. and it seemed like that's what he did. And ba- and basically, Calvin said he did it because he needed a sucker to press the button. Right. But if Kelvin didn't think the button really needs to be pressed, then why would he say that? Why would he say I need a sucker to press the button if, in fact, he didn't really think – he thought it was all fake, right? I don't think he thought it was all fake. He did. He says that. No, he doesn't. He – he in the um, – see, I was going to talk about this a lot later. In the scene where he, he's about to turn the failsafe, he starts talking about what the button does specifically – he does I agree. Yeah. He does nothing. But but what about his conversation uh, on the beach when he was leaving? He said he said uh, he 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 based, I can't I gotta go watch the scene because I don't remember exactly what he said. But he he inferred that it was it wasn't real, and and that's why he was leaving, right? Did I just make that up? I I don't think he did infer that the button wasn't real. I he he wanted to leave Desmond there to keep pushing the button because it was real. Hmm. I got to yeah, I don't remember. I thought he was basically saying he didn't think it was real. And because, yeah, because then, then because De- Devin. If he didn't think it was real, what the fuck was he doing down there with the That's the thing? whole thing. He was going back and forth. He was flip-flopping. And then because De- Del- Desmond says, um, Delvin. I, I got to go watch this scene again. I don't remember. But he basically said, you know, well, what was the whole point in all of this? Like, why did you tell me to press the button? You know, and he goes, well, I needed a sucker to do it, you know. Am I making sense? i, I got to watch this scene again because I don't remember what it said. 
Um, yeah, I, I really wanted to go in a different direction, but let me uh, let me see here. Uh, well, what direction you were talking about? I mean, what direction did you want to go in? We're talking about Calvin. I know, I know, but I wanted to get to the heavy stuff later. I had some other like minor questions. That's all right. Uh, let me just. I want to pull up that scene um, where Kelvin's out on the beach. Uh, or, well, it's not even really a beach. It's like a quarry or I don't know what you call it. All right, so let me see here. Let me turn on the volume so we're not blasted. All right, so, yeah, Kelvin goes to follow him. I mean, Desmond goes to follow him. And uh, once he gets out of there, he takes off his suit. Obviously, he doesn't believe it really does anything. Um, and then Desmond follows him, and then we find the uh, that he's fixing his boat, which mm -hmm. explains why Desmond, even though Desmond's boat crashed, it's in pretty good shape. Now, I mean, how did Kelvin really do that? You know, whatever, I guess. Well, yeah, what materials did he use to fix the boat is the real question. But. Yeah, like where would he get stuff? Like if a boat had like a crack in it or something, I mean, I just, I don't see how he'd make it look like perfect, but uh, somehow he uh, he pulled it off anyway. So uh, let me see. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Oh, oh, that was the other thing. Okay, you, oh, are you going to play this? It's I'm playing. sorry. Are you, okay, because uh, he says, uh, do you want to come with me? I mean, why would he take him with him if he thinks the button still needs to be pressed? But anyway, let's play the, you're going to play a loud enough for the listeners to hear? Yeah. Okay, play the scene. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play. See, now I've lost my cue because they started talking. Uh, I think you'll be able to find it again. I mean, Kelvin. Apparently, it's easy to mix them up. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't think you had the stones to come after. I was a spook for ten years, Dennis. I know when I'm being followed. What are you doing with my boat? I'm fixing it. You were leaving? Well, I mean, not yet. Still about a week away. You wrecked it pretty good, Des. What do you think? Come with me? Come where? What about the button? Screw the button, man. Who knows if it's even real? This is all we used to do. We're going on and on about dams and electromagnetics and, and fail safe. Well, I was drunk. <laughs> Why did you lie to me? I lied to you because I needed a sucker to save the world after I left. You crazy, you and Kelvin's dead. So, so uh, you, you right. see, you see my point when he basically says, "Who?" He does the weird thing. He says, "Okay, who knows if it's even real?" But then he says, "I needed a sucker to press the button to save the world." So it's, it's this weird thing where. Okay, do you or do you not think – it seems to me – it seems like he doesn't necessarily believe it's real, but he wants to make sure that if it is real, someone's going to press it. That's Here's not what, him. Yeah, well, exactly. He's, he's hedging his bets. I think he, 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 reveals, uh, he reveals that he was in the Dharma Initiative. He said yes. that. So yes. we have our first real-life confirmed Dharma Initiative employee. Well – can you say that? I mean, he's the one saying he was in a Dharma initiative. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's as much confirmed as you can get from someone claiming that they were in it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't think of 
I can't think of why he would say that if he wasn't actually in it. I mean, there could be a billion reasons. I mean, you know, obviously just because we can't think of why he would say that doesn't mean he's not lying. True. But I I, and I don't, I don't think he's lying either. What I'm, I'm just saying, let's not say, oh, he's our first official member, and it turns out he was never really – he was rejected from the Dharma Initiative, and, and, you know, he never got in. No, but I think – I think we're supposed to believe he was in it, and I do believe he was in it. But anyway. Until further notice, I'm going to believe that he was okay. in it. Okay. Um, because I just, I guess I take him at his word. Sometimes I don't believe people, but I do believe him on that point. And here, what I think is, the, the thing he says when he's drunk is what Dharma told him the button did. I, uh-huh. I believe they, they gave, that's why he had that information. Which, you know, turns out to be correct. Pretty much. So... Yeah. Uh, so I believe he was given that by Dharma, but I guess after a while he was abandoned. Like we know, Dharma uh, went up in like '87 or something like that. So I guess at some point he was abandoned by Dharma, and maybe he thought, well, if they abandon me, how important can this button be? And maybe he started having doubts about whether it really did anything. Or if it was just some like you know experiment, like like it suggest was suggested in the uh, Pearl uh, thing. So I think maybe he he at some point he started to doubt its importance because of the abandonment by Dharma. Mm-hmm. That I guess that would be my like pseudo theory about why well, he's waffling. If we're, if we're supposed to believe the Pearl uh, video, he doesn't he. I mean that's the thing. It's like how do you reconcile all of these things? If he's if he it's like you said he's a Dharma Initiative member and he's pressing this button because he believes he's supposed to. That's it, you know that, because it really does something that goes against what we learned in the Pearl video. The Pearl video says, hey, the guys in this hatch are under a psychological experiment. Now maybe maybe it's a psychological experiment, but it really does something. You know what I mean? Maybe that's that's the the key is that. You know, if they don't press the button, something really will happen. But we are testing to see if they will press the button. You know what I mean? It's, it's weird. Either it's like, hey guys, is it real or is it not real? They're going back and forth on this issue. You know, we we hear the we, we get the pearl video and it tells us no, it's not it's not real. And Locke believes it's not real. And then of course this weird shit happens when you don't press the button. And it's like um, I don't know what to believe with Calvin. I think. I, well, I mean, I think at the very least that if he is in the in the hash pressing the button, he should be part of the experiment. He should he should have gotten the same orientation video that we've seen, and you know I don't know why he would have extra information. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it's hard to reconcile the, the disparate elements of what they've been telling us. Um, I mean, I do agree. Maybe he you know it does seem like Dharma abandoned the project, and maybe that's when he first. So okay, well maybe you know is this is this really worth pressing this button? Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it, there's a lot going on there. Um, I and I, I wanted to mention that I really you know because because Kelvin Kelvin like briefly mentions well maybe the pearl hatch is where the real experiment is. I mean he, they throw out that weird idea, uh, yeah. which I think is crazy to think about. But I was I was wondering if I was the head of the Dharma Initiative, wouldn't, I mean, it seems like with any sort of military operation or any sort of organized um, outing, you know, whatever, you would brief your people before they, they have to go do their job. You don't brief your people when they're in the middle of doing their job. You know, you don't send troops to Iraq, and right when they get there and they're in the middle of being fired at, tell them what their mission objectives are. 
you're, you're, you're briefed on what your objectives are before you get to where you're supposed to carry out the objective. So I think, I mean, this is sort of my, I call it a little theory because I don't really believe it, but, it, you know, I can halfway believe it. But maybe every single hamster has an orientation video as part of the experiment because, to me, that's fitting. It's fitting to come into some place and, and get this, quote, official um, video that tell you know, that sort of says, okay, this is what you're supposed to do in this hatch. To me, that's something you would do for people who are in an experiment. If, if this was real and Calvin, you know, was originally at the barracks or wherever those people were, you know, it seems, you know, if this was a real project and not a psychological experiment, so you would be giving your objectives before you're sent to the hatch. You would be giving every single thing you need to know, not just press this button because there was an incident and uh, all that's it. I mean, that's that's really crappy, you know. So that was my point. I think there's some pieces. I, I can't reconcile everything. And this episode has brought up so many weird things that, like, I mean, I don't know who believes what anymore. I mean, I don't know what to believe myself. But it looks like I don't know what Kelvin thinks. I mean, he says... Uh, who knows if it's even real, you know, and then, and then like he says, uh, oh, I was just drunk. I mean, first of all, that's crappy writing. Second of all, that's really crappy anyway. Um, but, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Crappy he to says, write and crappy to do. Yeah, exactly. Right? No, I just mean, yeah, I mean, even if he was just really drunk, I mean, that, I mean, I mean that's just a crappy excuse, excuse to give on why he would have said something, like, so seemingly correct. I tend to think that when people are drunk, uh, at least in movies, they're more or TV shows, they're more likely to spew out the truth than just lies. True, but but it's I, I agree. Uh, but I think when you're drunk, you also like that you can you you're more likely to just ramble on your random theories like we're doing now. I mean, I had a whole case of Corona, dude. I'm just like yapping and yapping. <laughs> Oh, well, unfortunately, I'm sober, so maybe I'm lying. Oh. Well, so, so since you brought up the tubes from the Pearl, um, I'd like to maybe address that issue. Please. Um, so wait, 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 wait. Are we done with the whole Kelvin thing? No, we're not. No, we're not. But okay. basically, since you brought it up, I just want to maybe deal with this issue, and then we'll come back to Kelvin. Sure, that sounds like a logical thing to do. Well, I, you know. Why not? Do, do you disagree? I can't tell. It seems like sarcasm. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, our, our, our fellowship, as you put it aptly, um, discovers that the tubes from the Pearl, which, uh, you know, we, we saw in the Pearl orientation video, you, what the uh, participants were supposed to do is write down everything they observe in notebooks and then sort of, you know, uh, roll them up, put them in this pneumatic tube, and it was whisked away to what they said was us, and what turns out to be a field in the middle of the island. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, w- and we know those are the tubes. It isn't questionable because we see Locke's map there that he put. We're not supposed to question it. So, so I don't think you can say, well, maybe those are tubes from, no, those are the tubes from the pearl. Okay. So, um, I mean, I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking to people Um, because, uh, yeah, people are crazy. So, uh, okay. So now we know that whatever they were writing down in those books, I guess, is of no import to Dharma whatsoever. They Mm -hmm. considered it complete waste. Now, if – here's my question. 
if it's the case that the pearl is a uh, psychological experiment, which it doesn't appear to serve any other purpose, then why don't they care what they write down? And number two, why do they just drop the stuff in the middle of the island? Like, it's it's entirely this is this is one of the most ridiculous things that has ever occurred in the show next to um hurley packing those ridiculous things for the picnic um <laughs> i mean hurley five jars of peanut butter does not a picnic make sorry two gallons of corn two gallons of corn no um well, you know that's silly i don't know i mean that's the thing i mean the, the people the creators of Lost are great i love them they're they're almost godly but um, they, at the same time, at the same time, they they uh, they do strange things like having the the tubes go in the middle of the jungle. Now I understand that you know it's a good opportunity for us to you know it, it was a good placement in terms of um, the plot for us to find out that the tubes you know uh, where the tubes went, um, and you know. How are they going to find that out, you know, because the, the fellowships are walking through the middle of the jungle. Well, okay, let's just put the things in the middle of the jungle. But it makes no sense for these tubes to pile in the middle of the jungle. Why Why can't they go to some warehouse? Why can't they go, you know, to somewhere where those those um, cases can be recycled or something? I mean, it just it, – it yeah, let's just – I mean, it's, there's not a lot to talk about there. Let's just say it's stupid 100% for for, for efficient. It, 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 why do they not care? My big yeah. question is, why do they not care what they're writing down? Yeah. Well, that, yeah, the first thing is, why have it, it makes no sense for them to be spewed in the middle of the jungle like that. And the second thing is, why don't they care? Um, I mean, I guess we're supposed to now think that the pearl, I mean, it goes with my theory that, you know, sort of any hatch with the orientation video is, is an experiment hatch. Um, and that they were, you know, basically they were being watched. Um, in the Pearl, too, which, of course, there was a camera in the Pearl, like, like someone mentioned. Um, but, like, what's the point? I mean, I guess you just watched, and it says, you know, I'm basically people who are watching the Pearl participants um, basically just note that uh, they're writing stuff down. So why uh, – oh, so here's what it would have gone like. So the people who are observing the camera that's observing the Pearl station – like, they, what they would say would be something like, well, today the guys in there, uh, they sat in the chairs with the magnifying glasses and they wrote shit down. Yeah. That's all there was to do. How could yeah. that, what could that tell you? Like, the only interesting thing you can get out of that place would be from the notebooks. And they don't give a shit about the notebooks. They just throw them in the middle of the field. I mean, basically, organization. you'd want to know, you'd want to know if the people, like, how long, how long will the people just sit there and write? I mean, see, that's the thing. The pressing the button, like, you know, the idea that people are told to press the button can still save the world, that's an interesting idea, to see how long someone's going to press this button. To if people are told they need to monitor the activities of another group, um, I don't know what interesting uh, things can be found from that, because they're going to sit there and monitor them like they're told. You know, there's there's no, like, greatly compelling reason, like, you know, a la saving the world. It's just basically, hey, uh, this is your, your function in the Dharma organization now is to monitor these people. And who would say, no, I'm not going to do it? I mean, you know, it's just basically, okay, that's what we're going to do. I mean, that's what we're here to do. I think that I agree. 
the, the button in the hatch really is almost a genius way of testing uh, faith, basically, mm -hmm. because you're told if you don't press this, it's going to be the end of the world, but you never really know until you just let it go what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So you have to either <laughs> you have to either risk the end of the world or just keep pushing it with no confirmation that what you're doing even matters. It's, it, that would be a very, you know, that's a good psychological experiment because just right now my brain is hurting because I would want to know. I'd want to know, well, do I really need to press this button or not? I mean, do I need to spend the rest of my life pressing this thing? I mean, that would drive you crazy, you know? Yeah. So uh, it is good. The pearl, the idea behind the pearl. And see, that makes me think that that, that there's another element to the experiment in the pearl, like that, that there was something else interesting to be had from that because, you know, if they don't collect the – oh, now here's another thing I just thought about. What if they, what if they did collect the uh, – what's it called? Maybe – we'll see. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's weird. I mean, I don't really think – I mean, it seems like you would build that pneumatic tube to go to wherever else wherever you're going to store those. But maybe, you know, people came by to collect them, or maybe there was right. some sort of um, um, big trough or some sort of big thing that they would pile in, and then people would come periodically to take them off. Or I mean, it's sort of far-fetched, obviously. But, um, uh, yeah, cause but I think, like, they could do a better, like, at least, like, put a bin there or something. Yeah, like, that's what I was thinking, a bin. I was thinking that there would be there, would, there was a bin there, and those things would pile in the bin, and every, you know, however many hours or days, someone would come and collect the bin and put right. a new bin. But, I mean, I, I, I sort of just want to take that scene at face value, and we're just supposed to believe that they sort of literally went nowhere. Right. You and, know? And, and it was a huge pile, and, you know, if, if they really were picking them up, that means, like, after they quit, like, people were doing the notebooks in there for quite some time. Yeah. It was a gigantic pile of tubes. Yeah. So, uh, and you got to wonder what happened. I mean, you got to wonder when Dharma left, like, what? I mean, obviously, Rosinski and, and Calvin or however, you know, I don't know what the timeline is, but obviously they didn't really leave when Dharma left. But it seems like everyone else did, um, you know. But who knows, man? Maybe the others are former participants and, uh, you know. Uh, a reasonable uh, theory. The last thing I want to mention about the pearl is, and this, we may not be able to deal with this right now, but my last question is, why was there a log there uh, of all the button pushing? What purpose did that serve? Why would that be uh, in, a, in a station where all they do is just, according to the orientation uh, film, they should never have touched that computer. He never said anything about it. So mm -hmm. uh, so I don't understand why that would be there. Like, pretty much vital information was put in there. But what they observe or write down uh, goes nowhere. Like, I can't make anything. I mean, if you think about it, I was just thinking about this. If you think about the notebooks, the only interesting thing in the notebook, I mean, the big thing to write in the notebooks is, is if they press the button or not. And that's really confirmed by the, by the computer printouts. Um, because that, you know, um, and I guess the other, the other interesting thing would be sort of the psychological effects of, of, uh, on these people. Like, you know, maybe they're getting anxious or maybe they're, they're fighting more with each other 
the more they have to press this button. I mean, that, that's the only really big things you want to find out. Why the computer was in there? I mean, yeah, the orientation didn't say anything about it. Um, or, wait, didn't it? Wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> the orientation did mention the computer. I, I didn't think it did. I thought it just said you record the stuff and then put the thing in the tube. I don't think it said anything about it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I'm thinking of the tube. Yeah, I'm thinking of the tube. Yeah, I was okay. Um, what you're asking? Why would there be a need to print out that information? Well, not just that, but like, why is it even there? I mean, technically, the two people there should know when they press the button, but maybe, uh, maybe it was. If for whatever reason no one was watching when the button was pressed or something like that, I mean, I mean obviously for an experiment like the button, you do want a log of when it was pressed just to make sure and when it wasn't pressed. Why that log was you know able to be printed from the, that hatch, I don't know. Right, and my answer is plot device because plot device or. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, theoretically, those computers are, are communication devices too. So um, maybe you know, if someone knew how, they could you know communicate with another computer terminal somewhere, and that's sort of the main reason. It could also print the log. Maybe it had a good game of you know solitaire on it too. Who knows? Actually, that was a monochrome computer, so maybe it had like uh, Oregon Trail, you know, the old kind. Right, but, the old text um, version. Yeah. No, not the text version. Just the, like, monochrome. You know, in the old Apple computers where it was, like, orange and black or green and black? I think there was a text version. But nobody played that, Grandpa. Well, there is a snake. What do you do? Love that. Uh, What are you talking about? Anyway, everybody out there knows what I'm talking about. I feel like I should, but whatever. So, you, you never played that? This isn't lost. Anyway. Oh, you're talking about uh, that was your Oregon Trail reference. Sort of, yeah. That was crappy. You should you should have said uh, Sarah's got malaria and died. Like you're crossing you're crossing the Yellow River. Do you want to patch up your wagon, take the ferry, or just forge through? All right, fine. I screwed up the thing, but that's what I meant. All right, so okay, sorry. So can we rewind to Kelvin again? Please. All right. Back to Kelvin. And when I say Kelvin, I mean, let's talk Radzinski. <laughs> Radzinski? Because, uh, you know, every time, you know, I'm thinking when when Desmond talked about Kelvin, I'm thinking, God, if we can just meet Kelvin, everything will be clear. ha. <laughs> Uh, you know, that's so, it's, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, man, we're never going to end. We're going to meet predecessor after predecessor after predecessor, and we'll never get to who was the first person in that fucking hatch. And I, and I, I just really thought Calvin would be the end of it all. And then when we meet Calvin, we're like, oh, well, there was a guy before you were here, and he was mm-hmm. Rosinski, and apparently he did a lot of shit. Dude, Rosinski was the one who fucking did the blast door map. He started the blast door map. What else did he do? He edited the orientation film. Yep. And uh, he uh, he uh, blew his head off. Well, do you really buy that? Maybe. I, I haven't really thought of not buying it. I guess I. I think. Um. I first of all, I haven't. I don't know where they would have a gun from. 
Why would they have any guns in there is my first question. Guns. There were guns in there. Where? Desmond Desmond took off with them. They had they had guns. Desmond took off with what? Remember he when they first went to the hatch, Desmond had a gun. I mean that's how he was holding them hostage. Did he say he blew, blew his head off with a shotgun? Yeah, maybe he did say shotgun. And know. and okay, I can understand. I mean, how Desmond got a gun is there's a lot of ways you can get a gun when you know there's all that shit going on, on the island. But I'm just thinking in terms of this being a uh, a sort of research project, why would you give your participants guns unless maybe you want to see if they'll shoot themselves? Yeah. You know, which is very dangerous and very unethical, if you ask me. I agree. Um, but maybe that's the Dharma way. But, no, I, I don't think I don't think Rosinski shot himself. I really don't. Um, what? I just don't yeah. think he shot himself. Well, you know, I hadn't uh, – I, I guess the stain on the thing and his story, I guess I believed it. Um Mm-mm-mm. But maybe it's not true. Maybe we'll find out more. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, so uh, I want to ask um, regarding the Swan Orientation film, according to Calvin, Redzinski edited portions out. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> my question about that is why? Yeah, because the, the parts he, he edited out weren't that crazy. Yeah, right? And, and, are we supposed to believe he, he edited them out and then he took the edited parts and put them, where were they? They were like... They were in the Bible. Yeah, in a Bible, but where was the Bible? That was, in the arrow. They were in the arrow. So he, he edited parts out, put them in a Bible, and took them to the arrow. Like, why the fuck would you do that? That's completely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Like, that... <laughs> It just it just screams plot device. I, I can't I can't come up with any sane reason why he would want to do that. And yeah, exactly. Now that we've seen what he edited out, it seems really articulate. Like Yeah. Who cares? Like it didn't unless, add anything. Unless there is another part that he edited out. I mean maybe he put I mean I, I don't think we're really supposed to believe this, but maybe he put maybe there's more edits. And he littered them around in different stations uh, because maybe if you saw the whole entire Swan video, uh, you would, you know, turn into a fairy. I don't know, you know. But maybe there's some big thing he he was trying to hide because I think there's more. Like you were saying, you know, the Swan video doesn't talk about what um, what Kelvin said when he was underneath the hatch about to turn the key. You know, um, that was information that he would have that he that he must have got for Dar- from Dharma or I guess Rosinski too. Yeah. Um, if Rosinski knew, but that's something that sort of should have been in the orientation film and wasn't. Um, you know, I've never I've never really bought you know why Dharma why those orientation videos don't sort of tell you everything you need to know. Right. And I always go back to the fact, well, it's an experiment, you know. But it seems like. I mean, is it an experiment anymore? I mean, what do you think? I don't even know what I think anymore. I mean, it seems like it's an experiment that happens to be true. Um, I, uh, I just think it's bad. Like, and this gets into my whole problem with the button, which was my problem when it was introduced and continues to be a problem now that we know it's real. Um, and I don't want to bring it up right now. Okay, save it, save it, save it. Yeah, I mean, but but I have to say, I'd have to say, oh God, it's, it's hard. I guess, I guess my conclusion would be, in in reasonable terms, it should not be an experiment. It should be they're really pushing it because they they need to. Like 
not to be observed, but just purely for that reason. Like that's their. And mission. then, and then, how would you reconcile the pearl information? Well, since the pearl information goes nowhere, I would conclude that the pearl is a uh, is a psychological experiment where they observe people observing people, and somehow that's interesting. I, I don't know why, but uh, that that would be my conclusion based on this episode. That's just that's the experiment. Do you think that maybe? Oh, here's an idea. I just came up with it right on top of my head. What if um I don't know where else did we come from um what if okay the pearl the button pushing and the pearl that's all real we really need to press that button or bad stuff will happen right and in order and Dharma knows this okay in order for Dharma to make sure that the button gets pressed I mean obviously they put two people down there and they tell them okay you've got to press this button and the world will end that's that's sort of you know insurance number one uh, is sort of the sort of normal idea of pressing the button. Number two is they have the pearl hatch. They have people whose job it is to sort of make, sort of, you know, indirectly make sure this button gets pressed, you know, by observing these people to see if they actually press the button. And may, I'm just thinking maybe that's another insurance policy to make sure the button gets pressed is that there's people who are watching the people press the button. And that, and so basically, if it if it comes down, I mean, now this is now this is speculation more because we don't get this in the in the orientation video. But maybe, you know, when it comes down to the final minutes of the of the countdown, maybe the pearl people are supposed to do something on the computer, into the code themselves, or I don't know what. But it seems like that might be um, that the pearl hatch is a, just another insurance policy to making sure that the uh, the button gets pressed. Right. Um, okay. That's a. I mean, I don't buy that like in realistic terms, but that could be the case. Mm-hmm. And and you know, in terms of the show. Yeah. Like I, I could buy that, but I just I have like serious problems with the the button really doing something versus like how it's set up. Like I think there's there's just it's it's really bad. But uh, I want to I guess put that off. Um, for now. All right. So, uh, okay. So let's see. What else did I want to talk about from that? Oh, uh, so the other thing I wanted to talk about, um, uh, so, yeah, we saw him do the blast door map, and he says Redzinski started the blast door map. So that's, uh, uh, I guess, a mystery solved, presumably. Um, and they did it with uh, laundry detergent, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is one of the ways, yeah, people theorize that you can do it. Yeah, exactly. I read that, and so whoever called that was was right. Um, But apparently they did it where they couldn't see what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't do the map with with the light on. Yeah. And, yeah. So, So, I mean... I guess they wanted to keep it secret, like like maybe they knew they were being observed and they didn't want people to know what they were drawing. I mean, they know they were drawing stuff on the door, but, like, I, I don't quite understand, I mean, and, unless they just felt they needed to keep secret that they were doing that. My main question is why 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 did they uh, do the map when yeah. without using the light? 
Okay. Well, and I, I, I asked myself that, too. I thought it was very strange that the couple times that we saw the blast doors come down, uh, you know, via the, um, the shorting out the wires, the black lights never came on. The only time the black lights came on was that one time during the first lockdown that we saw. Right. I thought that was very strange. Don't know. I mean, because the, the I mean, the, the, it seemed like the lights came on because the doors went down. But as we saw, the doors went down and the lights didn't come on. But in in that episode, lockdown, when the lockdown happens, the lights don't come on instantly. Like they have that whole thing with Henry and Locke. You know, he puts the stuff under, and then he tries to call under. Then he gets trapped. Then he sends Henry up. And it isn't until, like, Henry's over on the other side that uh, all of a sudden, like, the power seems to cut out, and then that light comes on. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's it, right. It, there's a long, like, period between when the doors go down and when the light comes on. So I, I don't know what caused the light to come on, but it didn't seem to coincide with the lockdown. Oh, that's right. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It seems like if 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 Kelvin knew that the that the black lights were there, that it, he would have used them to to draw the map. Unless he a didn't want. I mean, I don't really think the cameras could see the door from where the camera was. There's only like two cameras in the hatch, I think, and I don't think you can see the black door from what we saw in the pearl video of, of that. Uh, I mean, not the pearl video, but the pearl section of that episode, um, you know, when you see Jack walking by. I mean, I don't think that the people monitoring them would have would have seen the, that door, that, that angle from the door, um, you know. So I don't think that's it. I think maybe he was hiding it from uh, hiding it from Desmond. But it seems like Desmond, Desmond didn't ask what he was doing, right? Uh... Didn't he? Oh God! Now I don't remember what the dialogue was in that scene. Oh, I don't either. He he mentioned that you know what you know what I can do. Um, you just talk for a second, and I'll just okay. Stop. Um, well, um, I can't wait to see Rosinski. Um, I I really feel like Rosinski could be somebody we already know because they seem to like have a limited uh, actor pool or something. Um, so, who could Krasinski be? Um, I wonder if Krasinski's, uh, Nadia. Nadia Krasinski. Uh, that has a ring to it. Nadia, the Iraqi woman's last name yeah. is Krasinski? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has a, well, it wasn't her maiden name, Sally. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Actually, it could it could be a, a name of someone she was married to. Um, okay, so my my plan really sucks here. Um, you're gonna bring up that scene. Yeah, I, what I'm trying to do is go through the transcript uh, to get to that scene, so I don't have to try to find it. Um, so they they do the what I call the induced lockdown, where I guess the lockdown that happened before was just like. It was either scheduled or it was just like some glitch or something. I don't. I, yeah, I don't think it was scheduled. I think it it randomly happened because of the fact that those they they, they fuck with the wire so much that it just sort of happened. Like the wires were just sort of crossed, and it was just a. It, to me, it just seemed random. Yeah, I I agree. Um, so so they induced a lockdown, and then uh, the dialogue. Okay, Desmond says. 
how do you even remember where you left off from? And, and uh, Kelvin says, slowly, very slowly. You should have seen Radzinski do this. He had a photographic memory. I mean, this whole baby was his idea. Um, and then uh, Desmond says, yeah, right, Radzinski, he figured out how to fake a lockdown. He created this great invisible map. Desmond says that. Mm -hmm. More and more tales about your former partner, yet for some reason you never want to tell me what bloody well happened to him. So anyway, then he goes on to say he killed himself. So he does know it's a map. Okay, yeah, he does know it's a map. A map, but he doesn't know a map of, you know, what he's, what they're actually drawing a map of. Uh, because he doesn't seem surprised Malak said there was another hatch. Um, and, uh, you know, in that scene where Malak says there's another hatch, Desmond seems surprised. Um, yeah, you'd think he'd question more. Like, okay, you think he's crazy invisible map, and, like, mm-hmm. who cares what's on it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's already good that the map is sort of on a wall that's retractable, that's, you know, 99% of the time never down. Right. Uh, that's a really good fail-safe. I mean, if I want to hide a map, I put it on a wall that's sort of hidden. Uh, yeah. But the fact they make it invisible, I mean, to me, it seemed, uh, I mean, maybe it's just a plot device. You know, they when they wrote that lockdown, they were like, ooh, it would be cool if it was, you know, only visible in, only visible in Blacklight and whatever. And, right. you know, uh, I just, because like I said, I, like we talked about this a long time ago. I mean, that was before we were podcasting, but it didn't seem, it didn't seem to be any reason to put Blacklight in a hash like that. Like, why, like, if the power goes down, why would you want your backup lighting to be blacklight? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, see, you have this map, and you need Oh, to because you have the map, exactly. It seems to be a plot contrivance, uh, because it's cool to have, you know, it, it just, you know, the black lights come on, and it sort of appears before lock, and he can't, you know, even if he could get the splash doors down, you know. He never even tried to get them down again, I mean, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's you know, half-ass, like... We like, got a... We got to talk. We got to talk about Locke. This was this was the last straw. I'm done with him. I'm done with him. You know, he built up a, a lot of brownie points in uh, season one and lost them all, and then some in season two. Um, I'm. We, we, we got it. There's a lot to talk about with Locke. There's you really did hit an all-time low. All-time low. Anyway, so we were talking about Rosinski. I hope we find out soon who Rosinski is. Um. Yeah, and the, the whole I, I map thing deserved a Radzinski like flashback, or at least some more about what he did and yeah. what the map. Like, why did he feel compelled to make a map like that? Like, like, and I, you know, I really don't believe a lot of what Kelvin says. So I'm not even sure if there is a Radzinski. The only thing that helps me believe there is one is um, that little thing when Kate reads in the in the notebook. It says like uh, S R. Uh, goes to the bathroom or whatever it says. I, I sort of want to believe that R stands for Rosinski. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, besides that, I, I really don't know. I really don't want to trust him. Um, I should. We should go Google Rosinski and see if that's a if that's a name in the world. You know, like Edward Rosinski was a was a character in Charles Dickens. Uh, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, he's right. famous for shooting himself with a shotgun. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, but it is worth mentioning, I guess, to some extent that uh, that even Desmond is not immune to the the lost 
syndrome where you don't really question things like you should. Right. Um, which reminds me of something I want to bring up about Claire. God, man. Oh, oh that woman. God. Claire makes me sick. That woman, man. Between her and Charlie, I just I just want to stab them both. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, you want them, like, go off and live together in a place where you're, like... A place of idi- idiocracy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> They they they're the worst people. Like I hate every word that they say. Everything seriously, seriously. I, I just want to mention. I guess we'll talk about them later or something. But this wasn't the beginning of the episode. So I do want to mention the fact that Desmond tells Claire, "Oh, don't worry about that love. I shot myself with that for nine day nine days for three years and whatever." And she puts it down immediately. She didn't even say like. Oh, but Charlie said that. Oh, but what if? Uh, oh, but what if? Uh, she just puts it down immediately. I mean, she yeah. is just the worst mother. She has no brain of her own. I mean, she just does not think. You she know, blindly believes whatever anybody tells her. Yeah, some random, some random crazed man who is drunk, by the way, says, yeah. you know, don't do this. And she just puts it down. She doesn't even think about it. God, man. She's awful. She is awful, man. She's awful. But what I do want to say related to that subplot, um, and I guess this this is the end of the Kelvin story, um, you know, eventually uh, Desmond notices there's a tear in the suit that uh, Kelvin's wearing to go outside that's supposedly protecting him from, you know, the sickness. And uh, uh, so that leads him to follow but he pulls his shirt up over his face as though that's really going to stop, like, whatever yeah. it is that they have to wear uh, a full hazmat suit. I think he – I don't think it was his shirt. I think it was it was a piece of something he put tied around. But uh, I thought it was like a, a turtleneck. No, no, no. Because I, I saw when he was leaving. It was weird the way he left. I mean, Kelvin's right there, and he's, like, packing – Desmond's packing up his stuff right behind him. I mean, De- 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 Kelvin should, like, turn around and say, what are you doing? Like, I mean, he's right. following him out the door, like, literally. But anyway, no, if you if you notice, uh, Desmond picks up, like, some black piece of something, some sort of a material cloth shirt or something. And that's what he ties around his face. Right. Um, there's no way he's wearing a tie neck. But I just want to mention that um, they are wearing Dharma uniforms. Ah. You know, which is another thing I think I mentioned that they, they really should be wearing if, if they're part of this organization. It's some sort of uniform. Right. Um, but anyway, what, what were you talking about? And that was your explanation for why you thought the others were not Dharma-related mm-hmm, because they, they weren't wearing Dharma uniforms. Man, how how long have we been recording? Because we haven't even we haven't even scratched the surface. Of course we have. We have oh plenty more. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, let's go, man. So wait, what were you? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I, it was weird to me. It seemed like he should have. He he saw that Kelvin. I mean, it, I think this. We're gonna have to start calling this the John Kerry syndrome or something. I mean, basically, he sees that Kelvin is going out in and out with this tear. And he's not yet sick, so that should lead you to believe there is no sickness. But he's not quite ready to buy that, so he put he doesn't half-ass move and puts a shirt around his face just in case, you know. So, like that deadly virus would be thwarted by such a simple measure. I mean, if that yeah. were enough, why bother with the suit? Like it's completely yeah. ridiculous. Like 
it, it's a it's a middle of the road precaution. He's like, well, I don't really believe it, but then it, it's it's a John Kerry. Everybody is, is, has a John Kerry syndrome. They're flip flopping this whole like you know the whole thing we talked about with Kelvin. I believe it. I don't believe it. Uh, I wanted the sucker to press the button. Oh, why don't you come with me? It's just like I mean, and I guess some people who are listening might say are probably pounding their fists and saying, you know, maybe Kelvin didn't really want you know Desmond to go with him. He was just saying that you know yeah. one of those things you do. But anyway, right, and I kind of thought that. I mean, because we don't know of the of the things he says that are contradictory, which of them are true. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, he was sneaking out, and if Desmond hadn't followed him, he probably would have just left without him. So I don't think he really wanted him to come along, but it's hard to know. Well, oh, that's the other thing I want to mention is when we were reviewing that scene, he says he had another week to go on the boat. So, therefore, um it would have taken presumably Desmond a week to fix the boat, plus the two and a half weeks he was sailing, to go along with what we were talking about earlier with the time frame. Uh, another thing that I that kind of doesn't fit here, but I just want to throw out there as a something to ponder, like Calvin claims the Dharma membership. He was in the military before, mm-hmm. so there is a tenuous at best military Dharma connection. Also. He says, and then I joined. What? What? Okay, I'm not going to. I'll let you slide with that one. Go ahead. Okay, I said tenuous. So, um, so then, and he, so he says, uh, and then I joined the Dharma Initiative after he after he left the military. Mm -hmm. So, um, so two questions: Why did he join the Dharma Initiative? Two: What brought him to the island? Number one, I love that we ask each other these questions if we really know the answer, like the definitive answer. But um, that's how we do at the Lost Lowdown. I think um, it's funny because you asked that question, and I never, I didn't think, I didn't really think of why he joined the Dharma Initiative. But right when you asked that question, I got an answer for you. It's really weird how that works. Um, I think he left because of whatever um, travesties he thinks he was responsible for when he was in the military. It was obviously lamenting. He was like, you know, oh, yeah, but when I was in the military, people followed my orders. And he seemed, he seemed regret, regretful about that. So I think he joined the Dharma Initiative because of their sort of, like he said, the ideas of whatever he said, the peace and nobility and whatever great ideals that uh, Dharma tries to uh, accomplish. I think that's why he joined, was to sort of uh, do something positive maybe, do something different than what he did in the, in the military. Okay. All right, that's reasonable. So they just assigned him to the island or something. Yeah, I think um, you know the Dharma, like they like they sort of set up in the Pearl video. Or the idea that I have is that you know they have their their employees or their participants or their whatever, and they sort of put send them to wherever they need people to fulfill whatever. So um, he just was unlucky and got sent to the island. Okay. All right, fair enough. I just wanted to throw that out because uh, it, it occurred to me to ask, like, you know, because I always want to know, you know, how did you get there? What is your, you know, motivation, I guess? Yeah. Okay. So um, I also wanted to say, with regard to that last scene, um, the the fact that, you know, the suit was ripped. Not only was the suit ripped, but, you know, Kelvin goes so far as to just take off the headgear when he thinks he's not being watched. Yeah. Um, although he did say, I know when I'm being followed, but whatever. 
He knows uh, he's being followed, like, once he's being followed, I guess. He doesn't, he doesn't have any being watched. He doesn't have any being followed. So. Like, what a fuck up. I mean, because if he knew Jasmine was following him, he should have just left the shit on, and then maybe he wouldn't have suspected as much. Because, like, then he could say, oh, no, there's a rip. I better take the vaccine or something. Yeah. Well, I don't think he uh, – yeah. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Oh, Desmond, I didn't know there was a rip here. Let me quickly take the – you know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, why – isn't the vaccine enough? I mean, if the sickness no. exists, isn't the vaccine <laughs> – isn't that enough? I mean, why do you have to do that? That's the thing. Hazmat suit seems to be a big farce. It's just, it's just part of the game. It doesn't exist because the button is real. <laughs> You know, like I don't, I don't know what's going on, man. I think the show is spinning out of control. I really do. I think, uh, I think they blew, they they seemingly blew up the hatch uh, because they wanted, they they wanted. I was going to mention that. We'll get to it later. But I was going to say, I think the reason these weird things, these disparate elements are 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 here and they don't seem to be, you know, converging is because. Uh, they like they blew up the hatch because they they they're tired of dealing with the hatch, but they want to keep the ideas behind the hatch. You know the Dharma, the Dharma, the ideas with Dharma, the ideas with Hanzo, and all that stuff. Like what the hatch symbolizes, what it was there for. They want to keep, but they're tired of, of having it being a part of the show. I just wanted to say that. So I think we're getting all these elements because the writers are are trying to go in a certain direction, and they can't keep all these little in order in line. You know, but anyway, I have to agree uh, 100%. Um, I'm always cynical about everything on this show. So, yeah. Um, so that's that's absolutely how I see it. So what I wanted to mention was I take this as further confirmation of my theory that the sickness does not exist. Mm-hmm. That there there never has been a sickness, never will be. There it just isn't there. It's it's a it's a bullshit story that was concocted for some reason. I got don't a question know what for you. that reason is. Got a question for you. All right. If there is no sickness, then how do you explain Rousseau and her situation? Because presumably, she had no contact with Rosinski or, or 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 Kelvin. Why why would she even think the sickness if there isn't one? Like, you know, a lot of people think she sort of just, you know, she went crazy or whatever, or, you know, for whatever reason, she killed her crew. There wasn't a sickness. But why would she even mention that? Why would she even know to sort of mention uh, this idea of a sickness? Good question. I don't have an answer. And that goes back, uh, and help me, I I wanted to sort of go through the logic of Desmond, or should I say his sort of plot line. What? I just got a thought. Remember when we first meet Russo? Yeah. She had her own, like, setup, like, little, like, torture chamber, like, mini area. Yeah. And she had that thing that was broadcasting that signal in French. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Some sort of transmitter or whatever. Yeah. How the fuck did she get that stuff? You know, it's a good question that I never thought about before. Um, how How she, that little shack that she had. I don't know how she built that or 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 where that came. I mean, presumably it. I guess we would we would just have to say it was it was a dharma facility, maybe a storage shed, or I mean, where would someone? I mean, I guess she sort of rigged that electric torture device, but um, I don't know, man. I mean, they explained the tower thing. They explained you know the transmitter. They'd already explained that. 
Um, but but how she got that little her little home, her little abode, um, I mean you can only sort of assume it was already there and it was being used for whatever reason by Dharma. What was the explanation of, for the transmitter? I don't know. You weren't supposed to ask me that. Okay. Um, they explained that um, that the that the message originally said something. Um, oh, it originally broadcast the numbers. I mean, that's what Rousseau said, if you can believe her. That that's you know, and then she found where the transmission was coming from. And it was broadcasting the numbers, which is the reason oh. they came to the island. And she changed the message to a distress call. Okay, I forgot about that. Okay, so that's that's an old thing. All right, yeah. so. I can't. I can't explain what. Presumably, the sickness is a is a sixteen year old idea. Um. Yeah. I guess so. I can. I could only guess that she heard about it from someone. Like maybe the others told her. Like like maybe. I, I I'm I'm trying to sort it out. Maybe she she killed her crew because she was crazy, and then like the others took her daughter. And maybe, like, somehow she found out that there was supposed to be a sickness, like, from someone who was already there. Like, that's, that's the only – I don't well, – And why would she – why would she – and you think she just sort of adopted that idea to explain how her crew is now dead? Yeah, something like that. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. It's it's one of those things where we seem to get proof that the sickness doesn't exist, but to me that means it's like when Locke is Locke is really sure about something, you know it's really the opposite. <laughs> you know, like he's like, Oh man, I'm just so convinced that, you know, XYZ, you know it's not XYZ. I think he has two of the most like I'm eating my words Because like, <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when Echo comes in uh uh, <laughs> I love that look in his eyes. Like, I was wrong. Yeah, and I was like, I told you so, asshole. Yeah, that's I love when like uh, when he says, Jack, I got something to tell you. <laughs> it's oh, like, God. man, like he is pathetic. Like, you know, he you, he 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 originally came off as one of those characters that has this really sad and pathetic, you know, background and, and past life, and he's, he's changed and he wants to be a better man. But you know what? Deep down, he's still that pathetic boy who, young man who, you know, got duped by his father. I mean, he is so, he's so ridiculous these days. We'll, we'll talk about him later. It's not even but, deep down anymore. It's right there on the surface. Yeah. yeah. He, but he can't escape it. He just can't escape his, um, his incompetence. He even had a line when he was talking to Desmond where he was like, are you sure you want to do this? And he says something to the effect of, I've never been more sure of anything in my life. Yeah. Did, has he, just like the night your dad took your kidney, right? Exactly. How about when, like, he said, he said some stuff like that, like five, like, you know, Lucky, you want to go in the hatch? Oh, I'm so destined to be in this hatch. It's like, God, Lucky, you're just so silly. But anyway, what were, what were we talking about? Um, yeah, oh, the sickness. Awesome. Um, you know, I'm. You don't think there's a sickness? I'm gonna. I think that. I mean, there doesn't seem to be a sickness. So how can I really say that there is one? I'm gonna say there used to be one, or or the sickness isn't a conventional like virus or bacteria or whatever. It's something else uh, that maybe our people have been exposed to. Um, maybe it. Maybe it's. Maybe just. Uh, maybe there's some sort of electromagnetism poisoning 
that happens slowly, and that that vaccine, you know, helps to stay that. But um, but it's something that's in the hatch. I mean, uh, okay, who knows? I mean, the the way it's introduced in in the swan, it's like it's outside, you know. But if it's a magnet, it should be inside too. But then, like. God. Well, I mean, the magnet is—it seems like part of the of the hatch protected, you know, because there's only certain parts of the hatch where, you know, if you walk, your necklace starts to levitate. Right. Uh, but but who knows, man? Who knows? I mean, there, there's so much weird stuff going on. Ugh. Yeah. And and oh boy, I can't wait to get to that part. So um, I there, there's actually more that I want to say about the. Kelvin Desmond situation, but I think it's best said later when we address other topics. I think we can move on for now. So I'm confused. You you think you think the button is real? Um, you know, I I, I actually now that you mention, I almost believe they put the magnet there as part of the experiment. And it just happens to be, like, a ridiculously strong magnet, and it was really a stupid thing to do. But, like, I can't reconcile all the information. Like, it's contradictory. It's getting very, very – it's getting so contradictory where it's not even – you know, sometimes the things are contradictory. It makes it interesting. Now it just it's just making it confusing. It's like I don't even want to try to even figure out. I can't. It's like a puzzle. You just you're missing pieces from a puzzle that you'll never find. It's like I don't even want to fucking do the puzzle because I don't. I won't be able to find all the pieces. You know. So it's like, yeah. I, I mean, I want to think it's real. It seems to be an experiment, but it also seems to be not an experiment. And the experiment, the experiment seems to be an experiment, and the experiment seems to be not an experiment. And it's just like, at a certain point, guys, I'm just going to lose interest and go watch Scrubs. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, God. All right. So uh, the next topic that I think we should discuss um, is uh, all of the mystery. We've sort of touched on it quite a bit already, but I guess I want to touch on the button, what it does, uh, what the fail-safe does, basically all the questions revolving around that element of the plot. So uh, I'd first like to mention what Kelvin had to say about the button and um, the uh, fail-safe. Okay. All right. So uh, Kelvin said, I don't know if I should go to the transcript or just uh, paraphrase. Service quicker. Um, well, Paraphrase quicker. So, according to Kelvin, the area has a geologically unique amount of electromagnetism. Mm-hmm. And the incident was a leak. He didn't expound on that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a leak in what sense? A leak in the electromagnetism or a leak in, like, the sense of a leak of information or... I think you mean the leak in electromagnetism. Okay. So that was the incident. All right. And then he says the button discharges it before it gets too big. Yeah. So my question is, first of all, if the magnetism is there naturally, 
why do they need like why isn't the world already ended? I mean, they were seemed- there discharging it for you know eons. Yeah, I think it was the it was the incident. I mean, I I feel like they were studying this this phenomenon and whatever they did. Uh, caused the incident, which caused, you know, a big sort of explosion of, uh, or whatever, a big outburst of electromagnetic energy. And for, for now, this, this you know, uh, phenomenon which was stable for eons is now unstable or instable. Whichever one is correct. Um, and um, you, and now, I press the button and, or else this thing will discharge. Um, you know, but there's a, it's really, you know, it sort of makes me think, you know, how possible this really is. I mean, even if you had this sort of big, you know, electromagnetic, I mean, why is it, I can understand magnetic, but why electromagnetic? You know, I don't understand, you know, how, how electricity is involved in this, in this natural phenomenon. I just don't really get that. And, you know, I can understand if it was like, because, you know, there's magnetic properties to the earth and everything. So I can understand if it's magnetism, but this is electromagnetism, whatever. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, like, electromagnetism is um, it's a very specific, you know, property of magnetism. But anyway, I'm, I won't, I'll digress. I digress. Um, I just don't understand how, you know, it was sort of there, and now it sort of builds up. I don't understand what, what's charging it. You know what? What's making it build up is what I want to know. You know, exactly. it seems like it seems like there. If you release it, it's released, and it's not going to build itself back up. You know, I don't really. You know, and and they say you press the button and it sort of releases it before it gets too big, but we don't. There doesn't seem to be any evidence of a release every 108 minutes. You know, or I guess I guess it just means the release is very small or something, or yeah, I think or it discharges close. it in some sort of safe way. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think of that. I don't think I don't think we know the whole truth. I should say that. Um, we do know that when you don't press the button, metal shit starts flying around. Yeah. And uh, you know the the place. Uh, there's obviously a magnet there. Uh, it's uh, that's the behavior that's exhibited. And it obviously, when you don't press the button, it just gets stronger and stronger. That's that's pretty much all we know. Like it just yeah. gets gradually stronger and stronger. Which I think, you know, I mean, at a certain point, it's kind of it's like, well, okay, so if you don't press the button by this time, then then it starts getting too strong. But if you don't wait too long, you can just press the button again, and you're okay. Yeah. So it's like, is it really that crucial that it's that exact time? I mean, it's obviously well, not. It seems. It seems like. It was weird when he was, you know, when he sort of accidentally killed Calvin, Calvin and he back and, you know, no one had pressed the button and it was charging, and he was trying to enter the code, and it didn't seem to be accepting the code. You know, like yeah. he was pressing it and it wasn't registering the typing. It was, I mean, I guess it's just sort of the drama of the situation. But it was really weird how I didn't sort of accept the code. And, uh, I mean, I guess there maybe there's some sort of thin threshold to where, you know, 108 minutes is the sort of ideal time. Um, obviously, you can press it. You can maybe press it sooner. But if you press it sooner, it doesn't maybe build up enough to sort of. So you know, basically, you know, if it reaches, uh, you know, if you give a value to 108 minutes, whatever magnetism level that is, say that's level 10, and at level 10, you have to discharge it, or it sort of increases, you know, exponentially after that, or something. 
But if you, you know, if you sort of do it when it's at level two, then you're going to have to do it, you know, you can't do it, basically you have to do it more often. It seems to me 108 minutes is the longest you can go, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to doing the button. Because if you do it, you know, every, you know, if you do it, say, okay, say someone just pressed the button, right? And if you do it 20 minutes after that, the level that's going to be discharged is pretty minimal. So that means that you're basically going to have to do it sooner than 108 minutes after that. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? No. Oh. Well, bottom line is... It does, but I don't... I feel like it would still start from the same point, so it'd still get... You'd still get the same amount of time to wait. What do you mean? You know, like... Like, let's say 108 discharges when it's at power level, like, you know, 50. Uh All right. And then it drops it down to, you know, five or whatever. I feel like if you push the button at any time, it'll still drop it down to that same level. So you'll still get the same amount of time for it to build up to 50. And then I feel like I feel like it dis- discharges, like the, the like it discharges a certain amount, not necessarily wipes it clean or something. I don't know. I'm, it's hard for me to to, to okay. verbalize what I'm what I, how I think it works, but um, it, it, I don't know. I feel like if you like a, like if it's at power level ten and it's norm, what did you say? Fifty is when you normally would discharge it. That it's not going to necessarily bring it to five. Um, it might bring it to eight or something. You know, okay. maybe whatever the discharge is, some sort of fraction. You know, maybe it maybe it's a as a tenth or something. Ten per, was, is that ten percent of fifty-five? Yeah. So maybe the thing only does ten percent of whatever power level it is. It brings it down ten percent. So if you do it when it's at ten, it's okay, gonna well, you'll get. I was gonna say you get uh, you get nine. I don't know. My math is bad. Well, because you were saying you were saying it goes from fifty to five, which is a, which means that it goes to ten percent of what it was originally. Yeah. So if it did that with 10, it should go down to 1. It should. And 1's bad. <laughs> anyway, we're really talking about some inane stuff, but um, I don't know. I don't know how it works. But um, to me, I, I think the bottom line is 108 is the longest you want to go. Because if you go shorter, you're going to – I mean, what would be the – why would you want to go shorter? Because if you go shorter, you gotta press the button more. Yeah, right. Okay, fair enough. Here, so here's here's my problem with the button that I've had since they introduced the button. The, obviously, and let me set it up this way. Obviously, the uh, you just you enter these numbers in a computer, okay, and then the computer performs some function for you, right? Yes. So they are trusting the computer with the task of whatever it does when you enter the numbers. True. Okay. That's a vital task. If it didn't carry out its task correctly, there'd be big problems. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a, that's a point that could fail, certainly. So why don't they go back one more step, save everybody a lot of trouble, and just write a fucking program that inputs those numbers every 108 minutes? How hard would that be? True. I, have, I can't think of any reason why they can't do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe back in the '80s, uh, computer programs didn't exist. I don't know. I'm just. 
Uh, it's just a guess. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know why they couldn't write a program. I mean, obviously, it's not as uh, interesting in terms of the TV show. Um, and so maybe I think that's a psychological experiment. That's why I was ready to believe that. Yeah. But if not, um, I mean, it at least has a real component. Like, if it doesn't get pressed, it's a problem. So, like, why trust it? And, and that's another question. Like, if you're not going to write a program, why, like, well, how did they just abandon something that they knew was that important? Yeah. Like, well, who knows what really happened in Dharma? I mean, for all we know, I mean, I remember coming up with that theory of the utopian society revolting against Dharma or something. You know, who knows what really happened on the island and why Dharma's not there anymore. Dharma could be there. I mean, you know, uh, it's, it, you, could, you could say that the, that the, the others are, are Dharma people who, you know, just sort of, you know, they're old Dharma people who aren't, you know, wearing a uniform or whatever, but they're still carrying out Dharma Dharma uh, projects or, you know, in, in some sort of way, obviously not the official Dharma projects like in the, in the hatches, but who really knows what's going on? Because if um, they know about the button, if, if the others know, if there are Dharma people, or even if they're not, and they just know what the button does, like, they should be a lot more concerned about whether it's being pushed or not. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people really know. I mean, okay, if, if the button is real, I mean, it, I say that, and it seems to be real, but... If I mean, it doesn't button, seem to be. We saw it doing stuff. I mean, we saw it doing stuff, but who knows, man? That could still be part of the – I mean, anyone could build a huge fucking magnet that goes off if you don't press the button. I mean, it's true. I mean, that okay. could just, but, just but, like but when – It's going – it's starting to go beyond the point of, like, if you if you just built that for the experiment, like – it's 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 starting to get ridiculous. Like, but, no, I mean that's the whole thing that you. I mean this that was your reasoning when because uh, you were on the other side of this when uh, when they didn't press the button in lockdown or whatever episode that was and the hieroglyph came up. I mean, weren't you like, well, that's what you would do when you want to make sure they press the button is to say, oh no, or was that me saying that? I don't remember who said that. You know what I'm saying? It's like basically if you don't press the button, here's your consequence. You get the hieroglyphs and the scary sound builds up. You know, this building yeah. up. It's like, oh, no, I really have to press the button because it does something. And now it could just be as simple as they took it a step further saying, okay, if you're really not convinced by that building up sound and you're not convinced by the hieroglyphs, well, goddammit, forks are going to start flying. And then and that convinced Desmond. You know what I mean? And that's, that's what it took for him to be convinced. But the magnet uh, was getting stronger and stronger, I mean, to the point that it destroyed the, the, uh, the number sign. And, like, at a certain point, I mean, a magnet that strong would kill the computer equipment. And true. Like, why would you put that in a place where, you know... Like, no, I'm not, I, I'm not saying... I'm, yeah, I don't know. I have no answer. I mean, just add it to the list of things I can't answer. But... Um, I don't know. I'm just saying it seems to be real, but it also seems to be an experiment because, I mean, like you right. said, um, what you know, what we're just talking about of having the people, in, you know, why not write a program if it's that important? Um, well, yeah. Well, okay. But by real, I mean there is a magnet there that is that is prevented from becoming strong by entering the numbers. Yeah. That much is true. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not a magnet. It's something else. Well, okay. Whatever it is, it it has it it has magnetic effects. Yeah. It it uh, it pulls shit towards it, and it gets increasingly strong uh, the longer you 
weight after not pressing the button after 108. Yeah. So it just gets stronger and stronger. I mean, I'd be real curious as to where that would end, like how far it would go. Um, well, apparently Dharma thinks it would sort of destroy the world somehow. It would sort of encompass um, – I would love uh, – if any of our listeners are geophysicists, um, <laughs> somehow I think oh, that's God. unlikely not to belittle our uh, listening audience. I just don't know if geophysicists really, A, watch Lost, and B, uh, listen to us. Well, there's not that many anyway. I know, there's like five. If there's any physicist who could sort of come up with a a sort of real-world explanation of of where this geological source would be coming from, is this, you know, is this uh, phenomenon tapping into the, um, you know, um, core of the Earth, or, you know, where is this sort of, uh, electromagnetic energy coming from, I would like to know, because it would sort of help me figure out, you know, what is, does it make sense that this thing would sort of, you know, encompass the whole world, or would it just, it, you know, would it just encompass the island, or, you know, what would it actually do? I mean, what is it drawing from is my thing, you know. How is it building up is, is what I want. Because it seems like the incident sort of released something, you know, that was sort of stable, and they released, they sort of tapped into it. Now it's unstable, and now they have to sort of, I mean, it just doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. It, I, I can barely make sense of it, so. The big reveal uh, related to not pressing the button is that not pressing the button is what caused the plane crash. Yes. My question for you, number one, do you believe that? Um, I think I do believe it uh, because it, it sort of makes sense. It, it's the only explanation so far of why the plane crashed. Um, and it, it just sort of, it sort of makes sense. I mean, we've sort of got proof. I mean, with the, with the numbers, you know, the date of the system failure. Right. Um, so yeah, I believe it. But I'd like to point out that if that magnet really drew the plane to the island, it was that strong, but, uh, within the hatch, it wasn't even at full strength yet. Like, it wasn't even like pulling the, you know, crumpling up the number sign like we saw it do, like when it got to a certain point where it was really strong, like even stronger in the actual episode than in the flashback, uh, uh, how could it have been strong enough to draw a plane flying high overhead when it wasn't think, even drawing certain metal objects? I think it has to do with however that that it, that that phenomenon works. I, I always I always thought it was weird how you know it, the power sort of builds up, but I mean it seems like the stuff in the hatch is sort of protected to a certain level, and then and then it gets so strong where it's not protected anymore. So I think maybe you know when that uh, when the uh, when the when the magnet or whatever is building up. It's focusing its power outside of the hatch or outside of the island or in the atmosphere somewhere, and and it sort of uh, as it increases, the local effects increase. That's the only thing I can think of. Okay. Does it make sense? I mean, I don't think that's how magnets work, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, I don't, I don't know where the like where what where is the focal point of this energy? It seems like it's. Uh, I mean, I don't even know. Uh, I mean, it was obviously drawing it towards that that magnet in the wall or whatever, but um, yeah. I could see I could see sort of the energy being 
like drawing things from the atmosphere first or but no that is a very good point that it it, it took the plane down uh yet um it, it didn't sort of do a lot inside uh i really think you can't i think the crumpling of the the uh the number countdown was is an anomaly in terms of what happens because i think that i think they just did that because that's going to be the last time we have to deal with that and it yeah. was cool I think I think in the real world that probably would have happened the first time. Um, okay. But uh, so I think that's sort of an anomaly. If it if it is an experiment still, and there is no phenomenon or whatever, and that it's just a sort of a huge ass magnet in the wall that's sort of you know making them make sort of the idea they better press this button. Excuse me. What's the idea behind the failsafe then? Good question. My next I, topic, the failsafe. Cool. Because I think the failsafe is something that uh, participants of the experiment should not know about. Really? Yes. I think the failsafe is, um, well, I mean, it's, to me it seems like the failsafe is part of the experiment. I mean, I can see the failsafe being part of the experiment and the failsafe being something real put in there because this whole thing is real. Um, I can see it being in both categories, but I think I think if this was an experiment, the failsafe um, that would be something. I, I just don't see the participants knowing about that uh, because I feel like if it if it was really part of the experiment, they would have put the failsafe in a more accessible place. You know, I don't know. Um, it's sort of hidden under there, you know, where no one would ever think to go look. Uh, you know, underneath the computers, as it were. Um, certainly, Locke never thought to look under there. Right. Um, well, so I don't know. What do you think? Um, I guess, and I was just gonna say, like, I guess based on the show, I'm gonna have to inc- conclude that they want us to think that it's real, and that the failsafe. I would say the failsafe is like Kelvin knew about it. So I assume that like the official participants would know about it. It'd be like, well, if something goes wrong, uh, use this. Um, well, you know. it wasn't in the orientation film, and I feel like Kelvin only knew about it because Rosinski knew about it. And I think Rosinski knew a lot more than any normal participant should have known. Number one, maybe it was in the edited out part. Okay. How about that? Number okay. two, I was going to say, there's other stuff that's not in the orientation film that he knew, but then oh, that could be missing also. Definitely. So that would be my two responses to that, although they're not quite that good, but I, I yeah. guess that's the only thing I can think of. I, I feel like Kelvin knew about that because of Rosinski. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, Rosinski did seem to know a lot. But then again, we you know, we have to question how much of what Kelvin is saying is true. True. Um, you know, what, what really happened with Rosinski, will we ever know? Who knows? Um so I want to bring up just a minor point, like when when Kel- when Kelvin like crashed the plane by going to follow Kelvin. I'm sorry, when Desmond crashed the plane by going to follow Kelvin, um, uh, and he came back. You know, the hieroglyphs were showing, and the show was flying around, and on the monitor it said uh, "system failure," "system failure," and uh, I don't really understand why it would say system failure. Like, Good question. Like, in what sense is that a system failure? Like, the person fails to put in the numbers. It's not like the system failed. It, 
It's user oh, error. I, I, it should, yeah, I think it's system in terms of the system that, uh, the system that keeps the, uh, the electromagnetism under wraps has failed. Like, it's, okay. you know, you know what I mean? It's the same when, like, say you're running a nuclear plant and you're, you're charged of, you know, the uh, regulation, you know, the regulatory part of the plant where you, everything has to be, you know, the screws have to be tied and the, the pressure has to be this and that has to be that, you know. If the thing overloads because you didn't adjust the pressure valve or whatever, then, uh, you know, system error is something you might see. But, uh, but yeah, it's really, it's really sort of user error. But the good point, I, it was sort of a weird thing. I, I would say it's because, you know, like I said, I think that's, that's my explanation is that, uh, the system that keeps it under wraps has failed. But, uh, but that's a, that's a good point. It, should, it could have said something else a little more accurate. Minor point, but. Minor point. I just to throw it out there. So regarding the fail-safe, according to, according to Kelvin, it makes, I think he said something to the effect of, it makes this all go away. Yeah. Um, and Desmond actually triggers the fail-safe. And what does it do exactly in the vicinity of the hatch? We don't know because we didn't get to see. But all around the island, no matter where you were on the island, it was a little like, shortcut magnolia moment where all the characters are brought together by some huge event yeah. um uh like this there's this noise this sort of buzzing like whatever i don't know how to describe like a kind of noise and then the sky is like filled with white that sort of envelops everything yeah. although like, claire describes it as purple yeah claire's or violet she said um I hate Claire. She doesn't know. She, she, she doesn't even know, know her colors. She doesn't even know her colors. I mean, how's she gonna take care of a baby when she doesn't even know her colors? <laughs> oh, Claire. Yeah, that was so not violent. Like, what a. She is just. God. Yeah. She's just a moron. I can't. I can't. Uh, anyway, it was clearly white. I mean, right? Well, in her defense, we saw white. But I don't think we ever got a shot of the sky. I mean, we were looking at everyone, and everyone was covered in whiteness, but everyone else was sort of looking in the sky, and maybe to them it looks purple. I'll, I'll defend her and say we never got a shot of the sky, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, our screen filled with white, yes. So you would think the sky would have been white, you know, obviously. But whatever, who knows. But obviously, yes, this noise and this delight, you know, what could that possibly mean? It was a crazy light. Like, it was crazy. An all-encompassing, like, light that, like, shone over the entire island. Yeah. Like, whatever happened was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I would want to maybe have you speculate on what that might have been. Well, if it wasn't for the quarantine door uh, falling from the sky, I would, I would, you know, I would want to think some sort of explosion happened. Um, but to me, that seems too simple for it just to be some sort of explosion. It doesn't explain the light. Um, I would have to say it was sub. It had, you know, the light and the sound had something to do with the electromagnetic properties of that spot. That the quarantine, sorry, not the quarantine, the the failsafe somehow. Oh, what could it have done? I mean, maybe it, um, maybe it, uh, it let all of the electromagnetic energy out of that spot or something. Um, you know, maybe, maybe 
all, making it all go away means, um, you know, Dharma is interested in this area for its properties. They they fucked it up. They caused the incident, but they still, you know, they still want to be there to investigate it, and that's why they started with the button. But maybe the failsafe was was if this thing gets out of control, we'll just release all the electromagnetic energy out of this area. You know, the plus side being it won't destroy the world. The bad side being we don't have any any uh, anything to experiment on. We don't have any uh, project left in terms of this elect electromag electromagnetism. Right. So I guess right now that's my theory is that all of the electromagnetism in that area or in that spot or in that hatch, whatever it is, uh, was discharged. Um, that's what uh, – because it didn't really seem like an explosion. There was no sort of explosion sound. Right. Um, you know, it didn't seem like a typical explosion. So like I would say – yeah, I would say it was it was discharged and making it all go away, you know, even though that seems like, you know – it means it's going to disappear or explode. May just mean it being the project, it being our research in this area. You know, we'll we'll turn the failsafe on, all the magnetism disappears. You know, but we don't have anything to study anymore. I personally don't necessarily have a very concrete theory about what it is, but I think it's definitely open for involved, which is to say Desmond Echo and Locke to have survived. Um. Because uh, it was not a normal explosion. Even though we did have that door flying, but I I feel like that was just drama. I feel like that that could be explained by my theory that, you know, this sort of, this force of electromagnetism threw it in the air, and then it, oh, no, we should have drawn it closer, but whatever. Yeah, exactly, that's what people pointed out. Yeah, but, um, you know, either way. Okay. But, you know, electromagnetism has positive and negative uh, sides, so who knows, no. man? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, Sorry, so maybe, maybe, maybe at the beginning of the explosion it was, uh, you know, positively charged and it knocked the thing in the air, and maybe it was uh, not, you know. You, well, you, said, you, you said you didn't have a concrete theory, but does that mean you had nothing at all? <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I mean, basically, I see it as, based on the ending, I feel like there's something, there's something odd about the island and the surrounding areas, and I feel like triggering that failsafe, like, like, based on the ending, it seems like the failsafe was what, like, caused, yeah, I guess I was going to talk about this at the end, what caused those Brazilian scientists to notice that, like, you know, uh, electromagnetic anomaly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I, I feel like uh, it, it was it was some sort of like um, some sort of thing that like breached the edges of this island bubble that I feel like is like situated somewhere in some sort of like alternate like dimension or, or somehow it, it's 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 accessible from earth but and and you can kind of detect it from earth but it's not like literally in the middle of the ocean like somehow it's yeah. like excluded from the outside world in a lot of respects well so i feel like when when they triggered that thing it like it like went to the went to all the edges of this bubble that it's in and somehow, like, it, some of it leaked out or whatever, and that's how they were able to detect it. So, anyway, yeah. like I said, not very concrete, but that's 
that's how I felt about it. Well, I, I would think that what I think is that um, I like to think that the island is on Earth. It is very accessible if it wasn't for the electromagnetic properties. I feel like you, the reason you sort of can't get it is because um, of, the, of the electromagnetic properties, like, you know, compass or any sort of device that would sort of lead you to the island isn't going to work to lead you there, um, and which is the reason why this idea you can get you, you can't get there, but if you're there, you can leave, you know, whatever, however that works. Um, I think that because the guys in the end referenced, referenced that it had happened before. Um, so I don't think, and I didn't think it was, well, I guess I should have thought this, and maybe I did subconsciously, that it was a fail-safe they detected. Um, I sort of thought it was, um, you know, when it was charging. Uh, basically, you know, because they, they one of the guys said, oh, did, did we miss it again or something like that? And he's like, no, no, we didn't miss it. Just call. Make the call. So they referenced the fact that a similar thing had happened, and I don't want to think that the failsafe had been turned on before. Uh, I think what they what they were referencing was um, the discharge when the Lossy's plane came down. I think that's what first that's when they first saw it, but it was so quick that maybe they couldn't pinpoint it or something or whatever. And that this the second time, uh, you know, I guess like you said, you know, or whatever, this one was big, so. They were able to pinpoint it more, um, but I think, um, I mean, if you if you want to think that the that the island is in a different dimension or something like that, um, I was actually going to, and in terms of that theory, I was going to speculate that maybe the failsafe brings the island back into the real world. Like maybe maybe the maybe Dharma knew that if this energy is discharged, that's going to put this sort of you know merge the dimensions or whatever put this island back into the real world and their sort of exclusive uh, land of play where they can do whatever they want to do, you know, will be will be taken away from them. Um, so that could be part of it, too. Okay. Uh, and so maybe that's why everything was had the weird sound and the weird light because it was sort of merging back into the norm, normal Earth or the other another dimension or whatever, right. or the, the sort of isolation of that island, if it is on Earth, Whatever isolates it was, you know, being destroyed or whatever. Okay. So that's part of it, too. So we will next discuss um, Saeed and his magical boat journey. Saeed, I love you, even though you're crazy. I, I, yeah, I have to insult Saeed a little bit here. I know. Um, you know, I hate to, because he's usually right on. But this episode, he falters a little bit, I think. And I have to give credit to the Lost Cast folks for pointing this out. The Lost who? The Lost Cast. All right. So the, so the people on Lost Cast brought this up, and I think it's a point worth mentioning in terms of, like, what's Zayi's deal? Like, all right, so he goes up to Jack, and he's like, you know, uh, well, I know Michael is, uh, you know, he's been compromised, and, uh, and Jack gives, like, this half-hearted protest, like, but what if he is? He is lying. <laughs> I love that. It was weird because they. It was like a truncated version of their conversation in the last episode. Especially since like Saeed's like, so Jack. Last time we were talking, I told you that uh, right. I thought my boy be compromised, and then you said it was like Saeed. Everyone who's watching this saw the last episode. You don't have to recap for us. We know what's going on. It was so weird. And then yeah, then Jack's like, oh, but what if he? It's like he, Jack was our. 
It's like, Jack, I already convinced you last episode he was. Now, why are you saying he's not now? Well, he's, and then, like, that one, like, he is lying. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, that was, like, Jack really, and, and this dovetails with discussing their journey, but he never really got any, like, concrete proof. He just assumed it was true and went with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, he just, like, Saeed told him it was true, and he just went he, on that. He pulled a Claire. He did. He pulled a Claire and just happened to get lucky and be right. He pulled a Claire. I mean, I guess if you're going to believe somebody, maybe Saeed's a good one to believe. But, like, yeah. he really didn't have anything to go on. Um, but I want to I talk about that later. Okay. The thing I want to focus on is Saeed's big plan. He's like, all right, here's what we'll do. <laughs> I know for no apparent reason that Michael's going to lead you to the other's camp. I just know that's going to happen. Well, that's what he said he was going to do. And, um, okay. And, uh, and there's no way he'd ever lead you anywhere else. So what I'll do is I'll take this boat that just showed up and sail around the island and, and to meet you there first. And then to tell you I got there, I'll set this big fire so, with smoke. And so they'll know we're coming. <laughs> and so number one. He he, go, he he makes this plan with Jack, and then he goes to, he goes to to uh, to get the boat, and then I guess that's when he realizes, oh wait a minute, I don't know how to sail. I love that. I love that. That was so hilarious. I love it because he's like, he comes to Debbie, he's like, I need your boat, and Debbie's like, you can have it. This way he's like, but I don't know how to sail. <laughs> like, oh, Saeed, I thought you could do everything. Oh, that was so that was so hilarious. Like he made that whole plan without even thinking about the fact that he doesn't know how to sail, which mm-hmm. means that his whole master plan depended on finding someone to sail with him at the last minute. Like, yeah, it was a it was a bad plan that could not be changed. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, it was a bad plan that could not be changed. <laughs> so, anyway, Wildcats pointed out the, how that was I think the I think the worst part is the I mean I like the idea that he was going to set the fire so because it really helps in the end but yeah and if you set the fire next to the camp where the you know the or the beach you know the north side of the island uh the hostiles are going to see that and be a little a little you know suspect uh, I think that's the worst part um but yeah and I hated that part when um when Sun wanted to, you know, Sun tells Jin that, uh, you know, oh, uh, Saeed needs help, and he's like, okay, I'll do it. You know, of course she wants, she's going to come. And then, and then Saeed's like, oh, I guess you misunderstood me. I only want Jin to come. And she's like, she's like, uh, you need at least two people to stay out. And it was, it was, it was like faulty logic. It was like, you only need at least two people who know how to sell, you know, quote, you ain't one of them. Um, you know, so she's like, I gotta come because you need two people. And he's like, Well, there's no one needed one person. And she's like, Look where it got him. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense because Destiny came back to the island because you know he was trying to leave the island. He wasn't trying to sail to the North Shore, which is you know possible. I mean, it doesn't make any sense why that would be impossible to sail to the North. Like, like if you sail to the North Shore, you're gonna end up back in the South Shore if you have one person. Like, you know, it's just one of those like. It's one of those, like, witty quips or whatever that, like, seems really good, but if you think about it, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like when when uh, Miss, uh, 
Miss Clue tells Michael, wow, someone who wants their son back doesn't like, know anything about them. And it's like, I wish he would have just said, you know what, the, the list of facts I know about my son does not equate to how much I love him. Believe me. I know he wears a size 12 tennis shoe, so I love him a lot. I don't know. The, well, the real of, reason to bring Son along, which she did say, is as a translator. Yeah, the translator. That was the big thing. I mean, that's valuable. Well, you really need. Tra- I mean, how much translation do you need? Can you just point? I don't know. Uh, go this way. I mean, what else are you going to translate? But whatever. Well, I mean, once they're you know nearing the area, I mean, they might need to discuss. Well, I'm going to go over here. I mean, their their communication, if you can do it, I think is valuable. You may not know exactly when you're going to need it, but I think like there could be a situation where he needs to communicate what's going on, and he can't do it, and that would be really yeah. bad. Well, son should have just gave him that dictionary again. It was All right, the raft. Starboard. Ooh. <laughs> Okay. Um, so anyway, they go. They start sailing, uh, which is which is pretty much what I said was going to happen uh, last episode, last podcast. Was well, that basically? Right. Well, going to say? Well, I just said that you know Said was going to sort of follow them and and uh, you know sort of go a different path, and he did. I didn't. I don't think I said he was going to take the boat because I didn't think about that. But yeah, I figured he'd just trail him on land, which really would have worked better. Yeah. Sorry, Saeed, but your plan kind of sucked. The, I mean, the, the best thing about the boat was he was able to get there faster. Um, yeah. That was, yeah. That was I don't thing. even know why that was such a great thing. I mean, I guess he could, like, spy on them for a while. He wanted to basically see what was going on. I mean, like he said, the, the, the idea of reconnaissance was pretty crap because he was like, I can see how many people and how many weapons and stuff like that. But it's like, if you show up in a big white boat, aren't they going to see you? I know. You know, it, it, it was it, it, it was faulty. It had its error, but the biggest thing was he could get there before they could on foot, so he could you know to try to have the upper hand in the situation. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so they're sailing, and they see this. What I, which to me is probably the best part of the episode. I love it. The giant statue, the or remnant of the Bigfoot with four toes. Yeah. Um, and and it, it boggles my mind what that's about. I just can't I think even. Lawson's everywhere. Uh, uh, we're sort of uh, uh, losing their collective minds when they drop that little thing in there. Uh, I think so. I can't. I haven't been on the boards because I've been waiting to do this podcast before I go read other people's theories. But um, I can't wait to see what people come up with because I have nothing. I have nothing. Why? I mean, even if it had five toes, I still don't know why there would be a huge statue. You know what I mean? mean? Having five toes wouldn't explain it all. No, it wouldn't. Oh, oh, oh. That's five toes. That means the Starbucks was nearby. That's what it means. No, it wouldn't wouldn't do it for me. Because you know what that means to me? I mean, not many – I mean, I don't know of any, like, civilized culture in, in modern times build statues, like, big like that. I mean, um, I mean, people do sculpture, obviously, and they do big statues, you know, artistically. But to build something like that seems to be a very ancient idea, you know what I mean? Some sort of uh, homage to the gods or some sort of, you know, it reminds me of uh, Lord of the Rings when we see those, uh, I forgot what part of Middle Earth they were going to, but you see these two giant statues that sort of uh, guard the entrance to this place. They're like these huge statues. And... Um, 
which had five toes, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I just I just can't imagine Dharma or anyone in the last like thousand years building something like that. Uh, I don't know why anyone did that. And where would they get the materials? Uh, I mean, I guess I mean the island's big. I guess it has a quarry and it has marble or limestone or wherever that thing was built up. But building a statue like that in terms of manpower is a big undertaking. Um, I want to know where the other foot was. Um, you know what I mean? You would, it, it seemed like that was the, I guess that was the left foot of the statue. And you would think the right foot would be either nearby or, I mean, where, would the, where was the right foot going to be? Was it under, I don't know, man. I don't know, I'm confused. But um, anyway, the statue boggles my mind. Um, I don't think they'll ever bring it up. I really don't. It seems like it would be hard to hide, like, the rest of that statue. Um, in the official podcast, they had a couple things to say about that statue. Oh, what was it? So I was going to leave this to the end, but I may as well mention it now. The first thing they mentioned is just to give you an approximate, like, grasp on the scale, because it's a little hard to tell because you don't see people, the foot was approximately 35 to 40 feet tall. Mm-hmm. So that's the foot. So that gives you an idea of how big the whole thing was. What does that mean? That means, uh, I mean, I'm looking at my foot, and my foot and half of my leg, lower leg, is about, um, like, 15% of my height, maybe? Is that, does that make sense? Well, the just the foot was was 35 to 40 feet. So oh, not that. The leg. Oh, you're saying, oh, just not not that whole part of the statue that was left, just the foot. Just the foot. That's what they said, just the foot. Oh, okay. Well, then that's crazy. Right. I mean. So that means that statue was at least 100 feet tall. Probably. That's yeah. 10 stories. So, I mean, one, two, three, four. I mean, I would say that's probably about a fifth. Um. We kind of did this in art school. I should know. I would say that's probably about a fifth of a person's height, you know. So that statue was maybe 500 feet tall. Okay. So it would be like 500 feet, which is like 50 stories tall, which is pretty big. Huge, yeah. Ridiculous. So what they had to say about that, um, they're, they're, what they said, like, following that comment, was that, um, that Dharma has not been on this island very long in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Their arrival on the island was recent. The island's history predates Dharma by a lot. And okay. then this is the first, like, real indication of that. Oh. Um, and they said that season three will explore, it will sort of deal with Dharma and kind of sort of do away with Dharma and then also deal with other people who have been on the island in previous times to to so Dharma. Dharma? So Dharma as a topic is gonna gonna start going away. It seems like it is. Yeah. Okay, I'll buy that. That's what. Uh, yeah, it seems like that's what they're doing. Getting rid of that hatch. Getting you know we're getting all these ans- or pseudo answers. So uh, yeah, like I was saying, a statue like that it makes no sense for any modern culture to build. No modern culture would build something like that. So uh, it seems like an ancient thing. Um, right. you got to wonder where the rest of the statue is. 
Yeah, Saeed's two questions or two concerns or two things that disquieted him. No. <laughs> gotta love Saeed's vocabulary. You gotta love it. Saeed Jarrah, I love him. Uh, was, yeah, why the rest of the statue is missing and why it has four toes. Yeah. Both interesting questions, both questions I have no answer for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would just sort of assume. I mean, it could have been, uh, it could have been the incident. Maybe uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. God, I wish I was the first person to think of that. I'm sure I'm not. Um, maybe the incident sort of, uh, you know, knocked it down or something, blew it I didn't over. Say that. Well, did you read all the posts on the all the boards in the world? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think you did. That's what's scary. Um, no, no, no. Maybe no one else has sort of thought of that, but I would like to go on record as saying uh, I'm going to say that's my official answer is that either the incident or something related to the magnetism on the island uh, sort of knocked it over or, you know. I- I'm going to say the incident, though. Seems like that that could have been it. Okay. That's an interesting answer. I never would have said that in a million years. What about the four toes? The four toes is interesting. Um, I like how it seems like I had something to say. <laughs> uh, I don't. Um, the four toes is interesting. <laughs> seems like I had a whole list of things to talk about. You know, I don't know why there would be four toes. I mean, the, uh, it, it goes back to, you know, the idea of an ancient culture building it. I mean, the Egyptians, you know, built statues and, and p- depicted beings and creatures that, you know, we have not seen uh, with interesting body parts. So I would say it, it has something to do with that, uh, the island, whatever culture on the island did that, it would be uh, their mythology. It has something to do with four toes. Um, you know, it could be something as sort of strange and inane as uh, their king or their leader was born with four toes for whatever reason, you know, some sort of genetic anomaly. Um, it could be, you know, I, I hate to say this, but what if it's some sort of, human offshoot race if with people with four toes i don't know um yeah to me like saeed i agree those are the two big concerns you know but uh brother i think the four toes is the biggest concern uh that's what i would tell saeed because uh, um, it just it makes no sense yeah I think, well, in the real world, I mean, when you say Egyptians show things that we haven't seen, I would like, I think, i.e., do not exist. <laughs> yeah. And never have existed. I think uh, cultures do have, like, represented things that don't exist. And so I think it's consistent for them to just erect a statue with four toes. But in the context of the show, I don't think that's going to be the case because I think they made it a point of having him point those things out because they were significant. Yeah. If it was just like, well, there were some people here and they made a statue of four toes, like, that can't be the answer. That would be ridiculous. No, I mean, I think – but I, what I'm saying is I think I think the answer – I mean, I think they would – I mean, I'm saying one of the reasons could be it's part of their mythology, which, you know, which is somehow related – going to be interesting or related to the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, disagreeing with you in that statement. Oh, because I don't, I don't know how else. I mean, it's either either that statue is representative of someone who existed, or it's not. Right. Now, true words were never spoken. That sentence is absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the only two scenarios. Um, 
Um, and, and I lean towards it, it was representative of someone. Because if, if it's just people that built it, I mean, I just don't think that's very interesting. I feel like they wouldn't go in that direction. Mm-hmm. So it seems likely that either they had four toes or they knew of beings with four toes. Somehow they got the idea to do that, and it wasn't just like they felt like it or whatever. Or they were too lazy to do a fifth toe. Yeah, no, I would, I, I want to, I didn't, I think it's going to be something like, it's part of their mythology, and, you know, they, they there's some being that they've not necessarily seen, but they believe that has four toes. I don't think it's going to be some human or some person that we will see with four toes, necessarily. Um, I think it's just going to be one of those things that sort of leads to something, to another topic that's interesting, um, you know. Because to me, they don't have, I mean, it, it could be one of those things that they go into detail about and it's a big deal, or it could be one of those things that just leads into something else that's interesting, you know what I mean? Sort of like, yeah. you know, sort of like the uh, the hatch, you know, when Locke was beating on the hatch and trying to get in the hatch. That was the focal point. That was what was interesting. But once he got in, it wasn't about the hatch anymore. It was about what's in the hatch, you know? Right. So it's like once we, once we figure out, you know, the thing with the statue, oh, who cares about the statue? It's about what the statue led us to. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. It could be that or it could not be that. Yeah. We'll How about that? <laughs> That's some good logic. You know, when you when you have a statement that encompasses all possible outcomes, you, you you're right. I <laughs> mean it's either up or it's down. Well that's true. I can I can endlessly create statements that you can't argue with. It's so nice. Yeah. It's a it's a it's your mutant power. Now, the downside of that is that they're essentially worthless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you can say meaningless things, but no one can argue with them. So <sighs> anyway, um, all right. So the Forte statue, obviously there to fuel speculation, um, but we're given, like, basically nothing to go on. So how much can you really say at this point? No. Well, apparently a lot. We've been talking about it for a while. <laughs> good point, good point. Anyway, so the, the, next, uh, the next part of Saeed's trip um, that's <laughs> relevant, I think, is uh, when he lands at the other's camp, mm-hmm. fake camp, whatever. Right? Please, so, let's, call it, let's call it for camp. Yeah, right. Like Finry. Like like <laughs> oh, I guess it should just be FAMP. Famp, yeah. I, yeah, I refuse to do that. Can we? Um, no, let's start it. Let's let's start. Let's call it the Famp, and uh, so people can say uh, Finry and Famp. It sounds. <laughs> that sounds like a sitcom. It sounds really silly. Finry and Famp. It does sound like a sitcom. <laughs> I have to get my agent to uh, call call the actor who plays Finry and see what he's doing. Maybe he wants to be in uh, Finry and Famp. Uh, <laughs> Oh, Fenry, you so crazy. You so crazy. Famp, what are you doing? Put down the cream soda. I don't know. <laughs> You're a fake camp. Why are you drinking cream soda? <laughs> why is Fenry talking to Why is a fake camp a person in the sitcom? I don't know, oh, man. God. There's some anyway. questions for you. There's some questions for you. Ponderad. <laughs> Uh, all right, so so he arrives at the at the camp, and <laughs> I love it. It works. And 
He he lights the fire, I guess. <laughs> the fire or the <laughs> sorry, okay. I guess it's really it's not a fake something else. It's really a fire. But he he he. <laughs> and even if it were if, even if it were a fake fire, I mean we can't like add an F to fire because it already starts with F. So yeah, yeah, I don't even know. But yeah. yeah Maybe we could call it, like, faux fire or something. Oh, now we're getting at another level. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just sitting here in my... Uh, okay, so he he gets there and lights a fire, and then he sees that the camp is apparently deserted. Mm-hmm. So his idea is, all right, well, it looks deserted, so I'll just storm it by myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, Saeed, but and his method of storming is he just like goes to the door and just like kicks it open and gets ready to shoot whoever's in yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's ready to shoot everybody in there. I mean, I, it's like what else do you really do? I guess if I were him, I would have lit the fire and sort of looked in the camp and then sort of I guess waited for the other people to come, which you know obviously they would not have come. Right. Um, but if that's what I would have done. I would have waited for backup before I storm into this place. But it was obviously you know it didn't hurt anybody because there's nothing there. Yeah. I gotta say this is one that was probably one of my favorite moments of the show like ever when we find out uh, that it's a a, a fetch. <laughs> <laughs> The fan has a fetch, which of course is a fake hatch. <laughs> the fans were guarding a fetch at the fam. Exactly. Oh man, yeah, the fetch. You <laughs> say that without laughing. The fetch. Um, Saeed opens the Oh man, I, I hope people start using that. I can't wait. I'd la- every time, oh man, I hope somebody, please, listeners, go on the boards and start using spam and fat, please. We'll know oh. it was us. We'll know it was us, and we'll thank you so much. That'll be so funny to read. So I got the all-inclusive theory on the fat, you know, <laughs> as as all all topics on boards are always like that. All inclusive theory. And it only explains one thing and nothing oh, that's else. So ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. The universal end all be all theory is explaining yeah. every incident ever. It's, yeah. <laughs> the end all be all theory. I think then, the island is really a peninsula. I mean it's like this is why Locke was crying. Like <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I think Locke's uh, 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 crutches are made out of aluminum. <laughs> yeah, and they just leave it at that. Like that was it. Like yeah, oh, we love them anyway. We do. We pretend to hate them, but we love them. It's yeah. fate. It's fate. <laughs> oh, it's fate. Oh, that's so. Oh, that's so funny. Um. <laughs> Is it funny or is it funny? Yeah, I think if it's if it's if it's funny, it should be ph. You know, if if you put okay. an s, two s equal a ph. <laughs> that's uh, that's called the addition of language. Uh, the the, uh, le- the addition alphabet is uh, f plus f equals ph, and f minus f uh, actually equals f. 
Thank you, folks, for putting up with this. We're getting way off track. Uh, I think we just lost about half our audience. Everybody's like, <laughs> shut up. I'm I would, sorry. I just find that whole fast thing really I think there's three people who genuinely are laughing, and the other people are rolling their eyes and about to shoot themselves. Much like Rosinski did. <laughs> anyway, okay. uh, so he opens the he opens the door to the thatch. Um, <laughs> uh, I was gonna say four, but I guess it was a real door, so it wasn't a four. It was. It was a real door. Um, so he opens the door to the thatch, and he sees nothing. And I love it. I I, I almost peed my pants because a I should have. I wished I could have guessed it. I don't know why I didn't even think. I mean, I know why, because they made it seem like it was real. That's why, damn it. But um, I love it. I love the fact they guarded a hatch, uh, or I should say a thatch, well, a hatch that turned out to be a thatch. And um, it was great. I loved it. I love the fact it wasn't real. It, it it made my mom boggle. I didn't know what to think. Um, part of me thinks that, like, if you sort of, like, move some of those rocks, you'll get to the real door. I don't know, but I guess that's not true. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. But if you think about it, um, it explains why that Dharma logo was so weird. Yeah. You know, why? it was fake. It was, a, it, was a, question, it, was a, it was a Fogo. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Fogo on the, on the, uh, the thatch door. Fogo, but was it? That was my question. Like, was it a Fogo? Like, <laughs> the person who first came up with Finry is picking himself right now because of us. Oh, no. has gotten way out of hand. Yeah. So, so did that was my main question. Um, did who put that hatch door there? Hatch door there. Uh, probably Tom. The artist formerly known as Zeke. <laughs> right. Um, well, the question is, okay, that, we can get into this because we're talking about it. Who is, what is the whole idea behind this fake camp, this camp? Um, I don't understand uh, who are they trying to fool. Okay. We talked about this a lot in terms of when, when, we saw, when I thought there was two groups of others and this whole idea We've got, you know, all this evidence that, you know, these guys, these people are dressing up. Uh, well, did you want to, uh, did you want to get into this later with the others? Well, yeah, I mean, I figured we'd, like, cover, but it, it really does, like, they're directly related. We're looking at the others' camp. So yeah. Well, their camp, I should say. I'll plant this question in, in, our, in our minds, our collective minds. Um, why? why? To what purpose, to what are they doing this, and to whom are they trying to fool? Because the, the obviously the sensible reason to dress up is to fool someone. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's a level of personal fun you get from it, um, like Halloween. But uh, I think they're obviously sort of dressing up to fool people, and I guess it's the losties that they're fooling, although I still stick to my guns that I don't think you need to be fooling the losties. They don't know what's going on on this island. They're the least people you need to be worried about, I think. But apparently they're really adamant about, uh, well, we'll get this later, but they're really adamant about the, uh, the lossy staying put and not coming near them. And, and so, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with the fake hatch. I mean, I just talk about the hatch and not talk about the others. It is, um, yeah. 
But but I guess my question was like, you, do you think the others like put a fake hatch door there? It seems to go along with uh with with the with the fam. It seems like they put the fatch with the fam. Okay. <laughs> you put the fatch with the fam. Fatch and the fam. That's what you do. Okay. Okay. Because uh, I, I mean, I couldn't think of why Dharma would build a fake hatch door. Well, and that's the thing, and I think I said that before in last podcast that like all other hatch doors are very well hidden on the island, yet this one is easily visible from the beach. And, right. I, you know, I thought that was weird before, but, I, you know, I think I reconciled it was the fact that maybe this was the headquarters or something. Um, I don't know if Dharma did that, you know. I guess the question is if, you know, I could, if you want to say Dharma did it, you got to wonder if Zeke or I should say Tom and the gang are part of Dharma or not, because then they're the ones who did it. I think they're the ones that did it, and whether or not, you know, they're with Dharma is yet to be seen. But um, So I don't think it was a situation. I mean, it's sort of muddy, you know, muddled, which, uh, which you know, who, you know, Dharma obviously sort of came first. But, you know, if there was Dharma now, I don't know. But I don't think it was solely Dharma that did it. I think it was specifically this group of people, whether or not they are former Dharma people or current Dharma people. But I think it was Zeke and his, uh, Tom and his crew. Right. Uh, because they, go ahead. It's really an elaborate set. I mean, building a fake hatch door to pretend to guard, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's such an odd thing to do. Like, like I guess it, it's it's the same or related question to, like, why are they dressing up? Like, Yeah, oh, of course. And, and I think it's a really good question to ask, but, I mean, I, I, I don't have an answer for it. I mean, I, you know, there... I really don't have a plausible reason at all at this point. No idea. I was just going to say, um, you know, I – okay, I mean, we're on this. Let's uh, let's think about this. We've already talked about other crap for too long. True. Um, why long why put better. a – I know. Yay, for getting a record. Why put a fake hatch door there? I mean – I mean, I get, okay, we just, you know, anytime you want to sort of dissect things, you got to start with a list of assumptions. So let's just assume there's the full of the lofties, and that's their primary target. You know, I think maybe there's other people to fool or something else is going on that's not specifically with the lofties. But let's just assume it's them they're trying to fool. Yeah. What would be the benefit of uh, making them think you're, you know, quote, hillbillies or um, and and guarding this hatch. I mean, you see, remember when we were talking about when I was, you know, trying to come up with rant ideas why the two group theory was working. Yeah. And you know, you were saying, you know, if you make yourself look low tech and vulnerable, that can be an advantage. And I didn't really buy that, but of course there are, you know, I do concede that there's a couple instances where that's true. It could be an advantage, but. Um, but I think my theory still holds that if you really want people to stay away, you want to make yourself look bigger than you are, no matter how, even if you do outnumber them literally. Um, and it seems like they're, they're they don't, here's another John Kerry scenario. They're like, they look low tech, they don't, you know, they don't look like they're very well armed, they don't look like they're very strong, whatever, yet they've got this hatch. And they, they sort of, obviously show the hatch and they're guarding it like it's something, you know, something valuable is in there. And it's like that's another thing that would entice someone to come there. And it's like, okay, guys, what do you want? Do you want us to stay away or do you want us to come, you know, because it's like if you want to make people not come near your territory, um, you don't 
you know, sit on the beach guarding a hatch, you know, with two guns guarding a hatch. If they wanted to make that hatch, you know, you know, do you see what I'm getting at here? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like if they want to make it seem like nothing's going on and hide their operations, you know, put some rocks over that door or, you know, technically take the doors away because there's nothing there. Um, you know, it seems like they're, on one hand, enticing them to come, you know, especially with this hatch. I mean, who wouldn't be curious to know what's in this hatch? And, you know, and Michael, you know, of course he was lying, but he said, you know, he thought Mark was in the hatch. Um, so really, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why, uh, I don't know what the deal is with this hatch. I, it doesn't seem like the actions are consistent, um, that, that the, the others' actions are very consistent. I mean, like Kate said, um, she brought it up again, or she'd say only the second time she's ever really talked about it. You know, hey, Jack, you know, with the beards and the costumes, um, uh, what if they just want us to think they're hillbillies? And... And Kate, that's a good question, but it just doesn't make any sense. I just don't know why someone, why you'd want to do that. Why go through all that level? And then, and and here's a small related topic. Why was Tom wearing the beard? Did that really like sell the whole hillbilly factor? Oh God, I was gonna, I was gonna mention that as a trivial point. Like Henry comes up. I was gonna say this, but I think this is hilarious. Henry comes up and he's like. Where's your beard? <laughs> and he's like, uh, I think they know. And I'm like, wait a minute. If you take off the beard, now it's like, oh, oh, he's obviously not a hillbilly. Because none of the other hillbillies had beards. Yeah. Like, why do you have to have a beard? To, why does he have to wear a beard to be a hillbilly? Like, that makes well, no sense. I mean, just just to keep our podcast as factual as possible, there were other people with beards. There were I saw two guys with beards. No. Um, but I get, yeah, the, the, you know, I'm starting every, every episode makes me think, uh, I'm, I'm losing faith in our, in our creators, you know, back when you said, uh, you thought it seemed to be two groups of others because they sort of changed their ideas of what they wanted the others to be, and it really, you know, I didn't want to believe that because I want to believe that the people in control are masters of what they do and they would never sort of, you know, go down a path that they regret, um, but, you know, I just don't know, man. I don't know what, what the deal is with that beard and what was the whole point behind that. Having a beard is – I mean, it does sort of make him seem more – you know, it makes him less clean cut, obviously. It makes it seem more, you know, haggard and whatever. But it doesn't sell it. It doesn't like, oh, man, you know, if you see them without the – if you see – you know, if you first saw Zeke without the beard, you wouldn't go, well, he's anything but a hillbilly. Um, what could he be? You know, I don't know what the – rest of the outfit indicated hillbilly – like, yeah, it's like, uh, well, he's got me on the clothes, but the beard, there's no beard. What am I going to think? I don't know what it is, man. I don't know if they're just uh, confused on what they want to do or if it, if it's just bad writing or what, but uh, it was it was pretty crappy. And especially that line when he's like, where's your beard? I mean, uh, and then he's like, I think they know. Well, they obviously know because he's standing in front of them without the beard. And, and now he re- and now he really knows because he just asked him, right? Um, but anyway, back to what we were talking about with the with the thatch. Um, I don't. I just don't. I don't know why they would put the thatch there unless you want. <sighs> unless you want you want people to think that there's a hatch there, and that there's something important there. Maybe it's maybe it's a form of misdirection. Maybe. Um, 
I mean, it can only take you so far. You know, maybe they want people to say, okay, this is the point of interest, this this uh, FAMP with the fats. Um, um, but then, of course, when you get there, you sort of open the doors and you realize there's nothing there, so the sort of misdirection is very limited. Um, so maybe there's another hash somewhere that's important. Um, it seems weird that it seems like all of the others had abandoned that camp uh, to go and deal with the, the fellowship being uh, hijacked or arrested or whatever. Uh, it seems like they would have left one or two people there to whatever, at least the two guards maybe. Um, it, it just it seems like they don't have their act together. It seems like uh, there's some bad uh, organizational and management problems going on because um, uh, with the others. Uh, because they do, they they do some very inconsistent things. Um, I don't think they have their act together. But let, let me just say, they're no Dharma Initiative. Okay. It made me think of maternity leave, where you know the others had that medical hatch like fully occupied and operational. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like they go back. Uh, I don't know what was it. Two weeks later or whatever. Yeah. And it's uh, it's totally abandoned and cleaned out. And like I, w- I just had this thought, like they had that room in there that was supposed to be like the room for the baby or whatever. Yeah. Like, did they just leave because she left with the baby? Like, are we supposed to think that? Um, you know, I I was just gonna. I I think I I know what the others are now. I think I just figured it out. They are a roving band of actors, <laughs> and they go from uh, island location to island location, uh, doing different uh, different skits and different uh, different plays. Uh, no, I don't know, man. I don't know if we're supposed to believe. I think it, you brought up an interesting point that they sort of did the exact same thing. It seems to me that that you know we first well when we saw them in maternity leave, they were sort of pretending to be doctors and medical facility people, medical personnel. And then, then on the island, or on that, the north side of the beach there, these, you know, hillbilly people, I don't know what they're hiding or what they're, why they're pretending. I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming they did leave the medical hatch because of Claire was gone. Um, like they had nothing else to do there. Like their whole purpose in being there. Yeah. Was well, like, like I always thought that they had sort of, you know, occup- you know, sort of occupied that uh, that hatch. Like, uh, what do you call those people? Like squatters. They were just like squatting in that hatch. Yeah. You know. Um, so I'm that's right. Yeah. Um, I don't think they had much else to do there, man. Uh, I mean, if if Claire's baby is that important, like, shouldn't they do a little more to like get him? Like, damn. Um. Like, I'm confused on that whole thing, too, you know. Um, I, it seems to me that maybe that the reason they were really in the medical hash was to make Claire believe, you know, whatever. I mean, they could have drawn a picture of a medical hash and said, hey, Claire, you're in this right now, and she would have believed it. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm in that piece of paper you just drew on. Cool. Here's my baby. Um I, it seems it seems to be a world they created just for her, you know, sort of thing. But I, you yeah. know, who really knows? There's so much going on, man. I got to tell you, I'm losing faith that the writers can pull this together. There's so many disparate elements that um, I just don't think they can do it anymore. I mean, do you really think they can pull all this stuff together? There's so much right now. There's so much right now. It's ridiculous. 
I think they can do some of it, but I think they're going to be dangling, like, plot elements. Alright. I think maybe they can pull together, like, 75% of what's been shown. That's a lot. Yeah, maybe that's too high, but I like to think they can deal with a lot of it, and it'll just be, like, a few things, like, but what about that one time? Like, I feel like it'll be, there'll just be a few things that don't quite get, like, dealt with, but I feel like they'll try to explain, like, the the overall thing. I think they can do it, but my confidence that it's going to be good is not high. Well, okay, what do you think about the patch? I can't make any, I mean, I wrote down, like, what is, what's the deal with the, the patch, because I just... I obviously it's to fool people. You wouldn't guard a fake hatch just for your own personal amusement. True. Well, what, or would you? I, I don't. No, think I'm joking. I'm joking. Yes. Uh, you can't be doubting myself. Uh, so so they're doing it for other people, and this this dovetails with what I was going to say about the others when we finally talked about the others. So. Um, so I kind of want to leave it and maybe deal with the journey and then talk about the others some more. Uh, okay, okay. You think we can do that? I think we can. Yeah, sure. So, the journey. I have very little to say about the journey. One thing I want to bring up is um, the, uh, the, the big conference, the big reveal where, um, where they finally – you know, Jack finally sort of uh, threatens it out of Michael that, you know, he betrayed them and he killed uh, Alice and Livy and he let uh, Henry go. Mm-hmm. He, he coughs all that stuff in front of everybody. And, and, and Jack just, he, he just, he just sort of uh, gets it out of him, you know, quickly and then, like, the people like they barely react. Like that was that was a really shocking revelation, and I, I don't think anyone really got the chance to sort of deal with it like significantly. Yeah. And like the whole thing with Libby saying like Michael before she died like didn't come into play at all. Like, dude, come on, that'll be season five, please. <laughs> but I mean, what are they gonna do with it now? Like, people know. Like, you, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, like Hurley knows, and he's going back to the camp, so other people will know. So know that know that Michael killed them and let Henry go. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, what what's really the consequence of that? I mean, Michael's leaving apparently. Well, no, I understand, but it just it's just it, they made this whole thing where Michael was like this this mole that people didn't know. And, like, Libby leaves that clue, and they just did nothing with it. Like, they just have Jack, like, confront him, and he says, oh, yeah, it was me. And, like, that's it. Like, it just, it was very unceremonious, and, like, I, I don't know. I guess they felt like they just needed to get it out of the way, but it was very, like, Yeah, I think, it, like, I think it was because the audience already knew the truth, so there was no reason to sort of, uh, you know, develop it out for us, you know? It was just. The characters just needed to know that was it, so that's what they did. All right. I like that scene, though. I thought it was the uh, – I like that scene. He was like, why, Michael? Just tell him. Tell him what, Jack? Tell him. Tell him what, Jack? Tell him. You know? <laughs> and then he finally tells him, and then uh... 
He came um, in pretty I, easily, too. Like, I, I like the way it sort of evolved. I mean, it was, you know, it was a quick little scene, but I like the way it sort of, it, you know, it sort of dawns on everyone slowly what it really, because first, you know, the real revelation was, you know, uh, Michael's leading us into a trap, and then it was, wait, so you let Hurley go? I mean, you let Henry go? And then it was, wait, so you kill living in, you know, it was like this step-by-step thing. They were sort of realizing that one thing led to another. You know, it wasn't like, tell them that you kill Libby and Anne Lucy and you let Henry go and now you're leading us to a trap. It was like, tell them you're leading us to a trap. And then he sort of admitted that. And then everyone sort of, it sort of dawned on everyone the, what that really meant in terms of the last couple days, you know. So I liked how the scene played out. But they didn't um, really react to it, though. It just seemed very unrealistic. I guess that's like... Well, I mean, what are they? I mean, what are they really gonna do? What do you want them to do? Be a little upset? I don't know. I mean, they seem upset to me. Not to me. They seem to really barely care. Like, oh, really? Hmm. Okay. Let's move. Well, on. I think. I mean, technically, I mean, I mean, how much are they really attached to Anna Lou and Libby? You know, number one. Uh, I think the biggest thing was that you know Michael sort of betrayed them and leading them to a trap. Uh, I think Hurley's the only one who really cares that they, you know, I mean, obviously they care that two people died sort of, you know, who were innocent, but, you know, it's not like they lost a, a loved one or something, besides for Hurley, you know. Anyway, um, I'd like to back up and say and talk about before that little part of the journey. Um, I think it was before. Oh, no, it was after when when uh, when Kate opened fire on the two on the two others. Ah, um, well, first of all, before we go to that, I, I thought it was really ridiculous. I mean, between Jack and Locke, and, I mean, everyone on this show just does ridiculous stuff. Oh, my God. Anyway, like, Hurley was like, after after Michael confesses and everyone realizes what, what happened, um, Hurley's like, well, I'm going back. And Jack's like, no, you're not, which, of course, he's only saying that because the show needs him to be in the end. Because the other, you know, obviously, for obvious reasons, plot-wise. But he's like, no, you're not. And he's like, yes, I am. He's like, no, because if if you don't come, they'll kill us all. And I'm like, heck, what are you, what, from whose ass are you pulling that from? Like, what is that, what, where are you getting, like, they're going to, they could kill you all right now if they wanted to. I mean, if they wanted, you got, like, everyone in the camp dead. They would have done it already. He's like, They'll kill us all if you don't go. I mean, that's the that's the most ridiculous reason for for con- trying to convince someone to go somewhere. It's like Jack, you just you're just making that up. You have no basis that they're gonna kill us all. You know, I mean, because Hurley well, just could have said Hurley could have been like, but if we go, they're gonna kill us anyway. <laughs> like, you know, like that's right. just you know, it just you know, it was just ridiculous. I hated when he said that. If they want to kill us, like, it doesn't matter whether Hurley goes or not. Exactly. So, it, 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 that was really ridiculous. Because, like, he's just, he's presuming to just, like, to, he, he knows what they're going to do, I guess. Like, yeah, it, it's one of those things, you know, it's like when Locke says stuff, too. It's like, Locke, you're just making that up. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, the characters they on the show, they just sort of, like, say random things and they just believe it, you know. Like, like Charlie... Hey Claire, you should uh, inoculate the baby with this, uh, cause uh, I don't know. Like okay, but anyway, I hated that the, the the scene where they're they're sort of walking and um, 
Kate, Kate notices that two hostiles are following them. And, you know, instead of telling Jack or telling, you know, anyone else but Sawyer, she's like, okay, ready, go. And she's like, still shooting. Um, that was the most ridiculous thing I've seen in a while. I just can't believe, you know, I mean, I understand she, it was, it was sort of what Saeed did, you know, when, when he, you know, he told Jack Michael had been betrayed and he was like, oh, no, Jack, keep walking, you know, make it seem like nothing's wrong. I understand that, but in a situation with guns and people who can, you know, potentially shoot back at you, you would want to, like, somehow let other people know what's going on, right? It was so weird, you know. One would think, yeah. At least shout, get down, or, or um, you know, there are across the river or whatever, but, um, I, you know, I, every time, anytime there's a scene with Kate, I try to analyze it to see if it fits into her being a mole theory. And because uh, I, you know, it's a theory that, you know, I don't really believe, but I, I'm just trying to see if it'll pan out. And uh, it I seems think like. Mole, we find out by now. Well, I think um, to me, the fact that she sort of, you know, I, she's not a tracker. I mean, she claims to have skills or whatever, but I, I think if any, you know, there's other people who would have known they were being followed. And I feel like she. Like, if you want to believe she's a mole, then, then the reason, then I think that's the reason why she knew people were following her. Now, of course, that means she sort of killed one of her own people. If, in fact, that guy was dead, uh, which we really don't really know, um, he could have just, like, fell to the ground or something. Who knows? But um, I don't know. I just thought that was weird that she was the one who sort of, you know, found out that they were being followed, and then she's the one who decided to open fire. Um, also, if she was really a mole, why didn't she just let Henry go? Because. Why did Michael have to do it? Because. And, like, she's not being treated any differently by the others, either. I, I don't think there's any way she's a mole. I, I think they both. Well, she's not being treated differently. I mean, it's the same, it's the scenario, same thing when, like, you're undercover and, like, you know, um, you're undercover in the mob or in a drug ring and the police come and raid. I mean, the police aren't going to be like, Okay, Bob, you know, we're not going to handcuff you because you're one of us. No, I mean, Bob gets handcuffed, too, with everyone else and taken down. And, of course, it's when they get booked and all that stuff when he's let go. Um, so, I mean, I, she's not being treated any differently yet, but we'll see. I mean, I don't think I don't think she's an, a mole, but I don't, I don't think there's any clear-cut evidence that she's not yet. Um, why, you know, she didn't let Henry go – um, I don't know if she knows the combination to the safe. Um, you know, uh, Michael so, got it out pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, really the reason. I mean, if she is a mole, if she if she is a mole, the reason that you know, well, if you do something like that, the people are going to find that she's a mole. And you know, when you're a mole, you sort of want to stay undercover as long as possible. Uh, that's reason number two. Reason number one is that. Um, if she's a mole, I think the writers want to keep that under wraps for a while, you know. So anyway, enough talk about things neither one of us believes in. Um, I, just, I just think they would have, like, I just think they're done with the mole angle. I don't think they're going to do that again. I think we've had enough of that hole. They did it with Ethan. They did it with Michael. They did it with Goodwin. I think if they have KB a mole, they're just, like, running out of shit to do. Yeah, I mean, but Michael wasn't, Michael was barely a mole. I mean, that was like one episode. He wasn't really a mole so much as he was betraying them. You know what I mean? But anyway. Um, um, whatever. 
Um, so, is there anything else about the journey you want to mention? Um, oh, I did want to, it's a minor thing. Where are all those dolls coming from that, that quote, Rousseau is, 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 is uh, planting? And why dolls? I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it, that whole thing. And, um, Rousseau, these are all Alex's dolls. She had a lot of fucking dolls. She had a lot of dolls. And, oh, wait, uh, but why would Alex have dolls when Alex wasn't, was, like, just born? <laughs> Don't my theory. Alex was, like, just born or something, so she wouldn't she have, dolls. like, 20 dolls. Um, the bird, can we talk about the bird again? Because that was weird. Yeah. Um, okay, I don't remember the bird in season one. So what happened with the bird in season one? Well, I don't remember it either, but since Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse said it was there, I believe so. Oh. So uh, other people on the boards remember it, too. I think we've just forgotten about it. But it was supposedly there. I think it looked, like, a little different. Like, people say it looked, like, a little different. Um, wow. But, um, but that, you know, according to the creators, it's the same bird. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I mean, I guess in this idea that the island is cut off from uh, the rest of the world that, uh, you know, because it, it's sort of the Galapagos Island thing with Darwin, you know, Galapagos Island being apart from any other sort of closed landmass, and so you get these creatures who are, um, these animals who uh, evolved a little bit differently. Um, I think that's the idea behind Galapagos Island. So I, I can see how a, a weird bird like that might still be around. But that bird was weird, man. Ugh. It was like, I mean, the only green bird I've ever seen is like a like a parrot. And that did not look like a parrot. It didn't look like it had feathers. It looked like a reptilian bird. Yeah, it was weird. That that was fucked up. And, like, um, yeah. And it says Hurley. <laughs> yeah, it says Hurley, you know, and after Crafts of Gold or whatever he said. Yeah, but it really does. <laughs> At least according to the creators, it's really supposed to say Hurley. Oh, really? I mean, it does sound like it's saying Hurley. Yeah. Why? Why? Are they saying it says Hurley because it like, like it literally says it, or it says it in terms of the show that it says it? I know what you mean, and I don't know the answer. Is there? Did they imply that there's a meaning behind the fact that it says Hurley? They seem to suggest it was just a little like throwaway thing. Oh, okay. That that it was a reference to the fact that people thought it said Hurley the first time. They didn't intend it to be the first time, but they made it say it this time, and they had Hurley talk about it. Oh, okay. So it's so it's something that really doesn't add up to anything. I don't think it does. No, I think oh, okay. it's a little fun thing they did. But I think the existence of the bird is relevant to the show. Okay, really. Because it's an odd bird. I guess I would put it in the category with the polar bear. I feel like it has something to do with the zoology aspect of the Dharma initiative. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I just wonder if the bird has four toes. That's all I care about. <laughs> Are you done with the bird? I'm done with the bird. I'm done with the bird, the bird, the bird. All right. So further along the journey, um, they find the tubes. You already talked about that. And then, and here was here was my my moment of vindication, or when I felt like, like, Finally, now I feel like I'm at least, like, 90% chance of being correct about there being one group of others. Mm -hmm. The Whispers come back. 
The whispers come back, and I wrote that down in my notes because I really don't uh, know why they came back. I'm like, dudes, you guys should have left the whispers alone because now you're making it even worse. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, you dropped the whispers, and then you went into this whole other thing with the others, and now the whispers are back. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. The whispers appear, and then immediately the others attack and take them away. So... Mm -hmm. We have Whispers now tied with this one group of others that I believe is the only group. So I think now, ex- with the exception of the whole, like, not leaving footprints thing, we have, we have at least a supernatural element that's tied in with the others. Yeah. That we know. So I think, to me, that's, that's almost a final nail that there's just one group. Oh, no, I think there's just one group. I've already nailed that coffin shut and buried it. Um, oh, you're done with it. I'm ready um, to concede, like, there's a little bit they haven't dealt with. If if there's more, I'll, I'll exhume the coffin and add to it. But um, what I want to know is, is the whispers supposed to be supernatural? Or, I mean, is it is it just a sound effect that, like, if we were really on the island, what we would sort of hear is, you know, a realistic version of that. Like, it's just them sort of, you know, really whispering to each other. Or if we were there, would we hear this sort of supernatural whirling whisper sound that's coming from everywhere and nowhere at once? Like, I I really wanted – I really wish the creators – I mean, I don't know. I I haven't heard all the podcasts. But I really would like to know if if the whispers are specifically supposed to be supernatural or if it's just the fact that it's a show and that's the way they've – you know. It appears to be supernatural because of the way they've decided to depict the whispers. You know what I mean? Right. My my theory, obviously, since I said it, is that there that that there are some sort of weird supernatural thing, especially from the way like Danielle would describe them. Like, it, it wasn't like they were normal, just like people whispering. It's like there's something like there's something they have this like quality that. They're not just, like, ordinary whispers. And they're never, like, intelligible. I mean, it's always just, like, on top of each other. Like, it doesn't seem like a conversation. It seems like this, like, cacophony of whispers. To me, what I think the whispers are, if it's supernatural, is some sort of uh, telepathy. Some sort of um, Mm. uh, communication between the others that, for whatever reasons, at certain times, on telepaths can hear because I mean if you think about it when you're about to ambush someone I mean you know there is a certain level of communication that you would want to need in terms of when to go who to get you know who's going to get home you know and if you're not uh, you know if you don't have supernatural powers you know you would basically communicate with your fellow um, uh, attackers with you know hand signals or something non you know nonverbal um, but it seems to me that they you know I, my only idea with the whispers is because, like you said, they they sort of it's not like a conversation. It seems to be their thoughts, you know, or you know, several of communicating at the same time, sort of thing. Um, so that's what I'm going to go ahead and guess it is, is that uh, some or all of the others have telepathic abilities, uh, limited abilities, because obviously there's things that they don't seem to be able to know uh, that they should be able to know if they were like, you know real telepaths or could sort of read anyone's mind or something. Right. Um, but uh, to me, that's what it seems like. It seems it seems like what we're hearing is a group of people uh, sort of thinking or, or sort of talking in some sort of strange way. So I think, it, I think it may be something to do with telepathy. 
right. Why, and of course, why we can hear it, you know, is at certain times is, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just the proximity thing. You know, maybe when when they're close and they're all talking at once, it's sort of. Uh, any sort of non-telepathic person can sort of pick it up in a general, vague way like we hear. Right. What were you saying? That's not something you thought of? I hadn't even considered that. As a po- I couldn't come up with any reason the whispers would appear except that it's sort of creepy. Yeah. Um, but I, I would buy telepathy. Maybe it's like a certain type of telepathy that, you know, they can, like, communicate with each other, but they can't necessarily just read, like, random people. Yeah. I I seem to I I want to believe it's some sort of uh, it's like it's like most things it's sort of a learned skill you know it's like it's not like they're you know X Men or they're they're sort of you know mutants or anything like that it's just that they sort of learn this skill that that sort of you know has its limits and you can't just sort of like read someone else's mind but if someone else knows that skill you guys can communicate with each other and does that have anything to do with Walt and his ability? He um, showed some sort of telepathic ability. I remember there was a scene a long time ago where he touched Locke's arm and told him not to open the hatch. Mm-hmm. Of course, now we know how that came out. I, I don't know how big of a deal that was, but... Um, you don't know how what? How big of a deal that was. Like, like the fact that he opened the hatch, like, did it have really grave consequences? I mean, it doesn't seem like it did. Yeah, I mean, I could only, I mean, I think my first thought is he said that just because it sounded ominous, and my second thought is that um, he may not have necessarily known what was going to happen, but he had a sense that something bad could have happened. Yeah, okay. You know I mean? Yeah. I don't know if he if he can really, like, foresee the future or anything like that, but he sort of just may have intuited somehow that that's a bad place and something bad could happen from going down there. Right. And so it makes me wonder if, if, like, what they're cultivating from Waltz has anything to do with their possible telepathic ability. True. And, you know, like, like they, are we really, we're talking about the others. Um, yeah. You know, it was really weird how they said, uh, Henry said, you know, we, what did he say? I have, like, a list of quotes from Henry. Okay, it was the one about, uh, you know, because basically, you know, I think I said in the podcast that they would never give uh, Walt to uh, Walt to Michael. Like, I think I said they'll never do it, and then they did it. Even Just Henry to... said it. Yeah. Yeah, didn't he, didn't he say that? I'll never give you Walt. Oh, here's Walt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got something to mention about Henry and what he, what he said and did not say in the in the hatch. Remind me to bring that up. Um but uh, he mentions that they were very lucky by getting Walt, and it seemed like that they didn't they didn't it would be great to have Walt for longer, but whatever Walt helped them do in the short time he was there was very valuable. Um, what yeah. that could be, I don't know. Quote if you're interested. Please. Here's the exact quote. And I think the first part of this is interesting. A little less interesting, but worth mentioning also. Here's a full quote. I'm not happy with the arrangement that was made with you, Michael, but we got more than we bargained for when Walt joined us. Mm-hmm. Was that it? Yeah. Oh. And then, well, and then he says some more stuff, but that was, that was the part I, I quoted. Yeah. Um, 
because it just seems uh, important to note, I guess. And then he goes on to say that, you know, you honored your agreement, so we will honor ours, and, you know, gives him, gives Walt the boat, and, you know, gives gives Michael the boat with Walt on it and gives him directions. They're supposed to leave him out of there. But... This, so, so he says we got more than we bargained for when Walt joined us. Like, the, I have so many, like, when they took Walt, like, they had an expectation of how Walt would be already. And once they, like, took a good look at him or tested him or whatever, like, they realized, oh, he's more than we thought he would be. Like, is that, like, like they already had an expectation. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, they already had an expectation. That's the re. I mean, that's why they they got Wall in the first place. They they you know when and Tom was on the boat, at, you know, and when we first saw him as Zeke or whatever, he's like we were we were taking the boy. I mean, they were they were specifically out there, in my opinion, to get Walt. Um, it's it's been all about Walt, uh, and I don't know if it goes back to the prophecy that I've mentioned in terms of whatever you know the 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 map the. Um, the mural in the hatch, but uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know why they think Walt has powers or whatever they wanted him for. But it seems like it seems pretty clear that they did want him specifically. Um, and maybe now, maybe okay. I'll I'll sort of amend that and say maybe it's maybe they know there's a there. You know, they get all children because they know one of the children will be special, or maybe you know all of the children have certain powers on this island, or who knows what. But um, so it could be they sort of generally get all the children because they're looking for this one or or these special few, and that Walt just Walt happened to be greater than normal, or it was they wanted Walt specifically because they knew they were waiting on this one that was going to be great. So who knows which scenario? They're both sort of similar, but yeah, I had expectations uh, of uh, of what they were going to get with Walt. And I'm really surprised that they're willing to give him up, just like you are. And it makes me think that the reason they did it is more like a practical matter with the fact that Malcolm David Kelly is getting too old too fast and less like that's what the story should be. Because the way they built him up, it doesn't seem reasonable that they would just give him up like that. You know, I don't know. You know, I really thought when when uh, Henry was like, okay, Michael, there's your boat. And, like, you know, Michael gets on in and, like, Henry said something like uh, bar voyage or something. I really thought the boat was going to explode. I just, I just couldn't believe he was going to get the boat and leave with his son. Like, you know. Um, you know, I have to give it credit, though. I was saying, like, a month ago or so, like, I'd love to see just one time where the bad guys make a deal and the guy does it, and then they're just like, all right, here you go. You did ask for that? They did. Do, do the, does, does Carlton and Damon listen to our podcast? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess not since, like, these episodes were written a long time ago, but um, I like to think they do. And uh, I'd like to say, Damon, put your pants on. <laughs> and get out of that diaper. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it. I did. Um, I don't know. You know what I thought was weird, a very minor point, was that, you know, when, when Michael gets on the boat, uh, uh, oh, I love <laughs> Henry was like, okay, there's your boat. And Michael's like, I'm not stupid. Where's my son? He's like, uh, he's on the boat. <laughs> uh, maybe if you look. It's, yeah. But so this whole time Michael has been on the, on the, on the dock yelling and talking. And, and, and 
Walt is just sitting underneath that little shelf thing. That was really like, weird. And he just like sitting there doing nothing, waiting for his cue. <laughs> and then uh, he's like, "Oh, Dad!" It's like, don't didn't you hear your dad talking the whole time or something? I mean, I don't know. He didn't care. He didn't care. He was busy thinking about his comic books. Oh, it's just another day. Um, here under a shelf on a boat. Well, like, after my plane crashed, and my dad's there, and I haven't seen him for a long time, and some other mm-hmm. people there, they're being held hostage, and I'm just going to sit under this shelf. It's ridiculous. I, that, was, I, that was so strange. When he just crawled out from under there, it was it was, it was so bizarre. Like I, Yeah. I mean, why couldn't they have him, like, come from underneath? I mean, I don't know if there's a cabin down there, but, like, come have him come from the cabin or something. But not just, like, sitting on the deck, like, just hanging out until his cue, you know. It was so weird. Yeah. But um, really there's, a lot, there's a lot left to talk about. Uh, I was going to I was gonna ask. Um, there's tons to talk about. Oh, I feel sorry for people listening. I know. Sorry, guys. We're not even done yet. God, we're not even done yet. Um, what was I going to mention? Locke and his – I mean, Locke. There's something about Kelvin and Desmond and Walt and Locke that – those names are similar somehow. Anyway, uh, respectively in pairs. Um, you made me start doing the Kelvin Desmond thing. I'm like, what? Are you, you're how are you having that trouble? But then I started doing it. I it's something weird about Kelvin and Desmond. I think yeah. uh, they're the same. They're the same name. Um, I was gonna say that I don't know how much they could have taught Walt could have taught them because it doesn't seem like his powers are very. I mean, I don't know what his powers are. Number one. But they don't seem like they're that they're very developed because it seems like if he did have certain sort of powers that he would be sort of a a threat somehow, you know, like he would be, you know, I don't know. It seems like he just doesn't have any sort of real powers and uh, – not real powers, but that his powers are limited because, you know, it seems like if he could sort of appear whenever he wanted to that um, – he would have done that more often, and he would have done that, you know, when Michael was – when he saw that Michael was looking for him and stuff. I agree. I agree. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That whole appearing, like, thing, I, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to make of – like, I really wanted Michael to say – I know maybe it wasn't realistic, but I wanted to say, like, was that you on the computer? Like, <laughs> yeah. Because I really want to know what the deal was with that computer communication. Like, was that Walt? And if so, how? Uh, and if not, who was it? I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm quite curious about that. I think I think we'll find out the computer thing because I I mean maybe not maybe we won't but I feel like we're going to see the place where Walt was tested. Uh, we're going to see where the others really sort of live and uh, where they work and do whatever they're doing. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll find the room or something where Walt was and we'll see that he had access to a computer or something. And Or maybe we'll even get a flashback where we actually see him communicating. Um, it's weird. It's, I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm literally on the fence. Not literally. <laughs> 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 I'm really on the fence from a fence. Um, I'm on the fence about whether that was Walt or not. I think it could go either way. I think uh, it seemed like it was Walt, but it also seemed like it wasn't. So I don't know. Don't know if that was Walt on the computer or not. 
I tend to believe that actually, no, I don't know whether it was Wild or not, but I feel like either way, the others knew about it. Definitely. I feel like they I feel like they knew about it. Uh, that's definitely true. That's the only theory I have. But whether or not it was actually well, like I really don't know. I really don't know. Um and like where could the computer have been? I mean I guess he could have been in some other well, at the end Henry says I have a couple of other Henry quotes, but Please. at the at the end Henry says, uh, your friends are coming home with us. Yeah. So so I believe you're right. We are going we are going to finally in season three see where the others really live. Mm-hmm. When they're when they're not in the fam and they're not squatting in a hatch. Like, yeah. We'll see their real home. Like how are they gonna get there? Question number one. Well, you know, it just dawned on me that without their boat, because I was thinking that, you know, maybe they would go to the barracks, but I sort of think that's where Michael's going to end up. Um, and without the boat, I think I think their real home has to be on the island. I guess. I think I think there's going to be a hatch on the island uh, where it'll be it'll be one that has uh, that that's where they are. It'll be some hatch somewhere. Um. Presumably the flame, maybe. I don't know. It's the only hatch on the map that we haven't seen. That's true. That's um, true. So I always tended to think they weren't on the island. And, mm-hmm. like, when I saw the camp, I was really shocked. I'm like, they, they, they really just live, like, at a camp on the beach? But now that we know that that's a camp, I mean, mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh, okay, maybe they really don't live on the island. But then I'm like, how are they going to get there if they don't live on the island? Exactly. So, uh, so you're right. It does seem like they must just live somewhere on the island, um, and maybe it is just a hatch. But somehow, I, I, I feel like it's going to be some crazy place. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just going to be like an, another hatch. I don't know. It could be another. I mean, they could have another boat. Who knows? I mean, I, I'm, I'm wondering right now. How do they get gasoline for the boat? Like, I mean, there's so I many. I thought of that. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, like, Michael didn't even ask how much gas the boat – I mean, he could have right. enough gas to get a mile out and be like, well, okay, we'll drift back in with the tide, with the current. <laughs> Isn't the boat's, like, worthless? Yeah, yeah. No, no no worries about gas at all, really, even though, like, there shouldn't be, like, an unlimited supply of gas. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, Henry, Henry, you know, uses words very wisely when he's – using them wisely, not when he's claiming he's a dead black man. Um, and God but, can't see the island. Yeah, even God can see the island. God can't uh, see the island, but Brazilians can. Yes. Um, what does that mean? It's a reference to the ending. Oh, was that was that Por- that wasn't Portuguese? It was Portuguese. Yeah. Was it? Yep. Why were they in like in on? Well, I think that's relevant to the plot. That was weird. You, I guess you know it's Portuguese. Um, the, I, he, I just and Lindelof said it was Portuguese. Was it? You, if you listen closely, you can hear, like, pseudo-Spanish words, like amigo, and uh, I think I heard, like, como in there, K or something like that. Like, it's, it's, it's a, to me, Portuguese sits between Spanish and uh, French. And yeah. if you listen closely, you can you can hear it. Yeah, no, I you know the, for whatever reason, I thought it, I thought it was Russian. A lot of me crazy. They looked Russian. I thought it was. Didn't he say like uh, Dostoevsky at one point? I thought he said that. Um, 
I heard Ruble. I heard Ruble. But anyway, who cares? We're not talking about that yet. They're speaking the kind of Portuguese that's spoken in Brazil. Cool. Um, <laughs> try, try to care less, please. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm really trying. What was I talking about? I was making a valid point. Oh, uh, oh, you were talking about how Henry chooses words carefully. Oh, yeah, and he says, you know, Michael, you go from this heading, 335, whatever, and you'll be rescued. And I'm just thinking, that's just so not true. Like, I just, like, yeah, you'll be rescued, all right, by a typhoon or something, like, by a great white shark that'll eat you. Maybe that monsoon season that we've been hearing so much about will finally start. Yeah, aren't your, your ideas are coming to pass, slowly but surely. Um... <laughs> We should, yeah, one of us should write in into, uh, or one of our listeners should write in to the, to Carlton and Damon uh, and ask them, uh, when is monsoon season going to really start? Because uh, it's been a while and it's been uh, less than monsoon, so. Right, yeah. I think their answer would be, like, he was a physics teacher, he was wrong. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so what else are we talking about here? There's a lot going on with that whole scene. Uh, can we quickly mention... Because we had already talked about the, the fail safe, that uh, that Claire is the only one that we, you know, I mean, I know we only can see so much of what's going on on the island, but she's the only one in this episode who mentions the the bright light in the sky and the sound. And I love how uh, Henry, or should I say Finley, and, uh, and uh, Zeke, or should I say Feek, no, sorry, he's not a, he's not a fake Zeke, um, how everyone on the everyone on the dock, like nobody mentions light in the sound. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't care if you're the biggest bad guy in the world or whatever your agenda is. You you the sky just turned a weird color and everything just glue or, or should they glowed. And um, I don't know what glue means. And uh and then there was a weird like deafening sound and you're just gonna continue your conversation as normal? Right. I actually thought um, that Henry knew what was going on. Now, this is one of those things where I only think this because of how they shot it. Um, But in the scene where they cut to the people on the dock, uh, they showed everyone else in the beginning, there's sort of two shots of that, like with Henry in it kind of. The first shot with Henry in it, everyone else has like is covering their ears and grimacing. He's looking off into sort of the distance in the sky with this look on his face like like he knows what's going on and he does not cover his ears at, at least at first. And I saw that and I was like, Wow, he, he knows what that is. That's why he's not like, you know, confused or he's not covering his ears or, you know, whatever. He's just sort of I I don't know, I got the feeling he knew what was going on. And then when we cut back to him, he's taking his hands off his ears. So at one point, he obviously did sort of cover his ears. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this on my list of theories that I half believe that uh, that either he's seen that before, which I don't really believe because I don't think the Feltex has been used before. But I feel like he sort of knew what caused that. Uh, there's just this look in his face, but he's, it, it seemed familiar to him. So whether he's seen it before or he just sort of knew for whatever reason, why that, uh, why, the, you know, the sound and the and the, and the the light and crap. What do you think? Did you get that at all? Everyone there knew because, like, no one was like, hey, um, that doesn't happen normally. 
what the fuck was that? Yeah. Nobody, no one mentioned, no one mentioned it uh, at all. I just thought it was weird that right when the sound happens, everyone puts their hands to their ears but Henry. Uh, so, I mean, they could just pass to his ears, like, eventually. He did, eventually. No, eventually he did. But in the beginning, he sort of he sort of turns around as if he's, like, I don't know, it just seemed like he knew. He's one of those actors, though, that he's, he gives you those looks, and you don't know yeah. what it means. He really does. And, yeah, I've read a lot of people interpret it that way. And I, I wonder how that correlates with that uh, thing he had with Locke where he told him he didn't push the button. And... Mm-hmm. You know, seeming to want to convince Locke not to push the button. Of course, not pushing the button didn't cause that. It was the failsafe that caused that. Yeah. Um, But it makes you wonder how much he knew about what was going to happen in those, you know, instances. Yeah. Well, now it makes me – oh, go ahead. (laughs) Just a little – if he did know, um, if he did know, two questions. Why did he know? And two, why would he want the button not to be pushed? Well, there's a whole, there's a lot. That's a, that's a loaded question because uh, I don't know what he really knows about the button. I mean, I'm I'm inclined to think that he really thinks the button doesn't do anything, um, or or he, he wants a lot. Sorry. No, I mean I don't know. I I mean I think my original theory was he was telling Locke not to press the button so that you know Locke would sort of vacate the the hash or something, um, maybe, um, I mean, for all we know, maybe Henry was looking for, looking for the failsafe, or he wanted to see if Locke knew about the failsafe, or, you know, I don't know what, what the deal with that was. Uh, I mean, because uh, the reason that the, to say don't press the button is to basically say leave the hatch. I mean, I mean, obviously, the, on the other hand, why would you leave the hatch? It's such a nice place, and it's got furniture, and running water and shit, you know, who would really want to leave it? Ping pong table. And a ping pong table. Uh, And books to read. Uh, And and music to play. Thank you. Uh, So who knows? But uh, I don't know if he, like I said, it's just a theory that maybe he sort of knew what had caused that. But it it makes me want to go back to my idea of what the failsafe did. And I'm thinking, what's the difference between the failsafe and letting the the uh, magnet build up. I mean, it seems right. like either way, energy is going to be released. You think? Uh, I do think. But who knows? Uh, maybe there's a slight difference, and maybe the failsafe sort of um, dis- like dis- dissipates all the energy there, whereas uh, if you let it build up when you don't press the button, it sort of, uh, you know, the, it's the building up that causes damage, not the release of energy. Right. You know, as the magnet inc- increases in power, that's what's causing damage because it's drawing thing near, drawing stuff towards it. Right. Who knows, I, though? I would think that if not pushing the button did the same thing as a failsafe, then the failsafe wouldn't be a failsafe. Yeah, no, I don't think it would do the same thing either. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, maybe it's that. Maybe somehow, I, I really, like, I don't know anything about um, magnetism um, or electromagnetism, um, so you know I can only like have have some sort of pseudo understanding of what's going on. Um, yeah, and I don't think we're really expected to have more than that because like 
you know, I don't think the writers have that much more than a pseudo-understanding of mm-hmm. those topics. So um, I guess it would be reasonable to believe something like that, that, like, it l- somehow lets it all go. Um, but, like, they thought they thought that the charge was – or they thought that the magnetic area was interesting to study, so they didn't want to just kill it. But somehow the fail-safe just kills it. And, yeah. like, after that it's, like, worthless. Yeah. Well, like, if it's that dangerous, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I okay, th- th- that's a possibility that that I that I think you know has a decent chance of being almost correct. Yeah, I uh, I think that too because uh, I think I thought of it. Um, hello. So uh, yeah, but anyway. So yeah, I just thought it was weird to have no one. Uh, I mean, not really weird because it is a TV show, but. This huge light gets in the sky, and then, of course, there's the sound, and, like, no one sort of says anything. And and uh, even the Lofties just sort of, uh, you know, Look I mean, I guess they were, they were busy <laughs> uh, being held captive and about to die or something. Uh, can we talk about that look Jack and Kate gave each other? Uh, that That's one of those looks that, that like, uh, the 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 stars of like action movies give each other right before they like burst through their uh, their chains and like kick butt karate style. You know what I mean? It's like right. you ready? You ready for what we planned? Okay, go! And like they both jump up and like you know do judo and crap. I didn't know what to expect, and of course they didn't really do anything. No, but it makes me think, which I'm glad because this is something that. Uh, they do in movies and stuff, and I think they do this on Lost a lot, where, you know, there's 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 what the character's going to do, and then there's what the audience knows the character's going to do, which is sort of, you know, it's usually different from what other characters know that character's going to do. And then there's that, like, third thing that's, like, the backup plan that, you know, neither the audience nor anyone else sort of knew. And uh, I think that's what that look was about. They had sort of... Um, plan to do something or or maybe everything was going as planned, uh, which is what that look was confirming. Uh, so I don't know. What did you I think read that look Sawyer Scal as like, I hate you both. Yeah. I, yeah, basically I read it as like, you guys got something and you didn't like filming in or something, you know. Yeah. Again, he scowled like a lot of this episode. I yeah. wrote... So your scowl enough already. Yeah, yeah. He's got this like stock scowl. Like he, I've seen him do it a while before. And it's just like I guess like if it's like okay, Sawyer, in this scene you're angry, and he just has this like standard face to make. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I really got sick of it, but um, I agree. It did seem like you know. All right, here we go. Oh damn the hoods. Well, I guess we're foiled. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if you didn't put the hoods on, they would they would have busted out of those chains in a second and like kicked butt and like you know formed into like Voltron or something. I don't know. <laughs> this oh God. Eighties reference for all you fans. So let me throw let me just throw a couple things at the wall and see what sticks. All right. Um, I want to mention the term that Calvin and Desmond used for the others, the hostiles. Love it. Um, I find that really interesting. Um, uh, oh, wait. There's like five more things you got to talk about in terms of that doc scene. Crap. No, we're not done with the doc scene. I'm just like throwing okay. this out there as okay. an others-related thing. Okay. 
Yeah, we'll we'll come back to the dog, but I just I have this list of other topics, and I'm just trying to like get through. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where to put this, so I guess I should have said it earlier, but um, I just want to mention this term because of what it suggests. Okay. Um, at some point, someone in the hatch had contact with the others. Yes. And came up with this name for them, the hostiles. Leads me to believe the contact was less than friendly. Yes. Right? It also suggests to me that the others are not affiliated with Dharma directly. That's a good observation. Could be a jump. They, they could have... They could have been part of Dharma a while ago, and then they quit, formed their own faction on the island, and Dharma continued to send people, and then they became the group known as the Hostiles, mm -hmm. I suppose. But I, I feel like it indicates a separation. At least that was my first thought. True. And I just want to quickly interject that um, if, if it is an experiment or whatever, then uh, whoever's in the hatch really won't, wouldn't know who's in charge of Dharma. I mean, I... I'm just guessing, but, you know, they really wouldn't know who's, who's with Dharma or not, especially if they're not in uniform, so who knows. But I do, yeah. I agree, I, I think it's that, I think, I think I'll go with that theory, that they were part of Dharma, um, and they sort of left. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know. It, it seems to make sense, but, I mean, there was stuff pre-Dharma and I feel like they could be, like, like pre-Dharma people. Mm -hmm. I think that's a distinct possibility. And if they were hostile to Dharma's activity and they became known as the hostiles, mm -hmm. okay. and if they have their own thing that they do, whatever that is. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I, I thought it was interesting to have a different name for the others. Yeah. Well, I thought it was uh, – I thought it made sense just in terms of the, you know um, – I don't know what word to use. Uh, just the fact that you know Desmond wouldn't necessarily think to call them others, and I, and actually, if Desmond had called them others, we'd be talking about how implausible it is that they would two different groups of people would use the same name. Uh, <laughs> so I thought on one level it was just good that they had a different name. Plus, I think what the name implies, uh, you know, um, the fact that they were hostile towards you know at least towards Desmond and. Uh, and Calvin, or or maybe just Calvin and Rosinski, or maybe just Rosinski, or whoever starts the name. <laughs> you never know. You never know where it's going to end. Right. Or, Somewhere at some point, they must have been hostile, or they wouldn't get that name. Yeah. So. And, and how does, um, now, you, you, you're the quote master. You have all these quotes for whatever reason. Uh, well, I mean, another reason. Because uh, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> Why are you writing down these quotes? Um, what did what was Desmond? What, what did Desmond say when he when he mentioned the hostels? Uh, which time? Yes. <laughs> because I'm wondering, I'm wondering if he ever saw the hostels. I mean, obviously, we didn't ever see him see them. Um. So I'm wondering if I'm trying to. Rem I can't remember what he, what exactly he said about them. So I don't. I'm trying to see if he said anything to lead us to believe that he had that he had contact with them. Okay, here's the first contact. It's a it's a Saeed Desmond conversation. It's when Saeed's trying to get the boat. Uh -huh. He says, "I need your boat." 
Desmond says, I wouldn't waste your time. There's nothing out there, pal. Saeed says, I'm not going out there. I need to get to the north shore of the island, and quickly. And Desmond says, going to see the hostels, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that, that was interesting because that means he knows where they are. Like, like it's just sort of known that that's where the hostels are, which, which I guess we have to believe, like, like I said before, that they were dressing up like that pre-Lofties. Absolutely. You know, which means that they're not just dressing up for the Lofties. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. I actually think that they're dressing up for anyone who isn't them. Okay. That, that's my current theory. But how many people could up. there be? I mean, there shouldn't be that many people on the island. Well, before, before this, it was like Dharma people. And, you know, before that, uh, I guess anyone who crashed there. Well, but it, they couldn't be dressing up just for Dharma people because they had a fake Dharma hatch with a Dharma logo, and Dharma people would know that that's not one of their hatches. Right? So you would you wouldn't be able to fool Dharma people into at least at least in the idea of the hash or I should say the fash, because Dharma people would know, hey, that's not one of our one of our one of our hatches. Well, you've just poked a hole in their brilliant plan. Um, <laughs> hey guys, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I mean maybe the, the fake hat, maybe the fash is a new thing, but I feel like they've been dressing up for a while, like way before the Lockies are there. Agree, I agreed. I agree. Um, maybe they've done, like, some things for the Lostie specifically, but, like, this whole idea of pretending, it, yeah, it didn't originate with them. I think that's pretty clear. Um, here's the next use of the term. Um, it's, a, it's a Desmond Calvin conversation, and they're talking about uh, – it's, it's the one where Desmond uh, is asking to go out. Well, he says as much. Anyway, here we go. Um, he says, uh, let's see, uh, 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 Kelvin says, see that brown stain there? That's Rizinski. He put a shotgun in his mouth while I was asleep. The bitch of it was I only had 108 minutes to bury the poor bastard. Desmond says, well, if you don't want me to go crazy, next time let me go out. And then Kelvin says, well, you want to go out there with the quarantine and the hostels? Nice. So that's that's the context of the next. So we can go ahead and and I think we can go ahead and assume that uh, Kelvin Kelvin basically told Desmond there's hostels and they live on the North Shore. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, and that, uh, that he or someone he knew had contact with them. Yeah, and it seems like Desmond uh, never really left the hatch actually. Um, well, Except that one time when he went to kill... Uh, yeah, I mean, except that one time when he killed uh, Kelvin. Um, and he wouldn't actually have much time to leave because uh, the 108 minutes. Plus, it, I think I think it was only like, it was like three days since he killed, that he killed him that they got into the hatch, right? Now, it must have been longer than that. Because... Well, no, because... because um, Basically, he kills Kelvin. He goes, runs back. He presses the button, you know, because the thing's building up. And um, wait, wait, when he killed Kelvin, the plane crashed. Yeah. There's, there's the pilot. All right. Oh, okay. So when he ran back in the place, that's the beginning of you know when he was stuck there by himself. 
Well, oh, okay. What I mean, well, there was that scene when he was about to. I don't know what he was gonna do. Was he gonna shoot himself? He was all depressed. And uh, and that's when Locke. Oh, we gotta talk about that. Yeah. That's when Locke uh, banged on the thing, and then I think it was three days after that that he got in, right? I guess yeah. I got this uh, this three day thing in my head from when Locke was banging on the door. Yeah, he banged on the door, and then shortly after that was the season one finale. I don't remember. So, so days. he was he was by himself pressing the button for like forty something days, or not yeah. forty something, like twenty something days. It was all of season one. Yeah, he was pressed. Okay, so it was a lot. Because I remember in the early in the podcast, I, I I said it was only a couple days, but it was yeah, like it was like, yeah, you did, but it was only twenty something. So, okay, so. Yeah, so the, when I said earlier about him being by himself pressing the button, now it's relevant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, uh, so where, where are we going with this? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I, well, the whole thing with the hostels, I think, I think, I, I don't really know what else to make of it, but I think it's just another sort of interesting component of the other's relationship with, People who are not themselves on the island. Yeah. Well, I love when when uh, when Michael says, "Who are you, people?" And I'm glad he said that because uh, it was you know it, it bears asking again. That's what um, I would and he, call the David Lynch moment. Yeah, and he says, "We're the good guys," which you know they sort of said before, but I was just thinking that implies that they're bad guys out there. Who who are the bad guys is what I want to know. I mean, if if, right. if you if the others are the good guys, who are the bad guys? Is Dharma the bad guys? You know, um, I feel like they think anyone who's not with them, you know, is is are bad guys. Uh, but the, would you say we're the good guys when you? I mean, you're standing in front of other people who aren't with you. Um, I mean, that's basically saying we're not you. We're not you people. Like, you know what I mean? They feel that their aims are good and other people's are not. I feel like they think they're morally superior to everyone else. No, I agree. Um, I just – I feel like they're specifically bad guys. I think I think there's like the good guys, which they think is them. Bad guys who uh, I just want to assume are trying to stop them in some sort of way. And then there's sort of neutral people like maybe Rousseau and the Losties, who, you know, they're not they're not trying to stop the others, but they sort of get in the way or you know or whatever. Right. Uh, but you know, it could go either way. I don't know. It just seems when you know when he says we're the good guys, it sort of implies that there are another group of people who are the bad guys. Because if I don't know if 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 it's everyone in the world versus you, I mean, do you really consider yourself the good guys? You know what I mean? Like it seems like you would qualify yourself as something else. Anyway, I don't know. Mincing words there. Um. Yeah. I. I, I am also glad he asked that question. I think that was a question that, like, needs to be asked, like, more. And, and I'm disappointed he didn't press the issue. I yeah. guess if it were a David Lynch movie, he just would have laughed. At least he said yeah. we're the good guys. Yeah. But, like, I, so I that's guess it's such an unsatisfactory answer at this point. Good question. Mm-hmm. Is Henry him? 
That is exactly what I was going to bring up. Um, a lot of people on the boards there have interpreted. He's obviously a leader, a leader yeah. of some sort. He, he comes on the dock and just takes charge of everything. Yep. He, he, talks to, he talks to Zeke, uh, a.k.a. Tom, um, as, as though he's, a, he's, an, he's an underling. Yeah. So, so he is a leader. Is he him, though? I mean, that's your question, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say no. Okay. It's not him. I think he is a leader. He is, he is definitely higher up, higher up than Tom, Zeke, and uh, he's important, but he's not him. He's just like, you know, maybe like a – like a vice president or something, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's up there, but, but not the big guy. Cause I feel like we have yet to see him and that, and once they reveal him, I think we'll know it's him. I don't think they'll just show us him and then just not tell us for a while. And then somebody will be like, Hey, are you him? He'll be like, yeah. Like, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm, I like to think that he is him because, um, Basically, it's it's like a it's like one of those reveals where it's like we we knew we we they showed us him for a very long time and we just had no idea that, that was him because you know Locke or whoever was talking to Henry was was uh, uh, you know when 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 Henry was like oh no he's a great man and Zeke is an underling he he's nobody you know um, I mean it can go either way obviously but he. To me, you could think of it that he was talking about himself, like, you know, uh, I'm above Zeke because I'm the one in charge of this whole thing. Now, the real roadblock in that theory for me of Henry being him is that uh, why why did he get captured? And uh, I'd like to think that him, uh, him, that him, that's weird grammar there, I'd like to think that him uh, is is sort of above getting getting caught in Russo's trap, as it were, him and, and uh, him in quotes. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what I really think. I, 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 for right now, I'm gonna go ahead. I mean, I like to think that him is someone bigger than Henry, but um, I could see, I could see him being Henry too. I could see them doing that, especially if they are sort of gonna start going into a different direction in terms of the island and stuff. Uh, then they're going to have to sort of wrap up this whole others Dharma thing pretty soon. So um, I could see I could see Henry being him. I think there's a decent chance we'll meet him when we go to the others' home. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a reasonable place to meet him. I feel like if it was him, I feel like they'd make something of it. I mean, they've already like built up this idea of him. Um, and I feel like they would at least maybe maybe that's ridiculous because they they do like not address things sometimes. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. They still have time to address the fact that that's him. You know, uh, I mean if it, if it's him, they still still have time to make a deal out of it. Yeah, know? they do. I mean, it just depends on what they want. I mean, if they want us to think it's not him, then I mean basically I want I wonder what the general consensus is, and then I I sort of think the real answer is opposite of that. You know, mm-hmm. um, because if if they want us to think Henry's him, I mean, if they don't want us to think Henry's him, then they can sort of reveal it later, and we can be like, oh, wow, it was him. 
you know, so I don't, I don't really know what most people think. Um, but they have, either way, they have time to make it clear, so. They showed him as a leader. I don't know that they really made a concrete, like, declaration one way or the other about him being him. Oh, yeah, no, I don't think they made it concrete either way. Um, but some people are interpreting that scene as being, he's him, no question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think it's true, and like I said, I just I feel like the reveal of him is going to be a bigger thing. It's going to be some crazy character, you know. Some people be, said Hanzo. I don't think Hanzo because I, now I feel like the others are not tied in with the Dharma yeah. Hanzo group. Yeah, I think I think him and Kate. <laughs> now wouldn't that be a twist? <laughs> <laughs> oh, him God. and her. Okay. Um, Good thing her and Jack didn't sleep together. Yeah. Him is, uh, you don't want to know what's below the belt there, Jackie. Um, <laughs> little uh, crying game action. Yeah. Oh, Speaking of criers, uh, Locke is pathetic as shit. I love how he walks in, he goes, Echo, he pulls up his, you know, his bootstraps and uh, grabs his, you know, I feel like he's like a cowboy walking in there. Now, Echo... You're not going to press that button, you know, and he's, you know, grabs his gun. He's just ready to shoot Echo. And, I'm uh, going to say it two times. Yeah, I'm only going to say it once. You ain't pressing this button. You hear me, <laughs> partner? And Echo's like, I is going to press it. And yeah. then, and he's like, no, you're not, because I'm going to destroy it. <laughs> like, Echo's like, get the fuck out of here. And he, he just, like, hits him and pushes him down like an old man. And then, oh man, I mean, look at Locke, and look at, Locke is this, is this old, like, aging, like, sort of out of shape, like, maybe a little bit in shape, but, like, pretty weak, like, guy, and Echo's this huge, like, muffled, like, true, but still, but the way he did it was so laughable, and then, in the next scene, we get Echo, I mean, we get Locke crying, and then, and then, Charlie goes, what happened to your face? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and you know what? I really thought, it, I don't know how close you watched that scene, but I really think Charlie was being an ass. He, he seemed almost demonic in that scene, the, what, what he was saying and how he was I saying it. Too. Did you? I it was I very, Charlie was acting strangely. It was very weird the way he said, you know, he was like, what happened to your face? And like, you know, and then he's like, well... I bet your 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 old friend Desmond might you know, he was he was like uh being very uh, manipulative, you know, in a very strange way. I'm like, Charlie, what do you have to gain by treating Locke like that? You know, I didn't understand that. But he, he was being very weird in that scene. Yeah. He he was. He 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 the way he delivered the like what he's saying wasn't that crazy. Mm-hmm. But like it was, it was the way he delivered the lines that was that was just, yeah. it was it was very unfriendly and like weirdly creepy and like it just seemed like he I I didn't really know how to read it but it just didn't seem like a normal exchange. Yeah, it seemed like he was like happy that Locke was upset and crying. It seemed like he even knew why. Like he sort of knew Echo did it or something. I don't know. And uh uh, and then it seemed like he blamed him for not being at the funeral because he was like, oh, yeah, that's right. You didn't see the revelation at the funeral. You know, it was right. really weird. And then, like, he, he, he throughout that whole thing, he he does that evil smile. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, you're old pal Desmond. And he sort of smiles. And then he, 
he does that thing towards the end where he like says something and then look waits for Locke's reaction to it which is a big, like, evil thing to do, you know, just to see if, like, what he said hurt him or something. Right. And, um, and Shines is just weird throughout this whole episode, like, you know, when, d- during the lockdown, when uh, Desmond creates a lockdown so that Echo can't get in, uh, Echo's like, Charlie, tell me how they blew, how they blew the hatch open. And Charlie's like, okay, I'll show you, come along. And he gives him the dynamite, and then he's like, oh, no, wait, maybe you shouldn't use it. And it's like, Charlie, what did you think he was going to do with the dynamite? Like, you know, he goes from, yeah, here's the dynamite, let's go blow it up, to, oh, no, maybe we shouldn't blow it up. It was really weird how he flip-flopped on that. And then, and then I was thinking, Echo, what are you doing? What do you think blowing up the blast door is going to do? First of all, the blast door. Second of all, yeah. if it's big enough to blow open the door, you're most likely going to destroy the computer and some, you know, stuff in the room, plus maybe kill people. Right. Like, like you've got to be insane to think that that's the best course of action. Those are really bad plans. That couldn't be changed. Uh, yeah. I. Yeah, well, I'll, okay, blast doors are blocking my way. What should I do? <laughs> And 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 the scene where they, where he lights the dynamite is so ridiculous. Like they didn't feel it, so he just like lights dynamite and then goes around the corner. Like and then he he's like seriously like wounded by this dynamite blast. Like, <laughs> I, don't want, I think he underestimated like the blast, and he underestimated and he didn't take into account. Charlie said they're in a very enclosed environment, so the flame and the explosion is just going to sort of funnel down the corridor. Um, yeah, he just he he wasn't uh, he's not an explosive expert. I just got I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I expect Echo to think of something better, but that was just that was just so ridiculous. Like, yeah, I guess he was desperate or whatever. But oh man, and like now that we know like what happens when you don't press a button and the whole outcome of that, like all those dreams and stuff that he was having, like I, I really don't know what to make of that stuff, like. It's like, is that going to be, like, a disastrous event? Like, I don't think so. What dreams? The dreams Echo had where, like, you know, his brother was like, you have to press the button. It's the most important thing ever. Oh. Dude, I don't even know what to make of that, you know. Um, I thought it was weird. I guess this sort of changing topics a little bit. Like, Desmond knew what happens when you don't press the button. He already knew that. He was already, like, convinced that you have to press the button, yet he sort of lost his conviction. And then, like, it's a weird flip-flopping thing. Like, he saw what happens when you press the button, when you don't press the button, right? Obviously, he saw it. Yet, Locke says, oh, nothing happens. And he goes, oh, okay, let's not press it and see. Right. He already knew. He had already been through that. I don't understand why he didn't tell Locke. Like, I've already been through this. Like, like it, it, it's going to cause some havoc, you know. Now, obviously, he didn't realize it until later that that's why the plane came down. But he knew something was going to happen. Yet he didn't even try to explain that to Locke. I thought it was really weird. Like, he goes back. It's the same thing with uh, with uh, Kelvin. He goes back and forth on, on, the, on the button issue. You know, it's yeah. like it does something no it doesn't do something then he's like then he's convinced it does something because he sees it do something and he somehow loses his faith and he doesn't care anymore and then uh and then he gets it back again it's just so weird 
Right. Oh God. Who knows? Yeah, I uh, I agree. That's a good point, um, and I have it here written down, but I have no explanation for it. Um, it doesn't make any sense. So, <laughs> wait. So, do you think? Because um, we mentioned this, and I forgot to expound on that. But um, uh, Desmond, Locke, and Echo were potentially in the hatch when the failsafe went off. We know Desmond was. Um, yeah, Desmond was. I, I mean, I th- I kind of I tend to think they all were, except yeah. for Charlie. Do you think any of them are dead? I am going to go out on a limb and say none of them are dead. If I wanted to go out on a shorter limb, I'd say Desmond is not dead. But Desmond is not dead. Yeah, and why would and I go out on that short of a limb? What do you mean? Because you think Desmond's not dead, and Locke and Echo are? I think it's almost guaranteed that Desmond's not dead. Okay, let me let me let me hear why why you think that. Because Linda Ruffin Q said so. Oh. <laughs> or at least what they said in the podcast was something along the lines of, "We really hope Desmond isn't dead." Because right. we have so much more story for him. So. Uh, well, they, oh, I guess they sort of have to with the well. He at least it has some more backstory. Yeah, so um, I think based on that comment, they didn't come out and say he's not dead, but they did everything but. I think Echo's dead. I don't. I think they're all going to be alive. I think Echo's dead because I think his story's done. Uh, He has reason to build the church. He uh, the dreams with his brother won't come to fruition because there's no button to press. Um, I don't know what else they could do with them. I think Echo's dead because his story's – I think his story's done. I don't think he found the closure that's required for a death. What, did, what closure does Shannon have or, or uh, Boone? Oh, Shannon had that tearful scene where she was like, no one thinks I can do anything. And, and she, proved, she proved herself wrong. Well, she, she, she didn't. You know what? She didn't. Never mind. They could all be dead. I, it's just my my feeling that they won't be. Now I don't think Locke is dead. Uh, he's 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 he's. I think I think I mean yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sputtering car. Um, he has. I think he has more backstory. He's got more front story, if I may. And um, I don't think he's dead. Uh, I guess Desmond's not dead. Uh, and uh, I think Echo could die. Maybe nobody's dead, though. I mean, I'm, and I mean, I'll, I'll guess I'll say I guess nobody's dead. But I think if anyone's dead, it's Echo. I feel like if Desmond is alive, if the, if he can be alive, then all of them can be alive. Well, see, but Echo was like hurt, though. Like I think Echo could like die from his injuries too. Ah, uh, he was walking. He's a tough guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know some other people who are walking and then died. <laughs> Name one. I don't know what that even means, okay? I just said it. Um, <laughs> um, I wanted to mention one thing Locke said when him and Desmond were talking. I'm going to get back to the others, guys, by the way. I have more to say, but cool. we've, we've gone on a tangent here, so I'm going to stick with it. Um, when, when Desmond was like uh, – 
you know, uh, he said something like, oh, God, I suck. I can't remember. <laughs> he said, you know, uh, something like, uh, you know, he said something, uh, you know, like, do you do any show preparation? I found it. I found it. Just give me a second, sir. Jeez. Okay. So right after the dynamite goes off, uh, Desmond says, I think your friends just blew themselves up, brother, or booba, or whatever. Brother, brother, brother. I hate that. What? I hate that. Ugh. It's his signature. You can't hate it. (laughs) I think I can. No. I actually do, so I know I can. It's in your contract. You're not allowed to hate it. Oh, damn. Damn. And then Locke says, they're not my friends. Yo, Rocky, the kitties don't want to play with you. He's such a bastard. I, you know what? Like I said, he's he lost all his points. He has he's he's negative right now with me. For he's me, negative. I have to say, I, I am willing. To, I will be willing to let Locke go on his folly here. He he really believed it, and I think he had good reason to believe that it didn't do anything. Oh no, I don't I blame him for other shit. Not no. I think he definitely had good reason to believe it the button didn't do anything. Um I think it was very sort of admirable that he wanted to put his sort of faith or lack thereof to the test. Uh Desmond sort of called him on it. But um no, I think that was the right thing to do. I mean he, he, he wanted to see if he could sort of, you know, break the chain of this button and he sort of proved himself wrong. Um, yeah, it didn't work out, but, uh, yeah, no, I blame him for other stuff, too, but, like, basically, I'd be willing to let, I mean, I still think he's shitty, but I'd be willing to let a lot of stuff go, but when he starts saying, they're not my friends, like, he's, he's lost on me now, like, I can't, I, I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore, like, yeah, what an ass, like, after all that, like, God, yeah. I don't have any friends. Oh, I mean, after after the crying and and little lines like that, he's just so pathetic. And God, man, I just want to go watch season one Lost and revel in his strength and wisdom and 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 spirit of character, strength of character. Like, oh, he was so good back then. And I feel like what the what what maybe they're doing is. Just sort of, you know, they sort of built him up in season one, and now they're sort of tearing him down. There'll be this rebirth of Locke stronger, you know, than the original. So maybe that's what they're doing, and we're just unfortunately in the in the tear down phase where he's really sad and pathetic. And uh, but I don't know what what's gonna make him sort of get any sort of self confidence back. I mean, he sort of was, you know, he had confidence because he thought he was destined to do this thing, and he found that it wasn't true. And then he sort of has this newfound confidence when he realized it was all fake and he was going to put it to the test, and then he found that that was sort of false. So I don't even know what he can latch on to anymore to sort of get any ground, any grounding back. Yeah. I mean, he's going to – I can't even imagine. Maybe he's going to – I don't even know. I don't even know. Well, at least Henry was coming to get me, right? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, no, he, I don't he gets so. screwed around by everything. He's never right. Like, yeah, I, his season one persona is so, 
so like he I thought he sucked in the first part of season two, but yeah, I mean he's just he just hit an all time low. Yeah. I can't believe he was crying. I can't believe he was crying. I mean, and it's not that, you know, men shouldn't cry or anything like that. It's just that um, I just don't think uh, tears in that level of emotion was was called for for the situation, you know? I mean, I guess maybe, okay, maybe if we want to say that he was crying because sort of his life in general is pathetic and hasn't panned out like he planned. Okay, I can see if he wants to cry about that. But if he was crying because, you know, he couldn't stop Echo and all that, I think that's really <laughs> shitty. I think that's horrible. My brilliant plan of trying to force Echo not to press the button by force. Yeah. I love that. I love how he walks in like a cowboy, like, you ain't going to do this, and I'm going to be the one to make sure you don't. And he just, like... He's thrown out of his own hash. Yeah, and, and it, had, it was that ridiculous scene of, like, being, and stay out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All Echo had to do was, like, open the door back up and throw his hat out to him or something, you know. <laughs> and then go, wah, wah. Like, it was so pathetic. I mean, like, oh, man. Yeah, like, that scene was, like, almost comical. It was so ridiculous, like. Such a cliche theme. Like I, I don't know. That that was, yeah. You, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna not press the button. And you know why? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> oh god. All right. So, um, Locke's pathetic. I, I don't really have any more to say about Locke. But well, let's not say any more about Locke. We gotta, we gotta wrap this up in the next 15 hours. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I can I can almost see the ending from here, but it, we got a little ways to go. Okay, here, here's something I just pointed out that we've sort of addressed already, but I just want to say for the record, uh-huh. um, we have Kate, you know, saying while she's bound to to Zeke slash Tom, uh, I know that it's fake or whatever she says. Yeah. And then he, you know, his response is, "Okay, I'll take it off." So he, so he takes off the beard. So I just wanted to point that out that as evidence that he really does dress up. No, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't think anyone doubted that, but I just wanted to <laughs> Well, here's a quick question. Were we supposed to believe that, like, that was his beard that she saw in the place? Like, does he does he just have one beard? Or maybe a couple, and he just sort of left that one behind. Like, I, I don't buy that whole thing of how she found that anyway. No, um, it's Because presumably no one else is wearing beards. I mean, because the, the other two guys that I saw with beards, they didn't look – I mean, they look, they were sort of smaller, normal-looking beards. Um, and so, I mean, are we supposed to think – I mean, either A, he's got one beard, and for whatever reason he left that in the medical hatch, and so at some other time he came back and grabbed it. I don't know. Right. Or B, he's got a couple. and he, I mean, why would he even leave that? I mean, that's sort of silly in the first place. Well, yeah, that was ridiculous. It was obviously a plot device that he left it. But I like to point out that when he took off his beard, he did have stubble. So he can grow a real beard. And so that makes me wonder, like, why not just, like, grow a real yeah. beard? Like, well, of course, you know, the length of hair. <laughs> this is so silly. We're going to talk about this. Um, You can have stubble, but, you know, different, you know, beards grow at different lengths. Who knows how much of a beard he can grow? Um, Because, I mean, I can, I mean, my beard grows 
you know, very sort of small and short, uh, which makes me sound like a very virile man. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, I – anyway, facial hair is all kinds of crazy. Men out there know that um, you can have a lot of stubble, and it doesn't mean you're going to grow a big beard. <laughs> what is it? It's on stage, uh, you know. This, hey, men out there, I just want to let you know, the size of your beard is not any way relevant to your manhood. And yeah, uh, it's not the size of the beard. It's the uh, the length of the stubble. No, uh, <laughs> it's not the size of your beard. It's the number of follicles. Um, I no. just, he can't grow a beard. Maybe he, he can't can grow, grow a beard. Like uh, beard he wants. Yeah, I mean, because that kind of beard is is ridiculous. That was a huge, and that that takes years to grow a beard like that. That's right. silly. If it's impossible for him to grow a beard like that, then him dressing up like that is sort of ridiculous. Like, why not grow the beard you can grow? Okay, you you're breaking you're breaking loss rule number one. Don't apply logic to the plot. <laughs> That's lost rule number one. Okay. Sorry, Logic will only point out inaccuracies. I forgot about lost rule number one. There okay. are no inaccuracies unless, like, characters themselves point them out. And we exactly. There are still inaccuracies, but they don't matter. Exactly. And we just have to deal with them. God. Okay. So I just and it's like. Uh, Kate says, I know your beard's fake, but what if it was someone else who was wearing a fake beard? What if his was real? You know, he'd been like, no, bitch, you're wrong. Sorry, this is real. Like, you know, like, how does she know that, that, you know, he's the one who was dressing up? It's, you know, obviously these are questions that mean nothing because that's all just plot stuff that uh, we shouldn't even really think about. Yeah. Well, because, like, when they, when they were talking in front of Henry, they're like, the guy with the beard, and he just instantly knew who that was, as if there yeah. was one guy with a beard. Like, I guess, like, the guy with the gaudiest beard, like, they just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, a.k.a. Santa Claus. Um. <laughs> but, like, he wasn't the only, like you pointed out, he wasn't the only guy with a beard. He was just the yeah. only guy with, like, a ridiculous beard. Mm-hmm. So like I, you know, well, and maybe maybe any guy with a beard is, is lowly and means nothing. Maybe so it doesn't matter who Henry. You know, maybe Henry thought they were talking about somebody else, but it doesn't matter. Any guy with a beard uh, is unimportant. So. It, it just indicates class or something within the ranks of the others. Yeah, like, everyone knows all the top level executives are clean cut. So all right, I'm ready to buy that actually. Um, either that or, like, they wear a fake beard, which, mm-hmm. now that I think about it, that's really odd. Anyway, so, so that, like, big reveal, I mean, I think everybody, like, assumed when Kay found the fake beard that, like, that was Zeke's slash Tom's fake beard. Yeah. And, like, he, you know, because we saw him without the beard, we saw the same actor without the beard, um... And, you know, we assumed they were the same person, but, like, we never actually saw the others, like, get into or out of costume. Yeah. And this is the first time we have, like, an actual, like, you know, removal of a costume element. Yeah. On screen. So I just thought it was worth pointing out. Even though, like, it wasn't a surprise, I don't think to anybody that it was there, but... Yeah. Um, but I just thought it was worth pointing out. Okay. The next thing I wanted to point out is uh, my last Henry quote, um, 
he says to Michael, <clears throat> once you leave, you'll never be able to get back here. Mm-hmm. So do you think that's true? Yes. You do? Well, I think you can only get back there. I don't think you can get back there by conventional means. Even though Desmond just crashed there and the airplane crashed there? I, you know, I always thought, I don't know if I ever said this out loud, but I always thought Desmond Desmond got there because of some sort of anomaly like the plane crash, like why the plane crash got there. Maybe Kelvin didn't press the button or maybe, you know, something. I, I thought he sort of got there. He was sort of pulled there uh, as well. So the magnet, like, pulls you through, like, whatever separates you from the outside world? Yeah. So if the magnet's not there, does that really mean now it's impossible? I don't think that can be true. That that is that it's impossible to get there? Yeah. Well, I mean, he you know, it's one of those things where you know, how how much do you want to analyze how someone phrased something? Um he could just mean it'll be very, 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 very difficult to get back here, you know. Or he could mean, you know, it's literally impossible, you know. Uh, so I don't know which one he meant. Um, I think, for all and purposes, you won't be able to get back there by conventional means. Yeah. Yeah, he does He does say, yeah, you'll never be able to get back here. He did once say, as we pointed out earlier, well, they'll never give you Walt. And uh, yeah. we all know how true that was. And uh, he also said something about uh, God not seeing the island or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that seems pretty dubious. So yeah, I guess I guess you know it's Henry. But like everything he said, I just I just sort of wanted to talk about because it seemed like nuggets of information. But like I've thought that about Henry in the past, and then like thing after thing he says is a lie. Yeah, he barely told the truth like ever. Like he, I mean, I, you know. The the fact that the balloon and the grave were there, like that was true, I guess. But like he yeah. he he just he rarely gave out the truth, and I just it's frustrating. I want to believe what he's saying is true when he's in his element. You but, know, that reminds me that I want to talk about that whole Henry thing and why he chose that name. So remind me to talk about that in a second. I'll make that quick. But um, yeah, you know, he says you'll never be able to get back here. Um, you know, maybe he was just. Maybe it's one of those things where you say that so that they won't even try, you know, because obviously he doesn't want Michael coming back. Um, so maybe it's either, you know, you really can't get back there even if you do try, or it's, you know, you could get back there if you tried, but I'm just going to tell you you can't so you won't even try. Right. And I think we, we, we know that the others are, are becoming famous for uh, telling people things so that they sort of won't do certain things. So, uh, right. you know. And, um, but I wanted to mention that, it, you know, we talked a, a while ago about Henry Gale and that name and why why he used, uses that name. And we speculated that maybe, you know, you sort of take the name of someone you kill or, you know, however he got that name, you know. Uh, but now it seems even stranger that he would have that name, that he's sort of this leader. Um, right. It's even, it's even weirder. Yeah, it's even weirder that he has his name because he's this leader. And uh, you think he would know better? I don't. Oh, I still. That's that's the biggest crappiest piece of writing uh, in terms of like overall plot 
Especially in a very long time. If he's him, it's even another level of crappiness. Um, oh, and there was that whole to-do about uh, Miss Clue giving uh-huh. away, you know, Zeke's name as being Tom, and then he fires back, well, thanks a lot for giving away my name, uh, B or D or whatever the hell he said. I yeah. couldn't understand it. Yeah. I think he said D. B? I, I listened to it a few times, and I just couldn't quite catch what continent that was. Yeah, it's B. All right. <laughs> I'll just solve that mystery for you. <laughs> it just didn't quite sound like a B, but it didn't quite sound like a D. So I anyway, okay, fine, B. But there's this deal about not telling them your name. Exactly. And I'm thinking, who gives a shit? What are they going to do with that information? No fucking shit. Like, no, but, oh, your name's Tom. Well, that changes everything. That's your, oh, now I know how to get off the island. His name's Tom. Well, all I have to do is, um, that's so silly. I mean, I guess it's just, um, you know, when you're undercover, I understand, you know, even if people can't sort of use that information, you don't want that to be known. But in this situation, being on a fucking spirit island and all the crazy stuff that's going on, who really cares what your real name is? Especially when they're mundane names like that. And, and, and yeah, and it's like, like, why don't you guys just use your real name and, you know, um, because, I mean, even if, I mean, did, I mean, I guess I assumed her name was Clue. I mean, she said her name was Miss Clue, so I guess I assumed that. But it's like, even if you do use real names, it's not guaranteed those are your real names. So, you know what I mean? So they could walk around calling to the Tom and B, and, you know, but they're undercover or, or, you know, incognito. So it's like, we really shouldn't assume that that's their real names, even if it is. So. Right. I mean, I think it is, but you're right. No, I mean, never mind. Oh, do I not understand? Yeah, you don't. I, I'm just saying, if they were walking around calling each other Tom and B the whole time, we shouldn't necessarily think that's their real names because they are pretend, pretending, you know. Right. So what I'm saying is you can walk around using your real name, and people who know, you know, hear you say that shouldn't even necessarily think that's your real name. Good point, good point. I didn't even think of that. But, no, I think that is their <laughs> Long story short, I think that is their real name. And uh, they didn't even have a name for Zeke yet. And if yeah. he, if he hadn't made a big deal about it, about that being his name, they never would have known. Like yeah, Henry it seems like a fake name. Like, it seems like she was pissed. It's one of those things we talked about, uh, you know, between ourselves. Of you know, there's only a couple reasons why you know a, a character in, in a TV or movie, you know, uh, needs to not in a TV, but in a TV show or a movie. Um, says another person's name, and one of those reasons, you know, because, you know, if I'm, if we're in a, a show, you know, Jack and Kate are talking to each other, you know, they, it's no point in saying, Kate, we should, uh, we should go do this, Kate. Yes, we should, Jack, you know. That's a very, you know, TV movie thing to do is to use a character's name, have a character say the person's name that they're talking to. But one of the reasons to do that is if you want to sort of, if you're mad at them or you want to spite them. And that seems like why Miss Clue, a.k.a. B, said, uh, they know you're being a fake Tom. Right. You know, it seems like she was she used his name on purpose because she was, like, pissed that he didn't do a better job of uh, keeping the beer thing under wraps. Uh, right. Not really. I guess, it's, I guess it's his fault. I don't know. It's his fault um, for leaving the beer. I mean, that was pretty stupid. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would have known otherwise. 
If I was, but yeah, but I don't know why the beer was there. Who knows? Maybe they have a fucking Brody who keeps all their gear together. <laughs> um, but I, I want to, I want to be or time to say, um, how do you know my beer's fake? Like, I mean, maybe, maybe they just assume they guess it was fake. Um, but I wonder if they know that, you know, Kate specifically had been in the medical hatch and found it or something. I don't know. Yeah. He just sort of accepted it, like, immediately, yeah. and tore the beard off. It seemed like he wanted to take it off. He was like, oh, you know how much this thing itches? Well, no, we don't, and we actually don't care. Yeah. <laughs> oh, zing. All right. So here's here's a few more things. Say it again? Here, here are a few more things. Okay. All right. Unless you got more on that topic, I'm I'm done. No, I don't. Um, Hurley. Hurley and his function. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, B, a.k.a. Miss Clue, says to him, all right, go back to your camp and tell them they can never come here. So <laughs> that was just the, the whole reason to bring Hurley was to use him as a messenger to go back and tell the camp never to come here. Yeah. Okay. First of all, uh, where is here exactly? Like good, good question. Good question. Oh, yes, good question. But I, I, I'm just gonna say this quickly. You don't even have to answer because it's a topic we're not talking about. But where the hell was Desmond and Libby in that cafe scene? I, I couldn't. I didn't know where they were supposed to be. Um, I didn't know where they were supposed to be. I just wanted to bring that up. Um, um I think it said on that call sheet, but I don't remember. Yeah, but, I mean, in terms of watching the show, we don't know where they're supposed to be. Yeah, but, yeah, they didn't indicate. But, well, Libby, uh, I believe it was L.A. Was it? Okay. I believe that's where it was supposed to be. I'll buy that. Anyway. Um, so, anyway, Hurley, uh, that's his purpose. And she says, okay, so, so the first question, like I said, what, where is here? What is that supposed to mean? What is he supposed to say? Well, there's this dock uh, over there on this island that says Polifarian, uh, yeah. we can't go there. Like, I think ridiculous. it was um, what seemed, I mean, uh, you know, how much of a direction can you get from watching the show? But um, if, if, uh, if Saeed's fire was on the north shore, then I guess they were on the east part of the east shore um and and i mean yeah hurley doesn't necessarily know where he is but he could maybe lead people back there if he was hard pressed to because uh, you know they did sort of walk there um so yeah i don't know where they were um the paula ferry you know you would think the ferry should be sort of accessible somehow but um i don't know i don't know so then the other question is, like, why Hurley? Like, they made it a point of it being Hurley. It clearly could have been anybody. And, like, Hurley seems particularly unfit for the task. So, like, I, I, don't, I don't see any reason why that needed to be Hurley at all. I wonder if it needed to be Hurley just so Hurley could be there when Michael confesses. Oh. I should have thought of that. I'm thinking that may have been... The, the main reason why uh, 
you know, why Hurley was there. It really could have been anybody. I mean, it couldn't have been, you know, obviously Saeed or Jen or our son or Charlie or any of the other people we know were busy. Uh, it really only could have been, like, Bernard or Rose. <laughs> you know, actually, it, there's only a couple people it could have been because uh, everyone else was busy doing stuff. Well, so. it could have been, like, one of the red shirts. I mean, but I, I guess they want it to be a main character. Well, yeah, it couldn't have been one of the red shirts because they wouldn't, they wouldn't give the red shirts that sort of screen time. But, like, realistically speaking, like, they didn't need Hurley. No, they didn't need Hurley. Unless unless something unfolds that, you know, we, we'll see in Season 3 that, you know, maybe, um, I don't know, I could think of a couple things that maybe happens because, you know, Hurley does something or sees something or notices something and, you know, that maybe someone else wouldn't have. And it, it sort of becomes a benefit in the long run that it was him. But in terms of why they chose him, I think it was just random. Um, it just sort of chose a main character from the show and not like, you know, a red shirt. But um, yeah, that's more than coincidence. I don't know. I that was that was weird. I like to think there's more to that scene that we'll see in, in the beginning of season three. I can only hope. All right. So. Uh, oh, wait. But there's a lot to talk about in terms of why. Why can't they come there? What are you guys doing that's so don't want people around? And, you know, and it's like it's, some people around. It's like this. It's like the whole, we stole Walt and Michael came after us, which we didn't really want. Right. But then, you know, and then Michael brought other people, which we wanted, technically speaking. Mm-hmm. And then... But now it's like, okay, now we have three of them, three adults, uh, Jack being arguably their most valuable person, being a doctor. I guess. Uh, and, um, and so it's like, what makes them think that uh, no one's going to come after three people? When they, they came after one kid, uh, don't you think they might want to come after three people? Like, it, it, their actions are very ridiculous and spontaneous to me. Um. They're, every single thing they do is, hey, here's a reason to come find us. Hey, here's a reason to butt into our business, uh, you know, with the hash and, you know, or I should say with the fash and now taking these people and all this other stuff. Here's a reason to come bother us, but we don't want you to. Um, so this, that's very strange. I mean, do you really think that, like, someone like Saeed is not going to be like, what, they took Jack and Kate and Sawyer? Let's go get him. I mean, of course, Saeed will be the first to, to do that. But but I said they said never to come here. Oh, oh, okay, never mind. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Hurley's a great diplomat and convincer, so he'll he'll be able to convince Saeed not to. Oh, oh, they said they said never come here. Oh, mm. their their actions are ridiculous. It makes me think like either they don't really want people to stay away. Or it's just really bad writing. <laughs> well, it's like if they don't want people to stay away, why why should they stay away? I don't know. It seems to me I'm sorry to say, but it seems to be bad writing. Yeah. It just seems to be bad writing. Because I mean you don't I mean, you don't want the bad guys to, to sort of say, you know, we don't mind if you come here. You know, because it becomes, I mean, that's really where the drama is coming from, is they're being told not to come to this area. And then, of course, they do, and so it's all crazy and dramatic and the tension and conflict. 
but it's just crappy. Like, don't come here, even though we're going to kidnap two of your, three of your people. Don't come here, even though we're enticing you with this uh we're guarding, like. And taking your only doctor. Yeah, taking your only doctor and, like, um, really what they should do is, like, they should have either taken Hurley, too, or not asked for Hurley, and then that way there would have been no one who could lead them to where they were. <laughs> you know? Like, now Hurley can, can, can either tell people where he went or lead them there, you know? If they wouldn't have brought Hurley in the first place, you know, Michael was gone, and then they kidnapped the three, so nobody would have known where they were. Oh, this is just getting ridiculous. This is getting ridiculous. Uh, the hostels are becoming uh, trade aisles or something. I don't know. They're just becoming yeah. silly. Yeah, they, uh, they're they losing their uh, charm. <laughs> Hey, I had a quick question. Do you think there's any possibility that um, the others and the hostiles are not the same people? No. Okay. Don't think there's any possibility. Okay, me, me either. <laughs> but, but you know, in, in the middle of season three, when we find out hostiles are other people, we can look back at this and say we're both wrong. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, no way. I think it's. Ooh, you know what? You know what? Oh my god! Oh my god! I just—it it goes back to my two other theory. I thought it was dead, but now it just got resurrected. Um, whatever, man. Dude, think about it. Think about it. Nope. Think about it. The others could be impersonating the hostiles. No. They are the hostiles. Because they're in the same area. No, I mean I don't really think it's true, but um. If it becomes true, I'm going to say I told you so. It's just a different name for them because they wouldn't come up with the same name. I mean, yeah. it, it makes no, sense. No, 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 no. I agree with that. But what I'm saying is um, the idea that, you know, Kelvin and Desmond were like, yeah, the, you know, the hostiles live on the North Shore. And then we see the others on the North Shore, you know, obviously impersonating or, you know, obviously pretending. And, uh... Maybe they're impersonating the hostiles, you know. But who knows? We'll see. I mean, I don't really think that. But um, but now that we have this idea that there's, you wow. know, there were other people on the island besides the others and besides Dharma, um, there could be some sort of primitive remnants of uh, of the of the culture that built the the statue. Well, let me throw this out: if okay. the hostiles are different than the others. I think that means we have not seen the hostels yet. True. I Definitely think every true. group we've seen has been the others. Yes, I agree. They've tied all that together. So so I'll concede your point, but on that, with that stipulation. Mm-hmm. So there okay. You. I agree. All right. Well, that was easy. <laughs> um, so, so you're right. Um, I think it could turn out that, like, the, the, uh, what's the word? The, uh, what's the opposite of descendants? Uh, ancestors. The ancestors of the others possibly built the statue. Yeah. I don't believe that, but I think it's a possibility. Oh, ancestors? You mean the people who were on the island before them, or you literally mean ancestors? No, I I literally mean ancestors. 
Okay. I just I just think it's a possibility. I, I don't really believe it, but yeah, I, think, I, I don't think the others are indigenous to the island. I really don't, um, uh, because it it just doesn't. I think they they've been there for a long time. I don't think they were indigenous to the island at all. Yeah. Because they, they really shouldn't know about the outside world if they are, right? I mean, if this island is so separate, um, it, it, it just says, it doesn't seem like they were born there and lived there and their generations of the, their people have, have lived there. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I, I, I don't, I don't agree. Oh, well. <laughs> you don't agree with me or you don't agree with what you said? I don't agree with what I said. Oh, okay. Can't win them all. No, you can't. Um, all right, so all I have left is Dakota and, like, speculation. Dakota? What I call Dakota. Um, the Coda or Dakota? The Coda. Okay. Because uh, I feel like that's the function it serves in the story. Uh, the Lindelof and, and Hughes called it the, the Hala, which is some sort of Jewish, like, bread thing. And apparently in season one, there was a thing called the bagel, which was the, uh, Walt being kidnapped. Uh-huh. And this season, it was the Hala, and it was the, the, the what I call the Coda, because like, well, I'm full circle now, because that's the function it serves in the story. We're <laughs> a deja vu. So, yeah, uh, I just realized I was about to repeat myself. So. Um, I, I, w- I would like to maybe speculate a little bit about what's going to happen um, with Michael and Walt and with Jack and company, but okay. first I want to deal with this coda. Okay. i got to look uh, over my list of crap before we get to sort of like the end, end of the podcast. Oh, okay, great. Hey, if you got more, we got hours. Oh, I feel so bad for people listening. Thanks for listening. If, oh, my God, if anyone has listened this far, <laughs> I re- really like – I really want to, like, send you money via PayPal somehow. I really do. I really want to, like, Enough somehow. Dogmas. Actual money. Actual money you can buy stuff with, uh, maybe buy season two with. Uh, you know, that would be cool if we had some sort of contest or we, like, gave away, you know, once season two comes out, like, give, give away, like, season two somehow. I don't know how, what kind of contest we would run and how we would administer it, but. Uh, yeah. That would be cool. It would be cool, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe, hey, maybe we'll have a, um, like a, like a trivia, like a, like a Lost Lowdown trivia contest, and, like, we'll have a list of questions about stuff we've said and theories we've, we've came up with or whatever, we've come up with, and, like, the first people to get it in or whatever, we'll, uh, we'll, me and you will pitch in and, like, buy, uh, we'll give away, like, a, like, season two. Yeah? That'd be cool. We could do that. That'd be cool. We could do that. Yeah, I don't think Lostcast is giving away any DVDs. Yeah, since when did Lostcast give you anything? Hey, hey, word on the street is Lostcast doesn't give you nothing. Uh, at the Lost Lowdown, you get tons of stuff, maybe, if we do this. Right. Um, well, hey, why don't... People who are listening, if you would kindly – I know we talk about comments because we love to hear from you. But if you would uh, uh, just sort of uh, email us at lostlowdown uh, at gmail or send us comments on our website uh, at thelostlowdown.blogspot.com and let us know if you 
at all interested in our little trivia contest. And uh, if there's a adequate amount of people who are interested, we'll we'll do it and give away season two, man. Because we appreciate listeners. Oh, do we ever? And I want to I want to personally mention um, Vicky H, our biggest fan. I love Vicky H. Oh, Vicky, we love you so much. Vicky H was the first to email us, and 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 uh, she posted on the website comments, and uh, we love Vicky H. We hope we didn't blow it with this like ridiculous like like long podcast, but uh, we yeah. seem to think we can do no wrong. So, we uh, we apologize for the podcast being sort of late, and we apologize for it being long. But I think I think this episode called for it. There's so much in there to talk about, and uh, we hope everyone uh, is enjoying this podcast. And we hope that we'll end pretty soon. Yeah, well, we'll see how. Because it's like um, it's about it's 12:07 a.m. Central right now. And we've been recording for four hours, I think. Uh, <laughs> Something like that. I think at the very least, we'll be known as the uh, podcasters who, like, don't know when to stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, whether, or not the, maybe. whether or not the content is good is uh, up in the air, but uh, they just don't know when to shut up. <laughs> and they go on and on about how they never shut up. Right. That doesn't help. No. So, in the spirit, I just had to call the gates. So, in the spirit of moving on, let's move on. Please. Um, Dakota. All right. So we have um, the first shot is of this, like, winter wasteland. Like, oh, I love it. Snow and just just snow everywhere. And it's just like the wintriest place you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They, they made it a point of showing that. I feel like that's significant. And then we move over to a couple of, they are, trust me, Brazilians playing uh, chess, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so they're speaking Portuguese, which is what they speak in Brazil, as you should know. And uh, uh, the, uh, the computer uh, makes this uh, noise, and it, and it registers this thing that says, um, Electromagnetic anomaly detected, or I forgot exactly what the wording was. Yeah, I love how it's in English. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, now I can maybe buy that remote the program or whatever program, you know, wherever it originated, maybe it was in English. But, you know, the idea that these are Brazilian people, you would sort of think that the program they're using would be in Portuguese or whatever. Yeah, but, even uh, they're shown speaking English. Huh? So I'll give them that. They were shown, like, speaking some English. Yeah, true, true, exactly. So, like, whether they would conduct their studies in English, I mean, that's a little far-fetched. But if it was in Portuguese, you know, we would have had more trouble, like, reading it. So A little bit. I think electromagnetic in Portuguese is electromagnetic. Can, oh, you know, I it's totally different. <laughs> I think it would have been a word that we would have uh, been able to uh, understand. Yeah, that might have been cooler if they had left it in Portuguese. Oh, well. Yeah. All right, so the thing comes on, and, you know, they're like, oh, no, we're going to miss it again. We already addressed that somewhat. And, uh, and, and so then they go to the phone, and they call up um, Penny, mm-hmm. uh, Penelope, whatever, uh, you know, the Desmond's uh, long-lost love or whatever. Aww. 
um, and say, like, we, or I think we found it or something. I guess I can actually look uh, what the exact wording was. I believe, I believe it was. I think, that's, I think it's we found it. Yeah, I think we found it. So, um, so here's what I, okay. First of all, really, like, pretty lame, like, uh, way to end season two, I think, overall. But here's what I get out of the scene. Okay. Number one, the island is detectable from the outside world. Okay. Number two, the world has not ended. Yes. All right. So for me, that's what I get. In terms of the plot, that's what I get out of that. Mm-hmm. All right. As far as anything else, Penny's looking for Desmond. Like, I barely care about that. Maybe it'll matter in terms of the plot of the show, but I find that, like, plot really boring. What what plot? The plot where, uh, you know, Penny and Desmond were supposed to be together, but then, like, her dad interfered, and now, mm-hmm. like, she's just looking for him, I guess. Well, that's the big question is, I mean, I, I guess we're, we're led to believe she's looking for Desmond. Uh, I'd like to know how searching for electromagnetic uh, spots around the world is going to find him in terms of what she should know. Um, I mean, obviously, we know that he's on the island, so obviously it could help if, if she's looking for that. But why does she think to, to look for that is, is something I think is really interesting. Um, that she's spending all this time and effort uh, looking for this magnetic property that, that I guess is going to help her find him. Why, A, why does she think he's in a location with these properties, and B, uh, why does she even think he's alive is what I'd like to know. Um, any any theories on that? Good point. It makes me think that Widmore is more involved than just having a daughter who was in love with Desmond. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me think that somehow uh, her connection to Widmore enabled her to know that Desmond was on the island. Okay. I don't know how, but I just have that sense that somehow she knew he was on the island, She and from him also she knew that the island had this electromagnetic, like, property, and so she knew, like, that's how I can look for him. I can look for this. Like, I feel like she knows because of her connection to Widmore, the fact that she's, you know, his daughter. Okay. But she doesn't know where for whatever reason. Yeah. Oh, ugh. yeah. That's kind of ridiculous. But, yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel like her dad doesn't want her to find Desmond. So, like, she can't just say, like, where's the island? Like, she has to, like, find out things, like, uh, uh, you know, without him knowing, like, he's looking. I think the big leap is how does anyone know Desmond is on the island? I mean, obviously, the only person who should know is um, is Kelvin. And now I can maybe believe that he was in communication with someone else and, and said, hey, we got this guy Desmond right. or something. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's a lot going on there. I think, well, I'm excited to see how that's going to pan out. Um, but it's strange. It, I think it's sort of strange that she's looking for him. Uh, I, it, you know, I don't. I would never take the show in that direction. That that she's sort of looking for him, and I don't know what that means. I mean, now that she sort of knows where the island is, like, is she gonna go there? And um, like, I mean, what what could they possibly get out of that? I don't even know. 
Oh, I forgot to mention number three, not purgatory. Oh, yeah, not purgatory. I, I mean, I know the writers have directly said that's not it, but if you needed more proof, here it is. Yeah. Um, more like purgatory. Zing! So, uh, even though Gary Troop has that anagram, I think that was just a silly thing they did. Yeah. So, do, do you have, I, I don't really have any more on this, on this situation, but I, I assume it'll come into play in a, in a, in a significant way in season three. I just wonder why, why were they in sort of an Arctic region? I didn't really understand the Ooh, point of that. Good question. I forgot about that. A lot of people on the boards have taken that to mean that the island is really in an Arctic location. According to Lindelof and Q's, that's basically like Antarctica. Okay, I'll buy that. So a lot of people have taken that to mean that's where the island is, and somehow it's in this, like, bubble where it's tropical, even though it's in the middle of, like, this, you know, ridiculous, like, winter area. I mean, how are they – I mean, what makes something tropical is, is largely defined by the sort of exposure to the sun. So is is the bubble amplifying? I mean, if it's in sort of an Arctic region, which means it's, you know, far from the equator, um, does that mean that the bubble amplifies, the, the, like, the amount of solar energy that comes into the island? Because that's what it would take to make those plants grow, and that would be a tropical, re- tropical island. I guess I was thinking it was, like, artificial somehow. Oh, really? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know why. It doesn't really make any sense to me. But I was thinking somehow, like, the climate was... It, but it also has to make the water warm, too, though. I mean, the water's obviously not, not Arctic. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and you, wouldn't get, you wouldn't have sharks in those waters, either. Well, yeah, it was a Dharma shark, though. Um, yeah. yeah. I forgot. So, <laughs> so no, yeah, yeah, what does that mean? Um, I, you know, I don't buy that. Uh, I think the fact that it was, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I mean, I don't know why you, they are in the Arctic to search for them, but I don't think it means, like, you need to be next to the island. I mean, that's just one of those shitty theories that people on the board come up with. Like, yeah. Excuse me. I mean, I, I mean, no offense to the people on the board, but it's just like, oh, they're in, they're in the Arctic, so that means that the island is in the Arctic. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, why? Why does that mean that? It doesn't follow, and, and I don't really agree with it, but I do get the sense that somehow the island is, it has some sort of insulation from the outside world. It may it's, not be but, in the Arctic. At some point, like, I mean, the, you know, what's interesting about the fact that it's an island is that, you know, at some point, it's like where's the boundary drawn between the outside world and the island world? Because, you, you know, you have you have water surrounding the island, and it's like, you know, where is, you know, if, if, if the island is sort of surrounded by this bubble, it's like, does, does water come in through the bubble? There's, you know, what what can come in and what can come out of this bubble is what I want to know. I mean, like if a fish is on the outside of the bubble and it and it goes towards the boundary, does it hit the boundary and bounce off or does it is it able to swim in? You know what I mean? Like that's what's weird. So it's like if this place, if this island is really in the Arctic, in an Arctic region, um, I don't know how I don't know how electromagnetic properties would be able to uh, sort of explain that because you get this strange boundary with the fact that you know there's there's water outside of the outside of the bubble that should be you know 
float into the bubble, you know, and, and if not, does it just bounce off and, you know what I mean? It just doesn't sort of make any sense. You're right, but I feel like I feel like there's some sort of technological explanation. I, I feel like somehow those issues aren't relevant. <laughs> oh, those real world issues don't really matter. That's just my intuition that there's some explanation, the separation between the island and the world that uh, explains why they can flow together, but but be different or. It, I don't think it really is in the Arctic, but if it is, I feel like they'd come up with some explanation where it like made sense. Yeah, one would hope they would, I guess. But I just don't, I just don't get like, okay, even if it is in the Arctic, I mean, I just don't get that they would set up a station in the Arctic just because the place is supposed to be. There. I mean, I mean, I, I say Arctic, and I think Arctic is is the North Pole area. Um, I think that's like the Arctic Ocean. I think that's really what that refers to. Yeah. And obviously they're near the South Pole. But um, the Antarctic region, uh, yeah. I, oh, that's what that means. Like, ant, anti means, like, south anyway. Right. Or below. So anyway, <laughs> just came up with some word theory there. Um, <laughs> Good for you. The Antarctic, the Antarctic region, um, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy that they would, that, that that's, that the island is there, and that's what they set up there. It doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, it's being, it doesn't, doesn't seem plausible. Um, that's all I got. Fair enough, fair enough. Especially since the plane wasn't really near that region, right? I mean, well, the plane was headed sort of, north, sort of northeast, you know. How did it end up exactly where the plane was? It was, it was... Supposedly, you know, way off course. It's supposedly close to Tahiti, right, or is it Fiji? I keep saying one of the one. It's supposedly close to Fiji. Yeah. And and Fiji farther down, you get to Antarctica. Well, couldn't be too far down. Fiji's pretty tropical. Yeah, but you know, relatively, I mean, I gotta look at a map. I don't know, but. I don't know it's how got far to, apart they are, but... It's got to at least be, like, several thousand miles. I don't think it's, like, a couple hundred miles. It can't be. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna go on a limb and say it can't be, um, because it would. It, you can't have a tropical region a couple hundred miles from Antarctica. Sorry, it just no? doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I don't know. Why not? Isn't Canada kind of tropical? Yeah, it is. And it's right next to Antarctica, too. And Canada said Hurley when it screeched by. <laughs> so I have, like, a few, like, things I just want to, like, get off, the, get off the page here. Okay. So, I don't know. We don't have to say much about them, but I got them and I wanted to use them. My, the, this, there's this one scene with Michael where like he's nursing some sort of sore he has on his hand, mm-hmm. and he also has some sort of thing on his head. And like Jack comes over when he's nursing the thing on his hand, and like he's like, "Oh, it's nothing, whatever." Like I, it made me wonder if there's any like significance to that, or if that's just something they threw in for no reason. Like I don't even know what scene you're talking about. Well, there's a scene when, you know, the fellowship is, it's during the journey. Michael is just, like, off by himself dealing with this wound he has. 
it's it's just. Oh, I thought he was just. I thought he was just like when he's sort of leaning against the tree. Uh, I don't remember if he's leaning against the tree. I thought that's what I thought he was. He was thinking about the fact that uh, he's sending these people off to their death. I didn't. I didn't notice he was nursing a wound. Yeah, he has this weird wound on his hand. So I don't know. It made me think there was something like wrong with him. What? Maybe that's all it was. Huh? Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I just. I thought he was thinking. <laughs> the log from the pearl. It is now confirmed to be in daytime format. Yes. But then the times should not be 108 minutes apart, as we discussed previously, because they press it shy of 108 mm-hmm. frequently. So it, it, it should be, like, if they did that in the past, it should be, like, way off in terms of dates. Yeah. But I don't think they thought about that problem. No, I think I think – like I said before, um, the the system might just say, did they press the button in this 108 minute period? And it, it sort of it sort of says yes, and they give the period like really it should give the period when they press it, not sort of the end of their window to press it. Um, right. But yeah, I went and I did a couple of the numbers I saw in this episode, and they were 108 minutes off, and it's like they didn't really care, you know. They just thought, like, ooh, it would be 108, but, like, it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Because it'll just be wrong. Like, the yeah. calculation will be wrong. So, because, like, once they start anew, it's a new 108. So if they just counted 108, so whatever. Anyway, had to throw that out. Okay, next thing. Mysteries we don't care about anymore. Nice. Number one, what was the light that locked on season one? That was yeah. all. That was solved. It was Desmond. I mean, not that we Going, really didn't going to the bathroom. Was, yeah. Not that we didn't think it was Desmond, but, like, now we know exactly what was going on. Yeah. Um, it that, really was – go ahead. I was going to say, that was really weird. Like, this, I'm really getting sick of this show um, because I thought it was really weird that, like, you know, that whole thing I want, I want to talk about that. Desmond says um, – you know, you save my life so I can save yours. I mean, that's that's one of the worst lines I've ever heard next to, you know, uh, I'll do it for love, you know. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, it's horrible because it doesn't make any sense. Um, how about you sort of, no one save each other's lives and we'll all be fine. I don't know. Uh, you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. Uh, because so basically what happened was Desmond, Desmond was, I guess, going to kill himself. Because he was so distraught, I don't know why. Um, why was he distraught? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm assuming because he was alone and like. Oh, that's right. And then the, the letter said, "No one's really alone if you have a woman who loves you or something." <laughs> <laughs> a woman waiting for you in the wings. You're never alone. But I guess the letter didn't save him. It was really Locke. Yeah. Well. Ba- yeah. Basically. Yeah. And so. But that, that's what was weird. It's like he saw Locke banging. He saw a man yelling and banging in the hatch door and did nothing about it, but continued to press the button for three days. I didn't get that. I did not get that at all. He's depressed about being alone, and he gets, like, direct human contact, and he's really happy about it, 
But he doesn't bother. He just shines the light. He doesn't bother to go out and say hi or anything. Yeah, I mean, I would sort of be scared about who's out there banging on the thing. But he doesn't. He doesn't apparently attempt to like go out and find the person or or do anything. He just sort of stays in the hatch and presses the button. And I'd like to mention here's another John Kerry syndrome. He continues to take the uh, inoculation. Good point. Yeah. Uh, even when he sort of shouldn't be taking it. Yep. Um, so I think that's a – I think it's basically one of those things where – The writer's uh, fucked up. The, yeah, the writer's fucked up. <laughs> Oops, I fucked up. <laughs> oh, hello. What's that from, uh, Mr. Show? I fucked up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think they fucked up on that one. Use our PG-13 language. Um, yeah. <laughs> PG-13. PG-13 in Brazil, I don't know. PG, uh, I don't know what 13 is in Brazil. Anyway. That's why um, I love us. We're hardcore. Hardcore to the max with two X's. Um, three X's even. Three? Well, <laughs> hey, we're not that hardcore. Come on. So anyway. I just thought that whole thing was weird where Locke bangs on the door and he sees Locke do that and he sort of doesn't do anything about it. Uh, that was that's just, just weird. I don't get it. Yeah, I know. I know. God, that was one of my favorite parts in season one. Mm-hmm. I was I was like so blown away when the light came on. I that and, now my... and now it's one of my least favorite parts of season two. Now I hate it. Yeah, like now if I watch it again, I'm gonna be like, uh, yeah. It's just Desmond down there crying. Like, who cares? Like, all the greatness of that is gone. It was gone already, but now that they really explained it, like, it's really gone. It's real. That was real gone. So, what's, like, what's your other uh, things that that we don't care about anymore? Mystery we don't care about anymore. What the last hieroglyphic was? Oh yes. We didn't know that, and now we know, and who cares? (laughs) So, I have that. Um, I also have here, we already mentioned this, that Henry did push the button. That was another uh, mystery we didn't I guess we're supposed to believe that. I, I mean, I don't think there's any other way. Maybe just stop by itself. What? Maybe just stop by itself. Yeah, I. But the clock was like up to 107 or whatever when he came out. You know. I mean. Yeah, I guess we're supposed to believe he pressed the button. Yeah. Um. All right. So yeah, those those are the mysteries. Uh, nobody can. Now here's a quick question. I hate to interrupt you because you're trying to get through that segment, but. I wonder if I wonder if Henry if Henry had told Locke, yeah, you know, I did press the button, and it's a good thing I did because I think something bad would have happened. Like, I mean, that would they would they would have never told him that. But I wonder if, if if Henry would have told Locke that, and then Locke, you know, went into the pearl and saw the orientation video. I wonder what he would have believed. I don't know. Cool. So what's else on your list? <laughs> I wish I had an answer for you. I. I I can't say. I mean, Locke, he's crazy. I I feel like he would be more inclined to believe the orientation video. Yeah. But he did have a soft spot for Henry. Oh. 
You know, he, they were best buds. I think he bought Henry's bullshit more than anybody did. Of course he did. And you know, dude, was... if him is Locke's dad, I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> yeah, we can only hope he's not. All right. Um, here, my next topic in this list of topics that I just want to get through. Um, why did Walt not care about Jack, Kate, Sawyer being held at gunpoint and not care about Vincent when uh, Michael and Walt, you know, boat away there at the end? I think we all can agree Vincent never existed, number one. All right. Number two, I'm kidding. Um, I think, I think in terms of Vincent, he was just too happy to see his dad. I think... After they get, you know, far away from there, he'll be like, where's Vincent? And uh, Michael will be like, you fucking piece of shit. Um, I think that explains that. Um, you know, Walt's a kid. I don't, you know, he did, I noticed he did sort of look back twice as they left. Michael didn't at all. Uh, Walt looks back as they were leaving, then he sort of turns to sort of face the direction they're going. Then he sort of looks back again before that shot cuts. Um, so it did seem like he, he was sort of, you know, sad and, you know, it didn't seem like he didn't, I don't think he could have done anything about it. Um, and I think he's happy that he's with his dad. Uh, it's just one of those unfortunate situations where it's like, you know, I'd rather be with my dad than these strangers be safe. You know, I get, you know, plus he's a kid. So I think he did care a little bit. I think he cared enough. He, you know, those couple look back, back, you know, the, whatever he did, when he looked back, he seemed like he cared. But, I mean, what was he really going to do? Well, yeah. I just expected him to ask or, like, have something to say about it. Yeah. And, you know, they cut pretty quick, so who knows? He might be like, uh, Dad, what's going to happen to those people? Or, you know, what did you do, you crazy daddy? Right. What did you agree like to? the first scene of season three. Yeah, it totally could be the – and then, then Michael's going to be like, we have a plan, wink, wink, and then, like, he's going to, like, turn the boat around and call the Coast Guard or something. I don't know. The ending we've all been waiting for. So another question that's related just regards the the thing Henry said about why. Because Michael's like, well, what if I lead people back here? And Henry's like, you won't. Mm-hmm. And, and And then he's like, well, you won't. You won't tell people because you'll feel guilty about what you did. Yeah. Get out. And I almost buy that, but if you're thinking rationally, he killed two people to get his son back. That's bad. Um, He, you know, he had a reason for it. Is it as bad as cold-blooded murder? No, but but it's still bad that he killed people. So he should feel guilty for that, sure. But if he just abandons them all, he should feel even more guilty. I mean, I feel like he the, – the right thing for him to do is to, you know, rescue the people there. True. And at least he doesn't have, like, everybody on his, you know, conscience. I, I, think it's, I think it's really naive of Henry of all people to assume that Michael has to tell the truth about what happened. Um, Michael could, could go and get the whoever could rescue them, Coast Guard or – whoever, and he doesn't have to say how he got his son back. He can lie. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't even have to say anyone took Walt. I mean, it's sort of, 
I mean, yeah, it sort of works in terms of the show when when he says that. I mean, I I kind of buy it myself. Like, you won't tell anyone because then you have to tell them what you did. But it's like, you know, you really don't have to tell them what you no. did. I mean, not, if, they, if the if the lost people get rescued, they'll probably tell him what he did. Yeah. But True. And, and would he? Not, would you? I wonder. Would um. What would happen legally? Like, if, if they sort of all get back to the America, and then the Losties say, you know, Michael killed these two people, he'd be prosecuted for that? I guess he would, right? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, if you're, if you're on a cruise, or like, you know, say you own a private island, I don't know, some people have that luxury, and you uh, commit a crime while you're on a cruise, or you're on some island or whatever that you own, like, in, in what way are you culpable for your crimes? Like, mm-hmm. do you just report to whatever country you're a citizen of? I mean, if you're not in I think country, um, it has to do the logistics of owning your own island. I'm not sure. I don't know if anyone owns an island like, you know, sort of America owns the United States, you know, in terms of the land. Um, because I think I think every pretty much every island has been claimed by a country. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, uh, I'm just speculating here. But you know what I mean? Like, um, well, it's weird because I know like 12 miles out is sort of international waters, and there's no sort of like specific laws governing those areas. Um, I mean, I guess if you found an island that no country had claimed, uh, and you you know, committed a crime there, I don't think you would technically be responsible because it's no one's jurisdiction, you know. Um, now, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Nick, you know, owns uh, – Nick from Theory 11 we're talking about um, – owns uh, his island. But I think it's, it's a situation where, you know, he owns the land just like, you know, someone can own their land when they live in Dallas or something. But the land is still owned by America. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's, the jurisdiction is still that government. Just like the Florida Keys, you know, someone can buy a small island in the Florida Keys. That's their property because they bought it but, it, but it's still governed by America. Okay, well, what about, like, a cruise? Uh, I think cruises, um, I think the laws of whoever owns the cruise ship, I think that's sort of how that goes. But what if the cruise ship, like, sinks, like it's the Titanic, uh-huh. and, like, people are floating out there, like, in, in like, life jackets in the middle of the ocean, and one of them kills another one? Like, is it... Is I, you it know, still- I don't really think, you know, because that's the thing. It's like when you are, kill someone in America, this, <laughs> when you kill someone in America, I mean, basically you're being prosecuted because you laws of that country, and you're going to be prosecuted by the DA, the district attorney or whatever, uh, sort of on behalf of the family or, or just in terms of the fact that you broke the law. Um, there's no one, when you do that in the, you know, in the middle of the ocean, who, whose jurisdiction that is to care. I think you'll get away with it. I'd love if there's some law person who's listening who uh, would know the answer to this. I don't think uh, any – because who, who has the right to, tell, to prosecute you? Because the laws, the laws are basically laws are for that land, that area, that country. You know what I mean? Like if you go to Spain 
even if you're an American citizen, the Mar- American laws don't apply to you when you're in Spain. Right. You know, so why would American laws apply to you when you're anywhere else other than America? It, it, it makes me think – I was thinking about war situations where you send, you know, send troops to another country. Like, they will kill people at times. Um, and they're not – they're generally not going to be prosecuted for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's the idea. Like, once you get out to a certain point, you're just not under the jurisdiction of any nation. Yeah. So, so you just you're sort of so so Michael is probably not legally culpable for what he did. He's yeah. just, you know morally culpable. Exactly. And you know in that case, I mean he really shouldn't leave him there. I mean that's just that's that's just way worse. He's just making the situation worse than it is. Yeah. I think Michael's the kind of person who would um, he would you know keep on that heading and go get rescued. And it would get to him to where he want, he would try to come back and, and save people, and he would tell people. Um, you know, I think in terms of the real world, that's what would happen. In terms of the show, he might even be so bold as to, you know, go to the south side of the island and try to, you know, bring you know bring people with him or at least tell them what's going on. I don't know, though. He's It's just about him and his boy right now, so I don't really know what he's thinking. Um, I really don't think he's going to get rescued, though, especially rescued like – instead of being really rescued, like he's going home. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask about that as far as uh, speculation on what might happen to him. I I, think – oh, go ahead. I tend to feel like he will – I feel like he will. I mean, if Henry's leading him nowhere – I mean, okay – Either he is going to get rescued, like, for real, or Henry's, like, leading him somewhere. Mm-hmm. If Henry's leading him somewhere, why is he leading him? Why not just, I mean, he's got him right there. Why not just be like, well, you know what? Screw you. We're just going to take you. Um, Various reasons. Various reasons. <laughs> All right. Uh, That's all I got. Um he could uh, – it could just be to keep up his end of the bargain because, you know, he says, he says you know, I, I told you I'd give you a boy. I told you I'd give you a boat. Go here and you'll get rescued. And the way, just the way he said rescued may, makes me feel like he's going to be picked up by someone else affiliated with uh, – But then he's still not keeping his word. He's just, like, keeping up appearances for a little bit. He's keeping his word, technically speaking. He did give him his boy back, and he did give him the boat. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's like that bad guy thing where the bad guys say they'll do something and they, uh, you know, they'll do it all right, but it won't be the outcome you really wanted. Um, and I just can't imagine that boat has that much gas in it. Yeah. Well. I mean, we had that question before of how far could you get in a boat like that. Yeah. Gas is definitely a problem as far as boats like that. I mean, that's yeah. one of the nice things about sailboats. It's like infinite energy. Yeah. Not infinite. Infinite. But... infinite? I'll say effectively infinite. Okay. But not actually. Um, all right. So the, the other topic that I want to talk about but I don't is the Charlie Claire scene that basically the ending of the episode. I know. I, I wrote I wrote down why did they end the episode with this scene? Yeah. That was so horrible. I hated I hated that scene. It was like, Charlie, okay, first of all, the, the beginning of that part was like, Charlie comes, and um, 
Oh, now I forget what happened. They say, uh, oh, somebody said, Charlie, are you okay? He goes, I'm not quite sure. My ears, you know? It's like, what the fuck kind of response is that? Either you know you're okay or you don't, number one. Number two, why are you complaining about your ears? It just it just irks me so bad. He's like, I don't know. My ears. It's like, shut up, Charlie. Because uh, if your ears are the only problem, I think you're okay. Because uh, everyone else's ears should hurt, too. Um, and then and, and then he's talking to Claire. Uh, oh, did they say, uh, uh, did he uh, lock and lock and Ethel aren't back yet? What? Right. And I'm like, dude, you're still getting up. They're not back yet. You know they're not back yet because they wasn't walking home with you, were they? Then they're not back yet, you know? He left them in the hatch, and then that crazy shit happens. And then, like, he's just like, oh, what? They didn't. Dude, I'm starting to think Charlie is him. <laughs> he's, 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 you know, it's like when characters are so, like, gullible and stupid to where they've, they're sort of, like, behind everything because no one is that stupid. Uh, I think it might be him, but um, what was I going to yeah, say? I don't think so, but, like, his behavior in this episode is completely ridiculous. It's a new low for Charlie. And he's pretty bad already. So he's talking to Claire, and Claire's like, well, what happened? Oh, nothing happened. Like, what? I think nothing happened when no. the sky turned purple. What? Here, what he actually said, just just for for the record, uh-huh. Claire says, "What happened out there, Charlie?" Charlie says, "You want to hear the part about me nearly being killed by the flaming fireball, redundant, or the frying or the flying fork?" Yeah. Claire, Claire says, "I want you to be serious," and then he says, "Nothing happened." I love that. I love how he did. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, do you want to hear about the part where I almost died? It's because I want to hear the truth. Oh, nothing. It's like, I I don't get it. I mean, like, I, that, oh, that scene shit. is just so weird. And then there's the next line uh, where she says, well, something happened. I mean, that noise and the sky turned that weird violet color. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie says, did it? I love that. Did it? Like, he's got to be, he's got to be manipulating things somehow. I just don't believe he's that stupid or naive, or whatever the word would be, for him to say did it. Like, why Why wouldn't he want her to know that he saw that? Or why wouldn't he want her to believe that it happened? You know, it's like, why would he say did it? It reminds me, of, like, Henry said that, like, a, a line like that. Yeah. When I was, he was like, go to an attack me or whatever. Did he? <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> There's no question, unless, like, everybody on the island is hallucinating. It, yeah. And then, she, and then she just totally does not persist. She goes, did it? She goes, I didn't. Anyway, um, she just totally doesn't think anything more about it. I mean, like, she should be like, yeah, Charlie, it did. I saw it. Even Aaron mentioned it. Damn, like, it happened. I guess she's just, like, sway- like, if people doubt something, then she's like, well... I guess it didn't happen. Like, is she just, like, swayed so much by people around her that she can't, like, have her own opinion about anything? 
Yeah, I just don't get why, you know, he said, do you want to hear the flaming fireball or the part about the fork? And she goes, I want you to be serious. He should have been like, I am, and then tell her what happened. Yeah. But no, nothing happened. Why would he even say that? Yeah. All right, well, as interesting as Claire and Charlie are, I think we should uh, move to our last segment here. Please, Um, this is getting way too long. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm really tired. Um, so I want to talk about what they, t- uh, uh, a few things that they, uh, threw out in the, in the most recent post-finale official podcast. Cool. Um, it's probably the best official podcast ever, so, um, if you don't like the official podcast and you want to just listen to one in your life, this is the one. Um, there's a lot of information there. Okay. So uh, I've got a list of things, and I'll just throw them out there and, you know, comment if you want. If not, we'll just uh, move on. Cool. All right. Here's what. Here's one thing. We, we kind of already talked about this, but they mentioned that Dharma has not been on the island very long. You know, we know that. Mm-hmm. But then they went on to say that Season 3 will explore um, and, and uh, uncover other people and other groups who have been on the island in previous uh, times. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, okay. That sort of makes sense because, I mean, that's, you know, uh, I don't remember if I said that earlier, but, like, it seems like, you know, with the whole fail-safe thing, and, you know, they sort of want want the idea of the hatch and the history of the hatch and, and uh, in terms of, you know, the Dharma and everything else, but they, you know, they don't want to have to deal with the hatch anymore, so they sort of blow up or whatever. And uh, it does seem like they're going in a different direction. That makes sense. And I guess so. That's yeah. I guess we said that earlier when we were talking about the foot. That obviously some culture built that, some previous culture. Right. Do you think? Do you think the island? I guess. I mean, I guess the idea would be that the island had always been sort of outside of normal observation or something. Uh, but you gotta wonder how that culture got there then. Um, yeah, that's true. And actually, I was thinking about something I said earlier about the others being, you know, uh, descendants of the people who built the statue, possibly. Yeah. And I realized they really shouldn't be speaking English, if that's the case. True. Um, if this might be a show inconsistency, but if, I mean, if they're indigenous to the island, they, they should not speak English. True. Well... You know? It could be a situation, I mean, I don't believe that they are the descendants. Especially with um, American accents. Um, I think it could be explained, I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate because I don't believe this, but um, I was just thinking it could be explained as, uh, you know, since Dharma was there for at least 16 years, maybe uh, maybe that's how they learned English from those people. Or, or, but, of course, they would at least have an accent. Yeah, and now they... After having their own language, presumably, but now, I mean, even when they're talking amongst each other, they just speak English with American accents. Yeah, dude, I don't, I don't think they're descendants. I think those people died out or something, or yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're. But it suggests something about who the others could possibly be. I mean, they have to just be Americans. Um, pretty much. Realistically. Yeah, or unless it's an elaborate, you know hoax that they're speaking English and they're really French or they're really whatever and, you know. 
Yeah, I guess. Or it's just a plot problem. Yeah. That they're speaking it just because they didn't want him to be another Chen and Son with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, like those movies, uh, you know, like Schindler's List or something, where everybody's exactly. speaking English, but they shouldn't be. All right. Um, the next thing uh, that I that I mentioned uh, earlier is that the the Brazilian scientists at the end are are in Antarctica, pretty yeah. much. Um, the next thing I'm uh, they threw out there is that, and I thought this was uh, interesting because it suggests more than just what the statement was. The statement was, the failsafe made the island visible to the outside world, and that there was another time that the island was briefly visible, and that was uh, when, the, when the plane crashed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that, uh, that sort of goes with what I said about what the failsafe did in terms of, uh, how I, think, I think my personal theory is that it sort of released all of the magnetic energy there, and so, but they didn't say... They just said it made it visible, not necessarily permanently visible. But yeah. uh, my thought, my I think it made it, it made it permanently visible because I think all the energy was released, and uh, and that energy was what sort of kept it, it kept it invisible. So uh, that makes sense. And like you know, and like the um, the Brazilian scientist said, you know, we missed it the first time, and I guess the first time being. Uh, when the plane went down, and that would have should that should have been a smaller release of energy. So maybe they, you know, it, it blimped on their map, uh, but since it was sort of smaller and didn't last as long, they couldn't sort of pinpoint the exact location. So right, that seems that seems consistent. And a corollary of this is that the island normally or previously uh, was in, invisible to the outside world. Yeah. Um, if something makes it visible, then it must have been invisible. Um, and what does that mean? In what sense? I mean, is it just literally invisible? Like there's there's an island in the middle of the water, but you can't see it. And if you sail, like you just like run into it and wouldn't know. I mean, that you know. Yeah. It, it brings up how could it be invisible? You know, and it and that's kind of what I was thinking earlier. And maybe because I you know I, I wrote these notes. Maybe subconsciously, when I was talking earlier about how I thought the island related to the world, I, I got this sense they're separated somehow, because I don't see how you just have an invisible island. You know, I, I feel like there's some some yeah. sort of separation and, like, a well, bridge between the two. You'd rather, instead of believing that there's something that can make the island invisible, you'd rather it's, like, in a different dimension that's, that's more logical to you? It, it sounds more It sounds more plausible to me, yeah. Sure. Well, according to, uh, according to, I believe, I believe, you know, the Invisible Woman in Fantastic Four, uh, the reason that she's invisible, I'll, I'll just bring a little comic book lore to you, is that light rays sort of bend around her. Uh, so, I, so I guess it's this idea that light doesn't actually reflect off of her, which is, you know, obviously how we see objects. They sort of uh, bend around her. And so there's this, you sort of get get this idea that, you know, you're seeing through her, which, in fact, the light is just sort of not, not reflecting off of her. So, I mean, I could see how, you know, a, a, a big force of magnetism could sort of bend, bend light rays in, in such a way where light doesn't reflect off of the island, so you can't see the island. 
Now, why you would see, you know, sort of behind the island or, you know, through the island, you know, in terms of it being invisible, I don't know. But uh, you got to see something, I guess. So maybe that's what you would see if it, you know. So I could see it being literally invisible in terms of, you know, the the, the great force of the of the electromagnetism bends the light rays light rays around the island. Um, but it's weird that, you know, I didn't really think that, you know, if you sail towards the island, you would actually hit it. You know, you wouldn't see it until you sort of get through the bubble that um, get through the bubble that uh, surrounds it and blocks it from view. But uh, I mean, I sort of agree, like what you said. I I, I I think it's sort of in a different dimension. But I guess it's a fine line. I guess you know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, both explanations are sort of realistically crazy, but... They're tenuous at best. <laughs> I like that phrase. <laughs> uh, let's see here. The next thing I want to throw out there, let's see. I want to save the, the best for last here. Please, um, make, they, our, make our audience wait. <laughs> uh, next season will run in two blocks, a block starting in October, six episodes, week to week, with no breaks. Then a long break where they sit, where they have some other show um, that didn't sound very good, and most TV isn't good, so, you know, no surprise there. And then they pick back up in February, and they run uh, straight through to the end, week to week, with 17 more episodes. So that's... So next week, uh, next week, next season will be, uh, uh, we'll, we won't have all these odd, you know, rerun for two weeks and then an episode and then all that stuff that was going on this season. Um, if that's better or worse, I don't know. I mean, I like, I like not having, you know, a lot of breaks, but it, you know, there's going to be a long, it's going to seem like a mini season and then like a two third season. Yeah, that's crazy. I, yeah, I mean, I remember waiting those, what was it, three weeks between the two episodes this season, and that was, like, the longest three weeks of my entire life. I'm like, is it on yet? Is it on yet? Is it on yet? So I think it'll be, this will be interesting. I think um, since the break is so long in between the two blocks, like, it'll be it'll be a little easier to take, even though it's longer, because it'll be, we'll sort of forget about it, I think, and be like, Oh, Lost will come on in 50 years, and then, you know, we'll wait and wait and then get busy with other crap, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be back on. So that'll be fun. And then it'll be, and then we'll be straight through. It'll be week after week of Lost, and it'll probably, hopefully it'll have a, sort of a snowballing effect, you know, with the episodes and what's going on. So Right. And lots of podcasts, so. Lots of podcasts. Excited about that. I can't wait for next season of our of the Lost Lowdown. I think we um, we're gonna have to come up with some ideas of how to uh, how to shake things up, um, how to uh, spice spice things up. We'll see. We'll see what we can pull out of our sleeves or our ass. Oh, I don't. Let's go with my idea first and see if that works. Um, remember okay. we uh, yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk. Indeed. All right. Uh, the next thing I want to mention, uh, they they said that they don't introduce something without knowing what the resolution of that will be. Ah, so, nice. So, yeah, when Locke found the hatch in season one, like episode nine, I think it was, 
They knew what was in there oh, at good. that time. That makes sense. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. It was comforting to me because uh, sometimes I start to believe they're just throwing stuff and they'll figure it out later. Yeah. Um, so the foot thing, they know what's going to happen with that. Um, and and they, they, they said this in the context of talking about the foot. So. Oh, good. Um, I can't wait to see about the fucking foot. Yeah, me either. I think it'll be good. All right. Um, they also mentioned that if if they're writing and they're trying to to develop the plot and they need to move the plot along, the first thing that gets dropped is having characters react realistically to the to the situation. Oh God, that's hilarious. That makes so, so much sense because. I mean, that was been sort of the lost ninja. Remember, people were theorizing that's what the sickness is, is an inability to think with common sense and think logically and respond to situations, you know, in a normal manner. manner. Right. Um, that's, so they just dropped the <laughs> – just dropped the, the – wow, that's hilarious. Yeah. It's like, uh, no time for this. Um, that makes sense. So, yeah, so you pretty much said it. I mean, that's, that's – my new theory about why they don't seem to care at various times about all of the amazing, wondrous things that they encounter on the island yeah. and why they sort of stop caring about leaving and why they, they don't seem to care unless it directly affects them, you know. Unless it's the plot of that episode. Right. So, um, so yeah, I thought, I thought that was uh, interesting to, to hear them actually say that. Um, so well, we know it's it's not it is intentional, but it's not intentional as a part of the plot. It's uh, I, I did sort of you know casually like the idea that uh, you know the more you're on the island, the more you sort of don't really care about leaving, and the the sort of more selfish you get to a certain point. And I thought that was sort of interesting of the sort of gradual uh, change of personality from just sort of being on the island. But uh, I guess that uh, doesn't apply. Um, no, I guess not. No, I mean, they didn't say specifically what parts were, were them doing this. So yeah. it could be that that, that that part is them doing that, but other times it's, it's them moving the plot along. So, you know, it's not like they, they went through. So it's, it could be that, but probably not. Yeah, okay. All right. So um, uh, regarding uh, season three, Oh, one more thing. The finale was rushed. They, it was about a month from starting to write, putting the first word down on the script, mm-hmm. to delivering the fully, you know, the fully edited with special effects and all that. Oh, and so not just, they didn't just shoot it in a month. They wrote it and shot it in a month. Yeah. That is crazy. So J.J. was just, he was just lying his ass off, and he was like, this is the best, the best season finale in the entire history of all mankind. Wow. Talk about publicity hype. Jeez, J.J., I thought you were a little above that for no apparent reason. No, obviously not. He wants people to watch. Yeah. Well, I, I just thought it was weird because, you know, Alias had a season finale, I think a series finale. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's saying, oh, Lost is the best thing ever. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you say Alias is good, too? But apparently, you know, Alias is going off the air. He doesn't really care anymore. Right. So he'd rather people go watch his new show. 
<laughs> the 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 cast cow, yeah, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they had two crews. They mentioned that too. There there were two uh, film crews like on in Hawaii filming simultaneously, and there were two editing crews. So you know, it was it was a huge team effort to sort of throw the thing together. Nice. And I presume you know the two crews were focused on like different plot elements like one you know they had the lock echo crew or something and the and the jack kate sawyer crew probably you know um yeah okay so i want to mention um they they threw out pretty much i said this earlier but desmond is pretty much not dead so oh i was hoping he was no i'm kidding that's uh and as i said earlier i think if desmond can be alive Anybody can be alive. So there's that. Um, Are you, uh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I thought it was weird that, I mean, I mean, I guess I don't think that the fail-safe sort of blew up the hatch because um, that would be a weird a weird sort of fail-safe to have where the person who activates the fail-safe, you know, ideally trying to save people or save whatever, you know, uh, would be, would die. And anyone right, in the hatch would die. Themselves. Yeah, that's that's just sort of weird. Yeah. So uh, I guess I don't really believe that he's dead. I think I, I think they could make some like Echo die. He was hurt, you know. And I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But uh, yeah, if he's alive, anyone could be alive. So. Um. At the beginning of season three, which I presume is, you know, the first six episodes, we will find out what the other's home is that Henry referred to and why Jack, Kate, and Sawyer in particular were taken. Nice, nice. In the first six, huh? Yeah. They they said at the beginning, so I'm assuming that'll be within the first six. But, you know, then again... I wonder if they're going to resolve the whole other storyline in the first, you know, in that first block of the season, and then sort of move on. I guess that's, I mean, I guess that sort of makes sense if they're if they're trying to move on to the other things about the island. Right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know if they can resolve it. I mean, I don't think the others are going to disappear. I mean, we the button is gone, um, but but. I can't imagine them dropping the others altogether. I feel like they're they're not going to quit caring about stuff. Well, all they have to do is have whatever reason the others are on the island, you know, have that have that reason disappear. I mean, they don't have Walt anymore. They don't have the hatch if they were, you know, interested at all in what was going on in the hatch. So, uh they could be like, well, you know, our experiments are done. Our you know, whatever we whatever they were doing on the island is just sort of over now. What about you Aaron? Know? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I mean they apparently don't want him anymore. I mean they they haven't they tried to take a lot to get him, and then I guess they just give up really easily. Yeah, I guess maybe whatever they wanted to do to Aaron, they they sort of did. They just didn't actually get to keep him. Um, maybe they feel like when he's older, um, you know, maybe their idea is when he's older they're going to try to take him again or something. But but I, that doesn't go, you know. Anyway, so I don't know. They they could easily say just you know have the others get off the island, but I don't know if they will either. I, I mean, it would just be crappy if they're sort of on the island for the rest of the season and they're not. You know, it's like you know, 
you know, Jack and Kate are busy, you know, uncovering, you know, ancient ruins, and Henry shows up, and it's just like, oh, God, Henry, didn't we deal with you in season two and three? Like, geez, you know, leave us alone. So. Right. Right. Um, they, they mentioned that in season three, they're going to, just in general, de-emphasize mythology and start emphasizing character relationships and, in particular, uh, romance. Oh, my God, you're kidding me. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Romance? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, well, I had two fun seasons, so... Um... What else is on TV these days? <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's it's gonna be the new uh, the new like all my children or something. Yeah, I just I okay. So what can we change our podcast to about um, the uh, the Simpsons loadout? How about that? We can go watch the Simpsons. That's Are still, they still on. Jeez. God, it's like season fifteen, I think, or something. Yikes. It's it's almost older than I am, and uh, well, I guess it won't ever be as old as I am. Started. Uh, yeah, but. it's probably not possible unless you say unless you die and you say your age doesn't continue once you die. Yeah. Cool. All I have to do is die, and the systems can be older than me. What a strange goal. <laughs> you know, I, um, be I I can't believe that they're gonna do that. I don't understand. I don't understand why they why. I mean, okay, I could understand if their things were bad and they were like, okay, well, let's sort of, maybe people want relationships, let's do that. But the ratings aren't bad. Well, they have gone down. Maybe they're not tanking, but um, I, I, I don't know if that's, their explanation was that, well, they've been on the island for a while now, so it's time to start, like, romancing. That's really and, weird. I yeah I'm really disappointed in that because uh, the romantic subplots they've had I mean uh, most recently obviously Desmond and Penelope but before it was I guess Saeed and Shannon yeah oh god um, I can't I can't wait to see Rose and Bernard romancing it up on the beach oh uh, yeah they, oh they Rose a bit of romance there in their flashback yeah it's like oh Rose you're so beautiful shut up Bernard. <laughs> God, you so you hurt me so. You know, you're not the, you're not the president or a doctor. <laughs> oh, but I can't catch a break. Anyway, yeah. that's really crappy. I mean, who are they gonna who are they gonna hook up? I mean, there's not that many women. I mean, what is it? Is Jack Jack and Kate or Sawyer yeah, and Kate they, or Kate? Kate's available, but I mean, probably not. I mean, I guess Claire and Charlie. Ugh, ugh that's. That's a couple that should just get married and go to hell, literally. <laughs> yeah, the one scene they had was too much. Um, you know, son, she's—I mean, she's married. I don't think she's gonna get involved with anybody. Yeah. Although, I think it's—I think it's uh, Michael's baby. Yeah, I know. I don't think so, though. Um, yeah, me either. I think that's—I I just. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a possibility, but I just, especially since Michael's, like, taken off, I just have a feeling they're not going to do that. The baby is going to matter in the plot, but I don't think that's going to be the big the big thing with the baby. I'm just still flabbergasted that there's even a baby coming. I mean, God, we got to get the, the whole other baby thing. It was 
taxing enough when it was Claire, and now it's I can't imagine Son being a very interesting mother either. Right. Oh, we have to go through the full term with her. I mean, at least with Claire, she was practically bursting. Oh, man. Can't wait till Jack is like, okay, now you need to do Lamaze. Yeah, that's, um, I don't know. Is there anyone in the world looking forward to that part? I mean, they they had, I mean, they you know, they say romance specifically, but in terms of general relationships, I mean, people have formed relationships. I mean, you know, they have the whole, the whole Boone Lock and Charlie and Echo. And, I mean, there's people who are, I think, fairly good friends. Well, I guess not, actually. <laughs> Uh, Locke got Boone killed, and uh, Echo ditched Charlie, so I guess they weren't too close. Um, bad examples. Right. Um, I agree, though, to a certain extent. None of them really seem to really care about anyone. I mean, I think Jack and Kate care about each other more, you know, sort of more than the other two, you know, people on the island do. I mean, obviously not like Bernard and, you know, Bernard and uh, Rose and, you know, Charlie and Claire obviously care about each other. But, I mean, just in terms of the other people... Like, I think they have a connection, and, of course, Sawyer and Kate, and I guess Sawyer likes Jack. They, that's the closest thing he has to a friend, so maybe they'll get closer, and maybe, uh, um, so who knows about that. But, yeah, I mean, they they do seem to sort of, you know, care about each other on a just because, you know, they sort of feel compelled to because they're in the same boat in the same situation, uh, but they don't really care about them. So I guess that's what's going to be strengthened. Um, they also mentioned that they're they're going to reveal uh, why Locke was in the wheelchair. Oh yay! <laughs> no one cares what the, anymore. What the deal is with Jack's tattoos and what the deal was with uh, Kate's marriage? Oh, <laughs> marriage? Yeah. What, when was she married? Well, you know, that was my question, but apparently that was – I don't remember, but apparently at some point they mentioned that she was married at one point. God, tell me she was married to Locke's dad. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she was married to Redzinski or something. Yeah. It'll actually be interesting. But. Oh, my God, that's a good idea. That'll be weird. It would be really well, weird. Yeah, yeah, that, that's interesting. And maybe maybe that's how we'll find out about Jack's tattoos. You know, Sawyer and Jack will become best buds, and Sawyer will ask him about it. What's with the tattoos, Doc? And um, that's really oh, bad. Sawyer, you're so persuasive, I have to tell you. Yeah. Oh, best bud, I'll tell you. <laughs> and uh, he tells him, so. Yeah. So those mysteries should be solved in season three. Those are I would put those under mysteries no one cares about anymore. Um, but whatever, there you have it. The final thing I want to mention, the most tantalizing thing that they revealed to us in the podcast regarding uh, the smoke monster, uh, they called it I'm the scared. smoke monster, so I'm going to call it that. Um, uh, it will be back in season three. Hasn't disappeared forever. Yay! Um, and they also threw out <laughs> that during this last season, we saw the monster, but did not realize that we were looking at the monster. What? And by the end of next season, we'll know what that means. 
Whoa. The end of next season? Yeah. We were so we were so Smokey was there. So that means he was he was in the guise of something else. Yeah, presumably. I mean that it made is, me think it was a person or a tree or some something that we saw and we thought, Oh, that's just a whatever or well, I mean, we didn't have that thought consciously, but we never thought, Oh, maybe that's Smokey. It was something that you know, didn't look like him. Yeah. Well, maybe, uh, I mean, if Smokey can change shape, then uh, maybe that explains, you know, Jack's dad being on the island and maybe even Dave and Kate's horse. Ah, maybe, right. Yeah, maybe Smokey can, uh, you know, and he did, you know, Smokey did sort of read Echo's thoughts and his get images from his from his past, literally. Yeah, he did. So maybe, uh, maybe Smokey... Uh, I mean, I hope it's not one of those things where, you know, it, it's this, uh, I've seen that in horror movies where the, the monster can sort of, uh, you know, pinpoint your biggest fear or whatever and or something like that and, you know, display it to you to scare you. I mean. Oh, yeah. Um, I eat it. I eat, oh, is it it? I knew it was something. I'm like, yeah. something, something very well written and, and turned into a bad TV movie. Um, it was good until the spider appeared. It was good until the second half when they're adults, and uh, the adults isn't, part isn't as good. But anyway, uh, we'll talk about that on the uh, the it lowdown. <laughs> oh yeah. But that uh that makes sense though. But but they said, but a lot. Uh, Jack's dad was season one. Right? Yeah yeah. Okay. But Very I guess that early in season one. That doesn't rule anything out. But, no, uh, I mean, the monster was there from the pilot. Yeah. And it still doesn't explain why. I mean, I'd like them to explain where Jack's dad is, his body. Like, you know, because Jack finds oh. the empty coffin, and it's like, well, he didn't really see, Yeah, that goes back to what you were saying about them not caring. Like, oh, my, my father's body. I mean, at least just have Jack say, well, I guess. When the plane crashed, the coffin opened and he fell out and, you know, right. whatever. Maybe that's – they just didn't have time for it. Too much plot. Yeah. He just said, oh, well, I guess that's normal. I'll move I on. didn't care anyway. Yeah. I uh, – so, uh, so a lot of people have been speculating about what that what, – what we might have seen in season two – and if you watch season two again, maybe keep that in mind when you're watching the episodes. For if you see something, uh, you know that might be it. I don't know. I, I guess set uh, off your set off your smoke monster alarm. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, yeah. Be aware. And. Uh, our listeners can watch season two again if we do our um, if we do our uh, trivia contest giveaway sweepstakes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's all three. It's a trivia contest sweepstakes giveaway. Um, it's the the penultimate uh, free giveaway. So yeah. Um, so we'll so do one more free giveaway. Huh? Because if it's the penultimate, then we have to do another one. Oh, penultimate doesn't mean the highest? It means second to last. Oh, exactly. We'll do at least two. So this will be the penultimate, and then we can have the... We can only do one more contest. Oh, crap. Well, I retract penultimate. Screw us over, sir. 
Uh, how about how about uh, the Zenith giveaway? The uh, the um, I don't know any other words. The uh, the I can just say ultimate. Yeah, you could say ultimate. That, sure. that means any other giveaway can't be as good. That's true. Crap. I don't, well, I mean, basically what I mean is, God, we should stop talking. What I mean is it's going to be the best thing ever, but not necessarily the best thing since the contest first started, I mean. Right. Which, yeah. Anyway, I I just felt the need to point that out because, uh. I know. Uh, I would, I would also like to, you know, just, you know, just to mention it that, um, certain other, podcast don't give away season two DVDs. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but there are other Lost-related podcasts that um, I don't think are giving away free stuff. Do, do you know of any Lost-related podcasts giving away free stuff? And they give away free season two DVD sets. I can't, uh, I can't say I know. Oh, I think... I think Lostcast does that. Oh, wait, they don't. Oh, oh they don't. Oh, well. That's oh. okay. They're, they're still good people. They're still good people. Yeah, even though um, they only give you two hours of show, here at Lost Lowdown, we give you five hours of show. We give you all the random Lost banter you can handle. We're the only Lost podcast who can turn uh, a small scene with Libby and Desmond in a cafe into a 30-minute conversation uh, that goes nowhere and brings up nothing. Yeah, we, uh, we, we will obsess about the details that other people think are trivial. You know, I, I, honestly, I think uh, what I like about our podcast, besides the fact it's us and I like us, um, is that we do sort of make it a point to, um, you know, analyze everything in excruciating detail and sort of think about the logic behind character actions and plot lines and and sort of consider, you know, like we'll come up with the theory and we just won't leave it at that. We'll say, okay, I think the failsafe did this, and then we'll come up with reasons why that could be plausible, you know. And I think that's really good to sort of uh, – I mean, it's not like we're doing this scientifically, but we're, we're taking sort of a um, – a scientific approach, if you will, or you know, a, a good. I think a good approach to to loss because we we think about, we try to think about all the different facets uh, of the plot and and why people why would some, this character do this and what would be the motivation and what would be his goal and. Applying um, logic doesn't always work, but oh god, well, it gets you a five-hour podcast, so. Well, it's not go. always the best thing to do. Sometimes it leads to, you know, saying why the show's bad, and sometimes it leads to, you know, correct conclusions, like in the case of the hazmat suits. Exactly. So, you know, seems to work, I guess. Um, yeah. We'll keep doing it until otherwise. Until, yeah, until the show's over, at least. Um, so anyway, enough about... Enough about us. Um, Indeed. But, yeah, people uh, who are listening, thank you for listening uh, thus far because it's very long. But, yeah, be sure to uh, let us know if, if you guys are interested at all in uh, a sort of trivia contest sweepstakes giveaway and, uh, you know, and the prize podcast being – Podcast sweepstakes giveaway. Podcast sweepstakes giveaway. 
And the prize being uh, season two DVD, man. You know, that's pretty nice. That's what it's about sixty dollar. But it's gonna be like fifty or sixty bucks, right? Uh, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Hey, maybe we can uh, we can we can give away uh, Gary Choop's book, Bad Twin. Oh yeah, we could do that. We could do that. That's a it's a cheaper prize. Um. Anyway, we'll we'll figure it out. Let us know what you. Hey, let us know what you guys would want as a as a contest uh, prize too. Uh, maybe maybe no one won season two. It wasn't a great season. Uh, <laughs> like I'd rather I'd rather have Alias on uh, DVD. Um, the Will and Grace finale. I don't know. Desperate Housewives. Anyone? Please? Desperate Housewives. Please. We can only do ABC related uh, TV shows. So I guess Will and Grace is out. But um, it's a contract. Sorry. Yeah. What can we do? All right. I think that's pretty much it. Um, so, I suppose we should just sign off. Oh, but I have two more hours in me. <laughs> well, too bad. We're off to oh. another podcast. This one's long enough. Yeah, we won't. Um, so, we're, we're in this, which is good, because, uh, what time is it? Like, midnight or, no, it's late than that. Two or three. Oh, man. We've been podcasting yeah, for five late. hours. I think the neighbors are going to start complaining. They're not going to be able to sleep. I'm talking so loud. Yeah. Um, so thanks again, everyone, for listening, even if you only sort of listened to the first part and got bored and then skipped to the end, uh, something I would have done. Um, but it was a bad idea because the real good stuff's in the middle. The real good stuff is in the middle, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's like a treasure. you got to find it. Um, I don't even know where it is. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Send comments uh, if you feel inclined to do so. Um, thanks for everyone who is uh, interested in hearing us. I know we got a couple of comments about that. Uh, Vicky H, of course, we mentioned as being uh, the, the uh, our shining star, and um, we, we we love her enthusiasm. And she's the first person to email us at lostlowdown at gmail dot com. I think first and last. Um, like the only email we ever got, but that's okay. Others will come and you know. And uh, so, uh, thanks and namaste. Namaste. Good luck.